Thursday, June the 24th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a, a nice week as we get set, uh, start to get set for the weekend here. We're going to have... Uh, Lots of different topics, as always, on this episode. We're going to get into NBA with Eric. We'll go over everything happening in both of the conference championship conference final series. We recorded right after Hawks-Bucks game one on Wednesday night, so we were able to get some fresh thoughts on that game, as well as talk about the Clippers and the Suns. We discuss the Celtics' new coach hire, We talk a little bit about what the roster looks like for Team USA for the Olympics. Then I'll get into horse racing, talk about Stable Duel, get you set up for Friday. Um, I'm going to have some Friday Belmont plays. The Churchill Downs cards for the weekend are really, really good. So we'll go Friday Churchill. I've got a lot of plays there. And then on Saturday, we'll head on over a couple stakes races at Thistle Down with the Ohio Derby. We'll talk about a couple stakes races there. And then we'll get to Saturday some Churchill. Wrestling with Chad Cooper, we hit up AEW, talk about uh, Dynamite the last couple weeks, and we set you up for their Saturday show, and we get to WWE, Hell in a Cell, Monday Night Raw, those Money in a Bank qualifiers, we talk about NXT, and a very action-packed, lengthy episode of Wrestling with Chad Cooper, and then the old Wrestling Rewatch, we'll uh, start talking a little bit about NXT in Your House 6, we head back to 1996 with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. So, NBA, racing on Friday and Saturday, multiple tracks, current wrestling, old wrestling, as what we've got for you on this episode. That is brought to you by BetterThan.Vegas, website that's totally free, that gives you a bunch of information that's going to help you make money or it'll just give you money if you want to get in and in, entered in some of the free contests that they have heck if you just follow at btv bets on twitter every day they have parlays they put up polls and then the all of the polls that the leading side uh, spreads or whatever the totals they put up they put together a parlay and one of the followers gets the winnings of the parlay Sometimes it's two, three, four hundred bucks in that range. Make sure to give them a follow. You see, if you follow me on social media at it's me Gino B, please give me a follow there on Twitter. Uh, that's where you'll get like all the information for anything that I'm ever doing, anything that's not related to this show. If there's ever any other live streams, video stuff, you follow me there on Twitter, you'll get all of that. And I've been posting daily videos with baseball, NBA, wagers, all sorts of stuff that I'm going to be betting on. I had some U.S. Open stuff last week, too. And all sorts of different handicappers will post their videos for free. And they'll, they'll help you out with whatever you're playing. You know, people playing different props, all sorts of different individual uh, team wagers, uh, totals, team totals. Great stuff, great information there. All of it's free. All of it's brought to you by Manscaped. We'll tell you a little bit more about Manscaped uh, later on in this episode. Better than dot Vegas. So I wanted to. Uh, I I can't remember what it was today that reminded me of this. I was watching a movie or a show, or and 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 I, I made a note. I wanted to to tell the story. It was funny. So it it sort of coming up at this time of the year too. Um, my uh, my old roommate James and I I'm sure many of you who have 
lived with your friends or have had roommates, you've probably had situations where you would have some fun, play some pranks on each other now and then. So we were living together. I was 21 at this time. So this is 2010. And we, uh, I drink a lot of water. So I always have like a lot of water bottles around. And so we'd always have, you know, a ton of water bottles in our, in the fridge. Um, and a lot of the time what it would ends up happening is like, you know, I drink a lot of water throughout the night. So I'll usually have like a bottle of water or probably even two like next to me when I go to sleep. And, and sometimes I'll drink those and then have to go get more water. So <laughs> this would happen to me a lot throughout the, the, uh, the night. And so we would start messing around and we would hide a bottle of vodka and we would pour vodka into one of the water bottles and so of course vodka being clear you can't really tell the difference all that much I mean if you were really looking at it you could probably tell and notice and you'd you'd maybe get the hint that one of the bottles was open if you but you know a lot of the time you'd be half asleep or something and so we would we would try to trick each other and 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 do that and and then what ended up happening is our our place was a, a place where a lot of people would, would come and hang out and so we would start tricking our friends uh in in, in that same uh, way getting uh, so excited telling the story that i'm like knocking my into the uh the microphone here so yeah, we would, you know, after after we each caught each other like once or twice, we started paying more attention to the those bottles in the fridge, and then we would start having more fun, more fun trying to set our friends up. Oh, you know, I'll get a bottle of water. You know, just uh, use the ones on the right side. You know, we'd kind of and and we'd laugh as somebody would, you know, sneak a, a sip of the vodka. You know, whatever total total thing you do with your friends when you're you know that age, right? In the the twenty twenty one ish range, so. I was getting ready. Uh, this was right when I was working at Del Mar for the weekends. I would go down there. Um, a lot of the times I would go down on th- late Thursday night because I would work Friday, Saturday, Sunday down there for TVG. And so I think I would have rooms usually on Friday and Saturday to stay, uh, hotels. But I would like to get there and not have to deal with like driving down there on Friday. So I had a couple friends that would be down in San Diego that lived down there. So I'd usually go on Thursday night, stay with one of my friends down there. That way, at least I was close. I could check into the hotel room right away on Friday. If I wanted to get in there a little early, they'd usually let me and you know, whatever. Those are details, not, not that really important. But <laughs> so I was getting, I'd get all packed and loaded up and, uh, I went and grabbed just a bunch of the water bottles from the fridge and put them in a bag. Didn't even think at all about it. And I'm driving, and I remember I'm like halfway from where I am in Pasadena to down to Del Mar. You know, about a, about an hour, 45 minutes, an hour or so through. And it's like 11 o'clock. I would go late, so there would be no traffic. And I just one of my friends would let me come over. I just crash over there, and, and it would no problem. So I'm driving, and I just grab to the right, and I grab one of those bottles while I'm driving, <laughs> and I take the biggest swig, and it was vodka. And I'm driving on the freeway. You know, it's 11 o'clock. I'm going like 70 miles an hour, as fast as you can. You know, there's no one around, and I'm like. Oh my god, what do I do? I just take took a huge swig of vodka and I like spit it up a little bit on my chest. I kind of swerve a little bit cuz I realize like it hits me like, "Oh no." And then I got to obviously I got to I got to pull off. It takes me like an hour honestly to get all cleaned up. I'd like pull off the freeway, take my what I was wearing off, 
clean up everything in the car. The car just reeked. I had to like douse it down with like axe body spray or whatever the hell I had at that that time. And, and I was 21 years old, but it was so great. And I, I, I honestly think I had ju- it was just a few months after I was 21 too. So I mean, not like I was allowed to be drinking in the car. Anyone would have came and next to me and pulled me over, I'd have been in massive trouble because of the way everything smelled. Uh, luckily, I was able to get the car washed and get away. But it's one of those funny things where I saw somebody do something similar in a movie. It reminded me of that. I wanted to share that funny story. of. Uh, I'm sure you all out there have some funny stories that some of you uh, and your roommates and your friends and in uh, that age range and time period uh, used to do. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the vodka, no bueno. And I'm not about the vodka fan either so that that's what makes it a lot worse that's that was like the point of the whole thing is i i i'm more of a now rum um whiskey uh you know i'm okay with bourbon but i'm just more like on the dark the darker liquors um this yeah funny memory there uh as uh we get set for our first guest eric gotta give a big shout out to eric he's been with us for all of nfl last year and then for every week of nba this year as we are now down to the final four not to talk about with the two series first up uh, we get into what we just saw. We talk about Milwaukee and Atlanta. Atlanta taking that game one lead. 48 points from Trey Young. We talk about the Suns and the Clippers. Everything that went down late in that game. We talk about the new coach for the Celtics. And a little bit about the Olympic team there. So Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, joins us here for NBA on That's What G Said. Wednesday night, June the 23rd, we are recording this uh, immediately following the Atlanta Hawks upset win in Game 1 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals over the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Eric Etop, 2-1 Sports, joins me uh, as Eric has each and every week this year to talk NBA on this show. Eric, we are in the freaking conference finals. We've got one conference final game uh, series with two games down. We've got another one that started right here. And uh, the Atlanta Hawks and Trey freaking Young are up one game here. Trey Young scored 48 points in game one. I mean, when you think about what this team is doing, I mean, basically, Bodanovich is on one leg. No Cam Reddish. No DeAndre Hunter. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. We we were high on this team at the beginning of the season. And we both thought with a lot of the moves that they made in the offseason, they bring in Bogdanovich, they bring in Gallinari, uh, you know, even Rondo didn't work out. They traded him there. They, but they were trying. You could see this team was trying. They wanted to make a move um, and they wanted to go all in and try to win. Just was kind of unsure if the pieces were all going to fit sort of mismatch but you you looked and said they actually have some legitimate NBA guys on this team and then they were just so bad to start the year so bad early on they end up firing their coach how often do you see something like that happen a team firing their coach in the middle of the season they're up one game uh to nothing in the Eastern Conference Finals what this team is doing is is pretty crazy and you know every year we look at this year and what's been going on in the NBA, 
A lot of injuries all over A lot of big players, a lot of big stars missing I mean, you can do this every every year I, I do think this year is a little more Because of the turnaround, because of COVID, because of everything But I'm a Laker fan Take a look at the Lakers path last year Round one, they played a Portland team That Dame was banged up by the end of that series And Nurkic, Collins, all those guys were not completely 100% healthy Round two, Houston, Westbrook wasn't healthy Round three, they beat a Denver team that was pretty healthy there uh, Maybe like a couple of their bench pieces weren't quite as much And then in the finals, they played Miami And uh, Drogic wasn't 100% healthy they, Bam at, at times was a little bit banged up, you could see So in Think about the Warriors, the years they beat the Cavs teams Love and Kyrie were banged up those years How about uh, Toronto with Kawhi They won because, you know So we can play this every year You know, um, for for as much as we can say Atlanta maybe shouldn't be in this spot Or some of these teams shouldn't be in this spot We gotta credit the teams that do take advantage And to me, the two teams I've been, I think, the most impressed with Have been Atlanta and the Suns And that, hey, They're playing the cards that are dealt right in front of them, and they're doing the damn good job of it. They're playing well. I mean, Suns are playing really, really well. You can make an argument that they could have easily lost those last two games, especially with how bad um, Booker played. Yeah. It's it's remarkable to me how Paul George didn't split three throws, especially when I had... Clippers money line parlayed with the Canadians money line that really oh, upset oh me, dude. My God, but and Paul George has done, and that's what this has been my like one of my concerns with um with what's been happening for the Clippers so far this year. And this is what it what is difficult um when you are a team that has aspirations on winning it all and you haven't really been close or we don't know what kind of a team you are there. It feels like the Clippers have done a hell of a lot this playoffs, right? Like the comeback against Dallas And then you're down against Utah again And you come back and then Kawhi gets hurt And you have these great games from Paul George And Reggie Jackson and Kennard and Morris and Terrence Mann and all these guys stepping up That you didn't expect And then you you look up And it's like oh wow we're down 0-2 again in the conference final And we could be out of the conference Final pretty quickly and then be to the point Where we're scratching our head going you know, we really weren't close again. Kawhi got hurt, but you know, this is something we talked about with AD. Um, and I laughed about you know when when Barkley called him uh, street clothes. There's a lot of these guys that are injury prone, and there's a lot of these guys that are kind of hard to always have to count on. Yeah, I mean, you got to be dependable. I mean, like I give Bodanovich and Harding credit. Those guys obviously aren't 100. They're, they're trying. Out there, they're going out there and they're at least competing and trying. Um, you know, I already last week I gave my big Kawhi theory. Um, in turn, AD, you know, he gave it his all, but if you're hurt, you're hurt. But back to Paul George, um, like a lot of the big sports talk stuff has been Ben Simmons. I mean, you listen to Ben Simmons after that game, and you listen to Paul Paul George, completely different mindsets. Paul George yeah. is like, hey, you know what? Let's move on. I missed him. We're moving on. You know, Ben Simmons is like moping. I need to get better. Blah 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 blah. Completely, just two guys that are just confident, confidently. Their confidence are just night and days day apart. Yeah, and that, this has been a good like that. That's what's crazy. If you look, if so, if you're the Clippers and it, you're gonna probably feel pretty pleased about this playoff run, even if you don't win it all, and let's say you lose in the series to the Suns because you you'll come back and say, yeah, Kawhi got hurt. 
Then you'll look up and you'll say, okay, this is already year two of this uh, where we put this team together. We don't really have a lot of flexibility moving forward because we did so much to get this team. That's where, you know, as a Laker fan, I, I, it's nice because the Lakers are are probably in similar spots. Like they're not going to be in 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 situations where you know for years to come they can just go out and spend in in on free agents. But um, what's nice is with this group they've got a title in the bank and you're you know you can sort of keep some of your your players. Like you're the Clippers, you got to try to get one with this group. This is the best group and the best chance you've ever had at winning one. And right now. You probably kick yourselves and look up and go Damn, if Kawhi was healthy right now We would be the heavy favorite Like they would be a heavy favorite With a healthy Kawhi right now These you're, you, you're telling me These first two games with Chris Paul out with COVID That were so close without Kawhi They they wouldn't have gone the other way Oh I know, I know And I mean, back to your thing Like after they won that series um, Oh my god, against Utah And you saw the celebration With man. Kyrie was just sitting in the background the whole time. I mean, with that reaction, that doesn't tell me he's excited to play and he's going to be playing at all this year ah. for the rest of the season, for the rest of the playoffs, excuse me. You know, no. just just with how everything was going on. So I just – Clippers are up against it. I mean, I think they found something. They, I liked what they were doing um, with Zubak in game two. Uh, still, it's inexcusable what happened on the defense. For Zubak to go underneath that screen, allow Aiton to get that um, to get the tip dunk, and what was Baton doing? You at least have to like give a little like body check to Aiton Aiden when he's rolling to the basket. But it Kennard, was way too easy. Yeah, Kennard's been coming off. He's been um, what do you get? He scored ten. You know he's been looking good. Reggie Jackson's been playing great. I really think though that. They need to go to Terrence Mann a little bit more because he's going to give a little bit more scoring punch than Patrick Beverly is able to do. What um what worries me a bit for the Clippers is that I I feel like in this particular setup, like if this was their series, these two teams, these two rosters, no Kawhi, no CP3, I genuinely think the Clippers could still come back and win this series. But mm-hmm. I think they have I they have the deeper, better roster. When when there's no Kawhi and no CP3, the Clippers have the better deeper roster. That doesn't mean they would win, but they they do. I think they have more they have more options there to go to. They still have more pieces. When you throw CP3 back into the mix now, and it looks like he's going to play in Game Three, that's where I think it may even be like a mental thing, just a lift up for this Phoenix team who feels like, wow, we got by a couple games without our leader, and now he's coming back. And the Clippers are going to probably look look across and go, oh crap, we had two games where we probably could have stole either one of them. Now CP3 is coming back. Um, this is, I mean, this next game three, this is this is the whole season for the Clippers. This is make or break it. And the big thing that the Suns are able to do with CP3, we all have to remember, is they can roll out a lineup where they put Payne at the two, CP3 at the one, Booker at the three. So now you have three guys that can hit a mid-range, drive to the bucket, hit a three, or if you double, can find the open guy or hit the guy that's hit the screener, more than likely Aiken, cutting to the hoop. So, I mean, they're able to roll those three guys out there, which is just way too hard for pretty much anyone to defend. The What I'm a little worried about, too, with, with the Clippers is um, they've been playing in such – 
the, this group has played really well now for four straight games. Um, what they were, a couple of them on the road. I think what three of the four of them were on the road now. Um, and it was sort of like they were in a situation where it didn't feel like there was all that much pressure on them. Now you now you're coming back home with your whole season on the line. You're going to have to deal with with CP3. Um, I, I just got a feeling like. Some of these guys who have played Like Paul George will still probably give you a good game Because even a bad game for him He'll probably still score 20-25 and maybe just shoot You know, shoot poorly from the field But some of, some of these role players Who have have played, who have stepped up Like this is something we see in basketball Quite often When a, a star goes out Guys can step up for a game or two A week or so But then they come back to life Maintaining um, the level is hard Because you just There's a reason why you aren't Up that to that next level Because it's it's a consistency That's the difference between A good player and a great player right? We look at how many of these guys That are having a good playoff run this year And you look back to last year Some of these guys had bad playoff runs Or they The guys who had really good ones last year Had bad ones this year Kind of like um Kind of like a relief pitcher for a lot of the the role players, you know, in basketball, you're gonna have good and bads, and so you know some of these guys are clutch and they step up a little more than others. But you know, someone like Joe Harris, for example, he had a horrible, horrible playoff se- like season series. I don't think that means he's just a choker. I mean, it maybe he just. I, I would still be willing to give him an opportunity. You know, someone like for the Lakers, like KCP, for example, the guy last year. Was probably one of the major reasons that the Lakers won the title He was incredible He shot unbelievable all throughout the playoffs This year, poor guy could not hit a shot In a small sample size in the playoffs Which guy is he? You know, that's what makes this so fun When you watch these series and you get these guys Like, right now, you know, obviously Trey Young is great And everyone's stars generally show up for the most part But I I enjoy more seeing uh, You know like John Collins Stepping up like this The Dylan Brooks guy for Memphis How good he was in that series You know Herder in his game 7 What he did in, in helping them Like those are the, the fun playoff stories Campaign for the Suns right What he's doing stepping in for Chris Paul the, the, Like those are the cult classic Kind of hero stories in the playoffs That I love And back to your point Um about the injury thing, when you um, listed Harris as an example, Harris played two good first games for the Nets. But then when Irving goes out, it allows the Bucks to say, okay, who do we take away next? Mm-hmm. Joe Harris. So yep. that's another thing that happens when, granted, there'll be that game where they'll step up and they'll have a good game. But then the, the team, okay, we need to take this guy away. And now it's a completely different game when you're kind of a focal point of, um, of the defense. The shots you're getting, right? They're not the same shots you would get. Exactly. Norm- and people, normally. they're not, they're not, like when, when you have, like, perfect example, Joe Harris, when you have a banged up Harden who can't beat anyone off the dribble and Durant, you're not going to double off of Harden now. You're only going to double, you're, sorry, you're not going to double Harden. You're only going to double Durant. Now, who are you going to, you know, you're not going to leave Joe Harris. You're always going to And you're not cheating on Harden anymore because yeah. he doesn't have the explosiveness. You're you, cheating yeah. more on Harris. So now instead of that, uh, like, you know how they qualify the shots when you look in, like, in the analytics as, like, wide open or very wide open or, you know, contested. Like, all of those shots for him would have been in the, like, very wide open category. And now instead, they're in the, like, contested category, you know? 
And some players are are fine with that This is what you and I talked about with Middleton And probably one of the reasons why the Bucks Are still playing right now Is because they've got a guy on their team That is capable of hitting Big contested shots And uh, teams like Philly didn't, didn't have that when they needed it You know, Atlanta does Atlanta has multiple players that we've seen That are able to do that Both of the teams in the West Have multiple players that we've seen That are able to do that So uh, right before we started recording You had mentioned um, Let's sort of uh, circle back and finish up uh, Some of our thoughts on this uh, Bucks-Hawks uh, game And then we'll, we'll get some more final thoughts Over on the Clippers-Suns So <clears throat> this game early seemed Seemed very Bucks But Something that Barkley said, and it's funny, you know, you got to take things that some of the national people on, on, you know, say w- with a grain of salt. I, there are some things that Barkley says that I completely agree with, and then there are other things that I couldn't disagree with more. You know, I think you have to t- take most people that way. But you said it, um, and and he did too. This did not feel, from like an intensity standpoint, at all like a conference final game. I mean, compare it to last night, the intensity of that Suns Clippers game. It that just felt like way more intense. That felt like a playoff game. This felt like, you know, a Wednesday middle- night in Milwaukee. And yep. that, that's literally what it felt like a Wednesday night in Milwaukee. There was n- no physicality, nothing. People running down, people going to the lane, not getting fouled. I mean, it, it just felt like a regular season game. And I mean, I think the key. Three keys for the game for me for the Bucks end is why the hell is Jeff Teague on the on the court? They were up double digits, comes in, and that's when Young got it going with three three buckets, and then it cut the lead. They took Teague out and allowed the Bucks to kind of stay not excuse me the Bucks but the Hawks to stay close in that second quarter. That was the first thing. Um, I thought one of the keys pre series pre series was with Lopez on the court. That's gonna because he stays out on the perimeter, that's going to draw Capella away from the basket. So I really felt that that I was going to see Lopez on the on the court a little bit more, but he really struggled in the pick and roll, so that's why they had to make the adjustment and take it out. But if that's the case, at least put Portis out there, because Portis is a little bit more athletic, and Capella would be on him, and he would be out on the three-point line, and that would open up the lane for Tucker and Cunnington and out of Tufo to get some offensive rebounds. And the last thing is Middleton played like shit. I mean, he was six of 23, three of four from three throws and he's Oh of nine from threes. I mean, I'm telling you guys right now, I am going to be on Middleton first basket because they're going to look to go get to go get him going right away in the next game with, and that'll probably be anywhere from five to seven to one. And I'll play the prayer prop on over threes because it's going to be low because he just shit the bed. And I'll play the player point over points. I mean, they're going to look to get Middleton going. And it's going to be a lot more physical game. And I'll probably play the under and Trey Young because they're going to be running twos at him. And they're going to be physical as hell with him. Trying to get the ball out of his hands. Trying yeah. to force if Bogdanovich is on the court at all. You have to try to make him make a play because he did not look great. Um, make but they started the... off the game attacking him. And then they just yeah. kind of, I don't know, this it's is... so weird. It just kind of goes in and out. You know, there's just no real... But know, that like, was with the intensity thing, yeah. right? Because what's hard is that you know they started doing what was right, but one, and I I see this with the with the Lakers, or you see it with good teams that that have won before that try to flip the switch. And what happens is sometimes you think you can do it, and you go, and it's not there. 
You just can't Like you go to call on this extra source of energy And it's just it's just not there Like you think it would be So you gotta set that tone Right now Like where you are There um, And this is something that Again you know I bring things back to the team That I, I watch and root for And the team that is a, a team that's the reigning champion That gets a lot of critiques One of the critiques about Anthony Davis Which I think is valid sometimes is Why does it take a, day, a game or two for him to get Motivated you know in a series we saw that Right on in the, the Suns it took Like a game and then and then games two And three he looked good and he Started playing better but like why Does it you're telling me this is the first Game of the playoffs and you're not ready to go Like this is game one of the Eastern Conference finals and you're not Like if you're the Bucks you Aren't looking at this going holy Crap this is our opportunity now we just got through that this team that we probably shouldn't have really got a chance to beat, but they had some like you got to look at things logically and be like, this is our chance right now. Let's stick our foot on the throats of an Atlanta team that shouldn't probably even like we didn't think should be here, and 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 they come up flat. Like you got to after such a big game seven win, and you're so high on them, and it's not even like they had a. Quick turnaround Atlanta had to deal with the Game 7 too so they were in the same Boat it's not there was there was No disadvantage here for Milwaukee to lean to that's What's the most I mean the only thing is From a betting aspect you have that huge Emotional win yep and you get That emotional letdown in game one And I mean because you kind of feel Flat like yeah and like I like when I watched the Hawks 76ers I never Really felt the Intensity that I felt when I watched the Nets Bucks. Like I never like that last the last four minutes of the game, you pretty much knew the Hawks were gonna win. Okay. That game was a complete coin flip that there was million twists and turns. Like I so I get it from that aspect, but I mean this is like a must win because you don't want to go to Atlanta, you know, down down oak two. Yeah, I think they all. will. I'm on the Bucks big time next. You know, like they're gonna bounce back, and I think I think they'll probably win by 15. You know, like I think yeah, they the line will opened win. up. Line opened up at seven and a half. I'm gonna yeah. be all in on every single Chris Middleton prop that I can find, and that's another thing. Like after a guy has like an insane playoff performance, okay, have it be last night. I was on the Devin Booker under 32 points, easy money. He only got 20, and then tonight I was on a little bit of a sweat. Um, who's the the redhead kid from Herder? Um, Herder. Yep. His player prop is under thirteen and a half. So after that guy has that huge game, game seven, always yep. yeah, like there's no um no player props or points out yet. But even if uh, Chris Ball plays, I'm going to be on the pain under because there's no way he's going to lead that team in shots again. You know what and- I mean? There's no way at all. And then you have to bang on Middleton getting it going. So I'm going to be on the Middleton props. For the overs and everything It's similar to just the way we, we play football And we talk about the football games when you play them Or just any anything, right? When whatever the betting public just saw Everybody's going to try to gravitate more towards that And the lines are going to be skewed that way So even if that's the case Like let's say Herder got hot and your bet was wrong Well, it was still a pretty good bet Because it was overvalued than where it should be Based off exactly. of what he was coming And, and that's exactly. what betting is come down to right? It's it's all about making sure That what you're wagering on Is 
a good value. It's not just picking winners or losers at all. We've talked, you're talking about this with baseball the other day, right? Like 40%, 45% when you're picking dogs in baseball is completely fine. You oh, know? Yeah, as long as you're getting that positive ROI. And I'll tell you what, everyone talks about this Hawks team as like an up and coming team and everything. My two comments are this number one, if you do not sign, re sign John Collins, they're insane. I mean, yeah. that kid is an absolute beast slasher. He can score in the post. He can hit a three. He can go to the rim. He can dive. That is huge. Um, Hunter has had some injury problems, and that's a little worrisome to me. Um, he never seems to be able to play a healthy – you know what I mean? He's starting to get the reputation yes. that Embiid and those guys have of always being hurt. Um, and also – Everyone and their aunt was high in Cam Reddish. And here's the one thing I will say about Cam Reddish. One of my good friends worked at a basket, one of those um, Adidas or ABCD camps that um, Reddish went to. And his comment to me was, anytime there was skill developmental work, Reddish was always hurt. But when it came to playing the game, he was always miraculously healthy, ready to go. So that tells me he really isn't a gym rat putting yeah. in the work. So that would be my three hesitations from this Atlanta team. But I truthfully feel like if you're going to be a championship caliber team, you have to have two guys, you know, that are in the top 15, 18 that are in the NBA. And I just, you look at everyone's roster. I mean, the Suns have Paul and Booker, you know, I'd say those guys are top 18 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, George and Kawhi, but no Kawhi. Yep. Um, and that and that's probably the difference, yeah. right? If if like I don't think the Clippers can win the title without him. And I mean Middleton, I mean Middleton's right on that fringe of being like he is. 18. You know, yeah. what I mean he's like he's right. And, and Drew mean, and Drew's not too far behind as and one of the better two-way players and he had a really good game tonight. Like he if if they would have won this game tonight it would have been because of him. And that's oh, why sure. you go and get a guy like him and and he hell for as bad as his game seven was when it looked like, and he was shooting really poor in down the stretch in what game was it five, six and seven. He just couldn't hit anything. And then he hit a couple huge shots late and that really sparked his confidence. And, uh, you know, if again, if they win a title, everything they did to get drew holiday is worth it. And that's the one thing. I think all four of these teams have to look around and say is we're here right now in a year that has been crazy and we really got to take advantage of the spot that we're in because one thing we see in the NBA is every year we look at these teams that are here and we go, oh, wow, man, the Lakers are going to be back every single year. Boston's going to be back every single year, right? They're going to be in here. Miami, they got everybody coming back, all this stuff. How about all those years with the Thunder, right? When when it was Duran and Westbrook and even Harden early and Ibaka. Oh, they're going to be back every single year here. It it doesn't happen the way you think. What happens next year if, you know, you look at a Hawks team like this and you go, oh, yeah, they're, like you said, up and coming. They're young, but, yeah, maybe Collins doesn't come back or maybe next year – they are dealing with some of the issues that some of these teams had, and Trey Young is a little bit banged up because he played more minutes this year. He gets hurt, and then your team is bad next year because you don't have your star, and then all of a sudden, you just never know. Right? The window can close. I mean, look at, you know, one of the teams you didn't mention was Philadelphia. You look at Philadelphia, yeah. oh, and you look at one. where they are now. Like, like your window, 
could close and it can close pretty fast. So, I mean, when you get these opportunities, you've got to be willing to, you know, step up and take advantage of it. So it, this game two and these game three is going to be, you know, really telling and, you know, what adjustments are going to be made and everything. Cause I will give credit like Monty Williams. He, he's made some adjustments. That was a great um, timeout. It wasn't even a timeout, a review play call he designed. Um, for as much as Bud gets hated on, he made some adjustments in the net series that won him the series. You know, he shortened up his bench, shortened up his rotation. Um, so he's, he did that. He's done that. Um, name it million. What he's done speaks for itself. I mean, that yeah. team was in the gutter and now they're like three games away from the NBA finals. And oh. then um, Tyrone Lou, two series in a row, he's been down no two and has come back. So all four of those coaches have kind of been under the radar and they've made agree. the necessary adjustments to get their team in this position. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Lou is one that, that that I'm glad you mentioned too because he he deserves some credit. And Bud, uh, so let's let you know mention first Bud. We we all gave him crap, and he's gotten very fair due criticism for a lot of times not making adjustments. But he did make some adjustments, and I don't know if it was him telling Giannis or just. Them realizing, hey, Giannis, like you can continue to work on your three and you can continue to take that shot in the regular season and make that a part of your game. And it when when it becomes a better part of your game, let's use it more. But right now, it's not. Let's do what is going to give us the best chance to win. Get you down low, bang down low. You don't have to always have the ball in your hands coming up the court. It's nice every now and then to mix it up, but you've got Drew, you've got Middleton, you've got a couple other guys that can bring it up for you. So, he did make some adjustments. They did go at Harden a little bit more um, later in those games. They and you know, and they got a little bit lucky. Like, you got to get lucky. If Durant's foot's not on the line, we're, yeah. we're we're probably talking about Bud getting fired. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Isn't but that funny how the, the like it's, that? It's not really right that it's that close, and that's what it happens. But it, it is it is the way things work. You know? But here's the thing: like hypothetically, like. I, it's. I wrote this huge thing on my on my website about what's next for the 76ers. And one of the one of the things was Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers to me is one of the most overrated coaches, yeah, ever in the NBA. I yeah. mean, I think that 2008 series that that series that playoffs that they won was a complete fluke. And the one thing that Bud did this last game is anytime they needed a a play, like. He was able to design a play and get a um, get a bucket, and, and Doc Rivers that was that's never, Doc's weakness. Never He's not an X's and O's guy. And along with that is they had two big leads, and I know we're talking about Bucks. And I'm shifting the seven sixes, no, but no, they had those two fine. big leads with a, a twenty point lead and the eighteen point lead that was late. And you like you know what happens? It gets down to six. It gets down to eight. You call a timeout. You design the play where you hit a pick and roll with Embiid and whoever, or a play for Curry in the corner. You hit the shot. Now you go up by eight or ten. What happens next? The net, the Hawks would come down, jack up a three, miss. They get the ball back. Game's over. And like that sequence never happened because that's what happens in NBA games. There's a run. There's a stop. There's a bucket. Quick three in the shot clock. Rebound. Game over. Like that's it. And like he could not make that formula happen. Two times in critical situations. The and and I I sort of feel bad um, 
for Doc um, in, in in a sense because um I, and first of all I don't love him uh, I don't th- I, I've I've I, and he, his teams are always kind of like uh, a little cheap the way they like get away with fouls and complain and stuff like that but but the way he coaches as far as like he's a player's coach and he tries to um he tries to put faith in in his guys right like we saw it all, all throughout some of the, the the years that he struggled is he'll live. With the guys that got him there Even when it's just It's so apparent like with Bud That he has to make an adjustment and he still won't And that's that's On Doc for sure It's also a little bit like You look at last year okay Montrez Harrell Sort of let him down uh, He wasn't making those adjustments And then really it was guys like Paul George And Kawhi who kind of let him down too Like they just sort of choked down the stretch For Doc I mean this year If Ben Simmons didn't get inside of his own head Like they're still playing right now You know so for as many things As, as I completely agree And think that Doc needs to Change the the way that he Coaches um, He he tried it's, it's almost Like he backed the wrong horse You know and it, he's done it multiple times And that's kind of a problem That's sort of when you know you may Be on I don't want to say your last Legs as a coach but when you don't have the same thing that you used to When you can't quite find that talent Or or notice that That's a guy or a gal Or that player is someone Who has the it factor Right? And, and like one ahead, yeah. thing one thing that Doc does And I'm sorry to interrupt you is No, like, no, go ahead, please We're talking about adjustments and everything You watch the game The game we just watched The Hawks and the Bucks There was never a situation Where there was four reserves And one starter on for either oh. team but that is historically what Doc does. I mean, there's been a there'll be a couple times when there's Bodanovich, Young, and then three backups, or you know what I mean, or like Holiday and Giannis, or Holiday and Middleton, Middleton and Giannis. But there's never just one of them and then four backups in the game. And Doc constantly does that at all. And one of the guys I love listening to is Larry Brown, the guy that used to um, coach the Pistons. Love listening to that guy. Um, And he's made a couple couple comments. One of the comments that he made years ago when the 76ers said Ben Simmons is going to be their point guard, he's like, he's not a point guard. He said that like years ago that Mm -hmm. Simmons is not a point guard. And Kobe did too. Yeah. And that was number one. Number two, he also said that if it, but then he kind of backed, it was, it was a weird interview. He said it and then he kind of backtracked it. He said that if he was the coach for the um, 76ers, Simmons would not have the issues he had. And then he kind of said, well, I don't know how much work Simmons is putting in. I did a little research into Larry Brown. What Larry Brown would do is he would take players that he needed to develop the younger guys he would have those guys, and it would be him and his brother coming at 5.45 in the morning, and Larry Brown's ass would be there. And he would be putting them through work before practice, which is just mind-boggling to me. It was like if like you had been in the league for, like I think it was like three or four years, you were at that time. Plus, he was doing individual works with the guys. And that's a multiple head coach. That, that shows that shows you... That. Yeah, that shows you as a player, like, wow, this guy's out here at this time. He cares this much about me getting better. You know, you feel like you have to get better and you have to improve. 
And you have to keep working And with Doc I think it's Okay yeah this is my group of guys I'm going to go with them And they're not working He just oh okay that's it Like you got to adjust You've got to adjust You've got to try Um, And he didn't want to You know I'm sorry But Ben Simmons I don't care Like Frank Vogel came into the Lakers last year And he benched Howard, Dwight Howard, plenty of times JaVale McGee, plenty of times Like he would tell anybody Oh, you're out of the rotation You're not playing right now That's why the Lakers won Nobody got cute last year Nobody complained Nobody said this or that And that's what Doc worries way too much about That's a good thing sometimes But, you know, it's it's good throughout the year It's good to communicate It's good to be open with your squad but in this situation, you've got to be open and say, Ben, right now we got the, the matchup's not working. We got to take you off the court. We got to do this. We got to do that. And um, he just wouldn't do that, unfortunately. Um, and so now and you another, wonder going and forward. Thing, another thing that blows my mind is I mean, I mentioned Rick Barry, like bringing in shooting underhand three throws. And former NBA players are always willing to give back. One of the most underrated shooters to play in the game lives in the flipping Philadelphia area. And I'm sure if Doc hit him up and say, Hey, can you come in and work with this kid? Cause obviously whoever the shooting coach is for the 76ers or Simmons personal shooting coach, that isn't working. That, that partnership isn't working. No, Tim Legler lives in effing Philadelphia. How do you not say legs? Come in, help us out here. Help, help us out, him out, help him out. Teach him a little bit. That's a guy that knows how to shoot. That you know what I mean. That was in it. Well, I think it was like forty-three percent from uh, three-point three. land, 80, eighty-five from the three-throw line. That He's... guy could come in and he can he can teach him some stuff. Where where is that? I really don't think Doc has processed how big of an actual issue this is for Simmons. No, he I, and. The, the the two teams that were the one and two seeds that just got beat, just like we we're saying, you gotta be careful now. This could this is a great year for Philly. The Philly, this was a total squandered year. You looked around with the road they had, they could have got through a, a easy one eight matchup. Then they had two teams in Atlanta and the Knicks who had never been around here like this and were just happy to be here. And they couldn't they couldn't even get to the conference final. They would have had to deal with a Milwaukee team that had to play a really tough series against Brooklyn. And then everything that's going on in the West, there wouldn't have been a Lakers team, maybe a banged up Clippers team, who knows? They, they squandered a great opportunity. And the same can be said for Brooklyn because the you and I, a lot of things we get wrong. A lot, and we'll be the first to say and post and show you when we do. You post your bad days with your units, which is one of the things that I love. And you'll say, look, bad damn day, which is great. Because then when we have the good days, we'll tell you about them and, you, and you'll know. But we had been saying all along, this Brooklyn team is not winning this year. They were not even going to get to the finals. And with that three-headed monster that they build their team around, those three guys better all be 100% healthy and on the court and scoring 25 points a game and everything on their offense better be humming because if it's not, they are not going to get through four playoff rounds in a row. No, not at all. And let's let's flash back. What was the pivotal game in that Buck series? Game three. And we 
we've talked about how they've and granted I know Kyrie was out, he wasn't in there. But Harden and Durant haven't really played in any close games together. That was a close game. There was a disbobulated play at the end. The ball ends up in Bruce Brown's hand. He drives to the lane, misses the three throw. Drives to the lane, misses the layup. Excuse me. That's because they didn't play together. You have these teams. You look at the teams that are left. I feel every one of those teams is doing it the right way. The Hawks, Bucks, Suns, Mm -hmm. and Clippers. Um, You know, there's not the resting. There's not the load management. You know, the Clippers aren't doing as much as they were doing last year. And I just felt the nuts. They just, they just figured, hey, we have these guys. We're going to make it there. Everything's going to be okay. And you have to think that there's so many job openings. They, they're going to lose. They already lost the guy who's going to the um, Celtics. They're probably going to lose Mike D'Antoni. And it's not like Steve Nash is that big of an experienced coach. So you have to remember that, too, thinking about going in next year for the Nets. Things are going real, it, really well for them. For as like for as many I was I couldn't believe that they were winning as much as they were with those guys missing because I, this this I was like all along they're not going to be healthy and they weren't and they still were winning but when just like we saw when you get into the playoffs and when you get into this situation you you everything everyone has got to be humming in at full strength and. The reason why the Clippers and the, the Suns are in okay shape is because both of those teams are are missing pieces, missing big players, missing big pieces. As we, uh, you know, uh, we look towards uh, you know game two, so it feels like we're both uh, on Milwaukee heading into their game two. Um, you know, they're obviously the chalk, and um, they're a team that I, I just got a feeling, like you said, Middleton props and stuff. I think they end up. Playing really well and they, I think they turn the intensity up I feel like we get a good game from Giannis We get a much better game from Middleton And um, I'm going to think uh, Predict like a double digit win there um, Over on and the other side back, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just have some Philly things I want to touch on Please um, <laughs> Number one like, Please. It is possible to improve Your shooting form and your shooting technique In one off season Case in point look at Lonzo Ball Lonzo Ball used to shoot the ball completely different. So, I mean, if you're willing to put in the work, you're able to do it. So that's number one in terms of Ben Simmons. Number two, these trade proposals that are being thrown out in the article I wrote, I put four realistic trade proposals. And not one of them was Ben Simmons straight up for C.J. McCollum because why would the Portland Trailblazers do that? I know. You know what I mean? This is when Simmons – Value is an all-time low. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're going to be able to trade him for Bradley Beal. No. Um, you're you're gonna have it's going to be like a team like the Timberwolves for like um, one of my examples of the trade was go to, trade him to the Timberwolves for um, what was it Beasley and D'Lo Russell yeah. like yeah yeah for Russell D'Angelo Russell that would work. Because you get the point guard that can drive Beasley. Yeah. That and then Simmons, you go in. Timberwood, you he would be the third option behind Edwards, Towns, and him. Yeah. He doesn't even have to score at all, really. That that I feel that would be a great spot for him. Yeah. That's a good spot. And then Minnesota is not really that big sports town that will just jump on top of him like Philly was. I mean, that was one of the examples. Feels like he would be pretty good with Embiid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think they could play off of each other pretty well. You put Beasley in there, who had a, a pretty solid season last year too. That's not a bad spot. And that's I mean, that, that's like, 
and it, the Sixer starters would be insanely better, adding Beasley and Russell. That's a realistic trade. And you see all these trades being thrown out. You're like, oh, they my God, none of this is going to happen. Because that's what pr- the problem with Simmons is he makes so much money. Now, I he can absolutely be someone that still helps your team. But, like, you know, in, in, in my head, spot another spot, like, you, you mentioned Portland. Well, yeah, he'd be great in Portland if he could be playing next to Dame and CJ. Right? That's exactly what I said in my thing. Like, it was <laughs> exactly like, what I said in my thing. And my, my proposed trade in that one was, and the salaries matched up, were Norman Powell and Robert Covington. I mean, that's the type of player that Philly needs. Philly fans need to accept. Right now, that's what you're going to get back, those two yeah. and some picks. I mean, you're not going to get CJ straight up. No. Um, and I mean, What are some of the Simmons, others uh, that you thought? Simmons, I really feel... I really feel like Simmons would thrive where he's the third option. Mm-hmm. Like he can't go there being the one or two. Um, the other spot was, oh my God, uh, the Sacramento Kings for, um, oh my buddy? God, was it buddy, buddy and Buddy and um, the power forward, Bagley. Yeah. I mean, that was one I really think um, him going there, I think that that would work out. And I think those are only three. I think it was the three I came up with. There may have been one, and I'm spacing on it. Go ahead. One that I'm um, a little interested in is, like, if putting him in a spot that's similar to what Draymond is in. Like, if he – and I don't – see, like, I don't think him and Draymond – I don't know how it would work, but him next to, like, Clay and Steph would be great. Yeah, I mean, like, one of – it's funny, like, my thing in my article is, like, you want, for Ben Simmons, he wants to be traded into a spot will be the next team's dream on green. That was basically my example. <laughs> See, um, we're, we're, yeah, we're thinking the same thing here with him, yeah. Yeah, so I, oh, yeah, those are the only three ones that I had in the thing I wrote. And the last thing I wrote about what's next for 76ers, I had, like, a big question if Doc was the guy. I don't think he is. Um you have to remember, when was the last team that won an NBA championship when the center was the best player? It's shat. I mean, like, it's hard. 2014 with Tim Duncan. Duncan. And I mean, like, that's when, that's when they had that's when they had Parker, Why and, Parker Ginobili. and Ginobili. Yeah. But Duncan you know? was still kind of like the folk. Duncan was still kind of like the man. You know what I mean? It's but- so hard to win with the center. And as crazy as it sounds, Embiid has an injury history. Look how many games he missed last year. He missed 20 games. This is when his value as a player is going to be the highest. You have the the gambler, <laughs> Maury, right there. Does he fucking trade Embiid? Ah, man. You, you know what I mean? This is I, like I This is like he's at his peak right now. You're not going to get anything more from him. I really don't feel he can be your alpha that's going to lead you to a title. Well, this is what we talked about with Anthony Davis. Yeah. It was the same exact thing we talked about with Anthony Davis. It's not that Embiid can't be the MVP of the league or can't be um he he can be your best player, but your your second best player has to have a, the exact like opposite complementary skills of him. It's got to be a perfect fit to where the guy who's the B, the number two on the Sixers has to be like a really good number point two. guard yeah. or off guard that can shoot and create. 
You cannot ask Embiid to be the guy creating for you late in the game. This didn't work with Shaq. Shaq is like, I don't know what, if you're making a list of the greatest players of all time, you could probably find Shaq on people's list like as high as eight and like as low as like 15. And that's probably it. Like you're not going much lower than that with Shaq, but you still couldn't go to Shaq late in games. Um, Not at all. It it was a free throw thing, but it was also because you can't, he couldn't create. You have to have that perimeter guy. And this is what you sniff this out with them and with Denver as soon as Murray went down, that they would not be able to win a title this year because they don't have it. And every team that we still see now, they have at least one. Most of them have multiple guys on the perimeter that can get their own shot late in the game. Hell, D'Angelo Russell, late in the game. You put him there with Joel Embiid, like D'Angelo that can would be make a silky smooth pick and roll. Difficult you know, shots. And then, and then he can make Curry, hard shots. And then you put Curry in the corner, and if they double on me, you can kick it to Curry. I mean, that would be a nice little thing that would work for the 76ers, but the more and more I think about it, I mean, I could see him training Embiid as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. So uh, um and then one more thing that Larry Brown said, like we were talking about Giannis and everything. Um, the guy that was interviewing him said, uh, what about Giannis and all these threes? And he flat out said, he goes, look, Giannis does so much good stuff. I would tell him, make it crystal clear. I don't care if you take a couple threes in the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter. But after halftime, none of that is happening. Because he does so much good stuff, he's willing to look past that. And I think... When I thought about that comment, I was like, that does kind of make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, you can do that early in the game, but when push comes to shove, your ass is close to the rim. The Hawks, it's funny just to say it out loud. Hawks, Bucks, game two will be coming up. The Nets and the Sixers, we'll see what happens with those teams moving forward. How are they going to continue to build their rosters? And then over on the West, um, the, you know, we, man, we, we talked about, uh, Denver a while back and it was a bummer For them because they started to start playing to play Really well before uh, the Murray injury And then with Utah this has got to be Another time for Utah where um, You know they look and go Oh crap we were the one seed We had home court We were awesome all year long And yeah we were missing Conley But we were up Two games to nothing on a Clippers team And they were missing Kawhi In the final two games of that series Like then we could have played a Suns team without CP3 for a couple games. Like it, Utah can't look at themselves and what happened and just think, yeah, we're going to run it back again with Gobert just getting roasted by the Clipper reserves. I mean, those dudes were attacking Rudy, your defensive player of the year. They were going at him. And, uh, you know, like that's just for as much as Embiid. You know, we're talking about the bigs Like, that doesn't happen to Embiid like that That never happens to Anthony Davis Because he can play and switch out on smaller guys like that Um, I don't know what you do if you're Utah If it's one of those crossroads I mean, Conley's a free agent Um, I I wouldn't blame Quinn Snyder He was kind of up against it with um, I mean, Mitchell wasn't 100% Yeah But I just... It's those like with how the league's being played. If you're a big guy, the one thing about Davis is he can move and he can guard in the pick and roll. Rudy can't do that. 
So, I mean, you're very limited in a playoff series and what you can do. So I just, and and I don't know. And like with how he signed, you can't move him. And he's not, the problem with Rudy is like, he's not punishing you on the other end either. He's not like going to kill you on the offensive end. If you try to go small against a guy like that, he should be able to get 20 and 20 on you and make you pay for it. And and make and then every game it's sort of an adjustment, right? Is the are the bigs playing better in this game or the smalls? You know, and then you got to have to adjust maybe late in the game. But root like bigs that are, if you're a good big and they try to guard you with someone small, you should be able to make them pay for it. And that's that's the problem. Like the Clippers went small and he couldn't make them pay at all offensively. Hell, even even the Mavericks, even uh, Bojan. Moranovich, the big dude, he could make the Clippers pay a little bit when they would go small. He would just get that little floater, that little turn hook, you know, that they couldn't really stop. We didn't get much of anything from Gobert, and and so they're attacking him defensively. He's not able to make them pay offensively. This guy's been sort of your centerpiece and your defensive anchor. You funnel everything in there through him. He's your defensive player of the year. Everybody mentions how great he is, the screen assist, all this stuff that he does. But again, like you weren't close again, and next year you may have to deal with a healthier Denver team, a healthier Lakers team, a healthier Clippers team. Like it, it's not going to be easier. No, I mean, like we've said it <laughs> numerous times, your window can shut and it can shut quick. And like some of it's just bad luck. I mean, like Mitchell not being a hundred percent—that's bad luck. There, what was it? It was. They had a 97.9% chance to win that game, and they blew it. Up 26 in the second half, in the third quarter. I mean, that's just, you know, it's just insane to me. Like, that's a fluke game. You get Terrence Mann given his career performance ever. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you hate to say it, but the window may already be closed. Yeah, you gotta with like, what's going on, you got to be able to step up and uh, and, and seize the moment, and that's the Jazz just didn't do that. So I see for Game Three of the uh, Phoenix Clippers series, you got it somewhere around uh, like pretty close to even. I think Clippers or Phoenix minus one right now. Yeah, I I'm seeing Phoenix minus one, but it's not confirmed that Paul is playing yet. Not 100 percent yet. I know yeah. he is isolating in your uh, in. Out by you in LA So he is either going to play game 3 or game 4 So if I mean if you think the Suns are going to win Now is when you lock it in If you think the Clippers have a chance to win You just hold off because Paul's going to be good for a couple more points And plus He really hasn't been playing I mean like honestly like probably the play in that game Would be the first half under Yeah I mean just because he hasn't been playing And people are coming People are used to roles. Now you get a star coming back. They have to diminish the role that they're used to. So, I mean, the chemistry won't be there from the sun's end. 100%. I think the first half, it's probably something that they will take a little while to get through. Um, and in the long run, in, throughout, if the series were to, to go longer and then just for um, overall, it's not really something I would worry too much about with CP3 because it's not necessarily an injury, and I don't think he had a lot of symptoms. But I do think the way that you handicap it is is correct in that he's gotta be a little rusty. You you gotta just think there's gonna be a little bit of of timing that's just slightly off 
for him because he's not that that's the thing too. It's not like he's been able to practice with these guys. Um, you know, off the court. He's not with them at all. So I, I'd imagine he's still doing everything he can to stay in shape and wherever he's quarantined. You know, I'm I'm he's not just sitting there doing nothing, but that first, that's not like in basketball shape. That's not you know game what I mean? three like, of the Western yeah, Conference Finals. That's just you know? not <laughs> in, in game shape. And think at about all. think about for him, like I, I'm that Monty Williams has got to be very smart with him in this first, even because Chris is a veteran, obviously, and and you know there's not much that he hasn't seen. But what he's going to be deal with, dealing with if he comes back in this game? So let's say this is game three. A chance to go up three games to nothing To put your team Basically into a 100% guarantee We're going to the finals You get up 3-0, you're not losing You're not going to lose four games in a row Especially if Kawhi's not playing So you're going to be coming off of This COVID issue That, I mean, what was going through his head The last week, like Oh my god, not again Oh no, this can't happen to me again. I got hurt. Like I'm here. This is a chance. I got what this happened in every like every time I've been in this spot when I was with the Clippers, when I was with the 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 Rockets, when I was in these these opportunities, I would get hurt or something. He was probably thinking, no way, this is gonna happen to me again. And now if he comes back, it's going to be against the Clippers, the team that he is probably the best player in the history of that franchise, with a chance to go into LA. I mean the emotional like high or like what he's feeling, he could go out in those first two minutes get really tired. You know, they gotta keep an eye on him, maybe give him a, a two or three minutes if he's in and then out, and then he'll like settle into his role a little bit more. I mean, his heart is gonna be racing. He's <laughs> right. pretty yeah. pretty uh pretty cool and calm, but I wouldn't be surprised that first jump shot that is a laser right off the rim Right, yeah Or like a charging foul early on Where he's just going a little too hard down the lane Like he's going to be amped up For sure um, Before we let you go I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on a couple other things So um, Boston They uh, they bring in uh, Ime uh, Udoka Who actually played a little bit for the Lakers He's only 43 years old So super young um, Really positive um, energy and vibes from a lot of the players uh, that have uh, been coached by him. He uh, Tatum and Brown and Smart really liked him a lot because he was involved with them in uh, the FIBA World Cup stuff in 2019. And um, so he he's in a good spot now with uh, with Boston. Stevens is going to be his uh, the president, and I think whoever was this coach was probably going to need to be someone like this. I don't know if a really like old established coach would have necessarily wanted to come in and been in a situation where you're taking um not, not nothing against Brad Stevens, but he's a young guy himself. Like this feels like a like what the role was going to be. You're bringing in like a newer, fresher coach to be a coach and and he can kind of learn a little bit from Brad too. For sure. And he was an assistant for I believe 7 years. Under Popovich, mm-hmm. and then he Great. and then he went to um, and then he went then he fouled to be the top assistant for one season with um, Brown in Philly, and and it came down to him or Rivers for the Philly job. Philly went with him, and and Brooklyn immediately hired him because they wanted to surround Nash with experienced guys. So you look at where he's been, you know, he's been around Duncan, been around Embiid, been around Simmons, been around KD, been around Irving, been around Harden. So he knows how to deal with the superstar player. And when you have, 
young superstars in Tatum and Brown, that's going to be very beneficial because you saw those guys at times really look checked out this year, you know, and really not bringing it and those bringing it on a night in and night out basis. Um, so I think that is key. Also, those guys like them. Those guys are voicing how happy they are. So they went out and they listened to their guys and they got someone they liked. And I mean, kudos to Stevens. I mean, he was able to get out of the, out of the, um, the Kemba contract, which was huge for him. Um, he brings it back in Al and let's face it where Al is in his career. This is probably a great spot for him. It is be the fourth option, you know, just get some rebounds, hit some open jump shots. This is exact. This is the perfect spot for him, and he fits great with what they have. And they got a young, up and coming coach with a proven track record as an assistant. I mean, Stevens is off to a good start, and they have. There hasn't been any of those blockbuster trades where you get a million draft picks. So, I like what the Celtics are doing so far. The yes, yeah, about the the Jay Williams tweet. I mean, like, you obviously messed just up. Just made a mistake, I mean, dude. Just say, and, like, I mean, oh, it whoops. happens. Just be like, oh, we all do my it. My bad. Like, you dude, know what I mean? Like, we, we butcher names. Yeah. I butcher with as many things as you do. Like, we all do it. Just take the L. Like, whoops. Put a funny gif. Like, make fun of yourself. It, this would have been over in like an hour. Yeah. That's and it. I mean, like, how many names do I butcher when you and I talk? I butcher oh, names. Like, dude, I do the same. Time. Oh, my you know, God. It's like, dude, like, you made a mistake. Just move on to say, hey, my bad guys, and it would be over. But the fact he expects Doubled us down. to believe he, he got that hacked. someone hacked his phone and, that was and out tweet. of everything you could say, I'm going to tweet this from your phone. It's like, they dude. They didn't steal your credit card information. No naked picture tweets. No F off, everyone. The yeah. tweet was – that was I, the tweet. It just makes zero sense at at all like you know what i mean when you sit back and think of it it just it's, it's like really dude, just just own it up just just Come own on. it up that you effed up yeah just ex- it, it made it's me laugh cool. I, I made me laugh and um last thing i want to let talk with you about before we uh we let you go here um Team USA, they announced the 12-man roster. Uh, we got our asses kicked a couple years ago in those FIBA World Championships we were talking about. This will be the Olympic roster moving forward. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Durant, Jeremy Grant. There you go, your boy from the Pistons. Uh, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Levine, Lilliard, Kevin Love, Middleton, and Tatum. So, you know, that's a that's a pretty good team still. I mean, they're going to be missing. You know, there's some notable... No Harden, you're not going to get LeBron, you won't have AD, you won't have some of those. But that's that's a pretty damn good squad. It's a good squad. But, I mean, with the shortened season, like, I just, I get players, like, not, not wanting, wanting to play. You know, and, like, those guys are going to be tired next year. Especially, like, I think Booker, like, hypothetically, let's say it's Suns Bucks, it goes seven. Like, the Olympics start the very next day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way those guys are going to be able. Him and Middleton? To play like Middleton, Holiday, and Booker. So I mean, it's just I don't know. I think there's going to be some guys that kind of back out. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised it's a star stud. You're right because th- like I'm surprised that they got this many commitments right now as it is. Th- this was surprising to me because like Lillard's never been on there. Um, he's never participated or been a uh, he's been a finalist a few different times. Like. Um, he, he feels like someone that this is kind of a good, uh, a good opportunity for to go over there and just, 
he could just light some crap up there. But in, in also, we need to remember that at the end of the day, everything effing comes down to money. The Asian market is a huge NBA market. These guys right now that are going over there and committing are doing that for jersey sales and shoe sales. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know what I mean? That's it. I don't mean to be like Debbie Downer. No, it's it's true. You're right. But that's it. That's the NBA's one of the biggest markets. And that's what they're doing it. But I mean, I'll be honest. If I'm a Cavs fan, I'm ecstatic. Because if Kevin Love shows anything that's going to immediately trade value. Increases trade value, and you you can get that guy out of the epic town instantly. Get him he's out been of there. Nothing but a pain in the ass. So I mean, I if I'm a Clavs fan, I am ecstatic that hey, we may be able to finally move Kevin Love. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple more guys just kind of dropped out. And my thing with the Olympics is this: is this. the pros in '96 went over there for global expansion to make the game of basketball better. And you look at the prod, you look at the foreign players in the NBA right now. I think they accomplished their goal and they accomplished their goal quite successfully. I really don't think there's any point in sending NBA players over there anymore. It should be college guys or it should be guys. Hey, you've been in the league for less than two years. You can go. Give me a, oh. like a Zion early in his career. But that, you know, that's like, why I was going to say, like, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Why isn't Zion or Brandon Ingram on this team? Did right? they decline? Like, you know what I mean? Like, those are the guys that, you know, Team USA should be trying to get. Or if I'm one of those guys, I would want to go play. It's early, I, especially early. Make sense. You want to do it early in your career, right? Because then later on, you get a little older, more injuries, you get more, more miles, then it's harder to do that. You know, you understand why LeBron doesn't show up for these things anymore. He he's got so you know you understand why some of the other the, don't. So um, yeah, this is it's a good group of players still, even when you don't, even if you're you're not getting like uh nec- you know the best. And I think even even like Jokic is Jokic isn't going to play in his Giannis uh, isn't going to play. I mean. Giannis isn't so. A lot of the top tier players from around the, you know, Canada was getting a good team together, but someone like Jamal Murray isn't going to be in the mix for them now too. Um, so, uh, man, it is crazy. Uh, Olympics and are the coming biggest, up. The soon. biggest news of the week. The biggest news of the week is my Pistons are yeah. finally effing relevant. You there look you at go. this roster so Cade, right now. You want Cade? Oh my God! All in on Cade. You get Cade. You got Cade, Haynes, Bay, Stewart, Lee. Jackson, Frank Jackson, and Josh Jackson, who that that kid from uh, the Jayhawks that kind of flamed out, then they yeah, picked he was up like a, a great season. Yeah, yeah. Um, the young guy from France, Diambloy, and Dallinello, the kid from Kentucky. All those guys are under twenty four. Now you throw in Plumley. Now you throw in um, oh my God, who's up Grant. I mean, this roster is coming together, and I think Cade Cunningham and Haynes are going to be a great backcourt. Bay and Stewart were both all NBA play, all NBA rookie team players. I mean, this team is finally headed in the right direction, and we're relevant now. I mean, like, and we haven't been able to say that for a while. As a Piston fan, I at least feel there's, and I said it before with Weaver that there's a flipping path that we're going to something, which is, which is great. 
Um, and also, yes, everyone, I did send Lava a DM. She has not responded yet. No, not quite yet. Okay. Not but quite it's yet. Still, it's early. It's, it's early you know, in the game. Early in the could, game. I was but... going to say, she could have been on vacation right now or anything. You know, there's a lot going yeah. on. People are, I'm sure it'll be the next. Keep us keep us posted on that, yeah. please, as the, the progress moves on. Eric Etoff21 Sports, give him a follow on Twitter, on Instagram, and make sure to uh, check out all of his content. Great podcast, as you mentioned, uh, website with blogs and all sorts of information for you, all sorts of different sports, betting stuff, fantasy stuff, you name it. Uh, Eric will discuss it. And yeah, man, it's crazy that it's been uh, every week of the NBA season. And we're already here down to the final four and uh, look forward to chatting with you again next week. Uh, tell everybody what uh, what are you going to be uh, covering uh, over the weekend this weekend on your shows? I'm going to be talking about NASCAR betting preview. Um, I'm gonna kind of dive in for what's next for the um, for the 76ers a little bit deeper, and and also how what I would if I was Bobby Marks, what I would do with the Nets roster. Make sure to give Eric a follow there. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, best of luck this weekend and all your plays. Thanks, man. You too. Talk to you next week. We'll talk to Eric next week, and we'll see what's going on in these conference final series in the NBA. Don't go anywhere, folks. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com thank you to eric for helping us out with the nba 
and we get set to talk some racing. We get set to talk about Stable Duel and the schedule coming up for this weekend. Remember at the very beginning when we talk about Stable Duel, we'd be like, oh yeah, today there's a contest here, or tomorrow there's a contest here, on Saturday there's going to be a big one contest there. Yeah, that's that's not the case anymore. These are daily horse racing contests and games that you can play, and you pay whatever entry fee for the game that you want to get involved in. You're playing against a bunch of other different people. You deposit money right on the app. The app is free to download, and then you withdraw money right away. Super quick, very simple, very easy. Now let's talk about what options you have here at Stable Duel. Four different tracks, six different contests on Thursday. Delaware, Woodbine, Charlestown, and Emerald. There are games starting as low as $2. You got 2 bucks at Chucktown, the $5 pot of gold over at Emerald, that nighttime contest. There's actually a $500 double up at Woodbine. So four different tracks, six contests. How about Friday? You've got Pimlico, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Woodbine, and Lone Star. Five different tracks, seven different contests, $2, $5, $10, $12 games. You have uh, big ones up to $100 and $250 entries for some of the bigger players. Then on Saturday, seven different tracks, Delaware, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Thistledown, Pimlico, Woodbine, Lone Star. You've got a free ride at Monmouth, totally free game with $100 in cash prizes. There are $5, $10, $12, $25, $100, $250 games to enter. And the focus, the Thistledown Ohio Derby Blast, $75 entry, 10000 in prizes. We're going to talk about a couple of those races for that card right here in, in just a few minutes. Then on Sunday, six different tracks, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Woodbine, Lone Star, Ellis, and Emerald. You've got the Ellis Park opener, a $50 contest with $2,000 in cash prizes. You've got games that are $5, $10, and $12 to enter. And then you've got the $12 Toast with Champagne at Woodbine, a contest that Andrew Champagne is going to be hosting. So we have to get in and try to beat Andrew Champagne, have some fun there, and uh, make sure to uh, follow along at, with Stable Duel on social media. Andrew is going to be hosting that game on Sunday. So... Big games for 150 there on Sunday. A huge, huge, say elongated weekend with the with the Thursday as well. Coming up, stable duel this weekend. Now let's talk about some Friday racing as we get over to Belmont Park. I've got three plays for you for Belmont Park Friday. Get those past performances out. We're looking at June the 25th. And I'm going to flip to race number four for my first play. Actually, two horses that I think you may want to use in some of your early exotics. You know, if you're playing any sort of like early pick fives. I'd want both the nine and the ten on my tickets because I just don't think there's a lot of pace in here. Vodka Lemonade is probably the one to catch. Um, Now... He's, he's going to step up, and he's going to face winners, and he's going to face open, so this should be tougher, but he he probably has a pace advantage, and time to testify, it, it'll all depend what tactics did they choose, right? He can sit close, he can pass horses, though, that's why I'm I'm thinking he may be sitting off a little bit, but you get Luis Saez, who can get real aggressive, um, and, and time to testify, sort of missed the break a bit, and, and maybe that's why he got caught a little, a little off guard, um... I just think between the two of them, they will end up sitting pretty close in a race that I don't think will be going all that quick early on. 
Vodka Lemonade and Time to Testify. Use them in your exotics there, the 9 and the 10. Let's go to race number 5 at Belmont. We've got a maiden special weight here, 6.5 furlongs the distance. It's just a short field, but uh, I think you could... I'm going to probably single against a couple horses who I think are going to take a lot of money. Primary Colors, the first-time starter for Pletcher. I expect to... uh, Take a, a ton of money here from the inside. Repo Rocks is going to take some money. Um, I'm looking to the outside with Lemon Drop Road. The blinkers come on. Now, in his most recent race, it was fine. Yeah, it, it was a little bit better than it looks, too. He was about three lengths off. He was in the two path. He was in between horses. And then he got squeezed back out of a spot. He ended up losing some momentum. He lost a couple lengths. He moved to the inside. And then he was in a the tight spot. He was right up on the heels of a leaders. He was loaded. He was waiting for room. He had nowhere to go. And he, he just flattened out a little bit. We're going to use the number six Lemon Drop Road in all exotics. Single this one uh, in your early exotics. Because you probably won't get a great win wager type price in a short field like this. But we might be able to beat uh, one or two of the other short prices in this race and get a little separation. Let's move to race number eight. Optional 80,000 first level allowance Mile and 16th in here I'm looking at the 6 And that is Miss Delicious Who's going to go with her early on? I just can't see who goes with her early on Liscano um, on the grass And as far as judging What uh, the pace is the, the time clock in his head I think is as good as any On uh, on the turf So the 6 Miss Delicious trying to steal race number eight. Six to one on the morning line. We'd need uh, around four to one or so to make a win wager on Miss Delicious. That is our value line. And you know, with a horse like this, people will possibly see Lone Speed too. I think there was a little article written in the form DRF uh, also. Um, so you need around four to one or so to make a win wager, but she's probably not one you'd want to leave out of any of your late exotics. So three plays over at Belmont Park on Friday. Fourth race, uh, Vodka Lemonade and Time to Testify. Use those two. In the fifth, Lemon Drop Road, the single there. And in the eighth race, the number six, Miss Delicious. Best of luck Friday over at Belmont. We're going to head to Churchill Downs. Before we do, got to let you know about our friends over at sarahcandles.com. That's the website, C-E-R-A-Candles.com. These are all natural Soy wax candles No toxins, no carcinogens No pollutants A lot of the other candles that You've probably used throughout your life Or a lot of other people around you have Have those things in them These are better for you They're healthier And because of that soy wax It'll actually burn longer It'll give you a better bang for your buck Because you get more out of this wax of the candle Healthier for you Cheaper, better and it's a small local business that you're helping out. Affordable candles, sarahcandles.com, C E R A candles.com. And heck, because you're a fan of That's What G Said, because you're listening, you get the promo code G I N O to make it even cheaper for you. You'll get 10% off your purchase. So, C E R A candles.com, promo code G I N O gets you 10% off your purchase. Churchill Downs Friday. That's where a lot of my focus this weekend is going to be at Churchill Friday and on Saturday. Now, keep in mind, I'm actually recording this late Wednesday. So at this point, the Saturday morning lines and stuff aren't even out for Churchill. I mean, I got an idea of the horses that I like. I never really gravitate towards the chalky horses, but just keep following me for more on Churchill Saturday and social media at It's Me, Gino B. Let's talk about Friday. 
over at Churchill. Let's talk about race number one. We're looking at June the 25th. Maiden $50,000 claimers in here. The Seven Kolsch is a horse who dropped down from the Maiden Special Weights to the Maiden 50 claiming ranks on May the 31st. And he was a step slow. Then he moved up about four wide. He was within two lengths. He made a big wide move right up on even terms with the with the leaders at the top of the lane. I thought it was a pretty good effort. And got a little tired late. That was going six and a half. Now it cuts back to six furlongs. Be making his second start at this level. A level that it feels like this is where he fits. Um, there were two next out winners from his debut race. That maiden special race at Keeneland. The winner of that race went on to try stakes. The fourth and sixth place finishers both came back to win maiden special weights next out. So that's a very live race. Kolsch seems to be training well heading into this one. Let's give a look to the seven Kolsch. Eight to one on the morning line. My value line is five to one. I need at least five to one to bet this one to win. Make sure to throw him into some of your early exotics there. I'm going to flip to the fifth for a couple thoughts here. So this is a a maiden special weight, mile and an eighth on the turf. I, there are a couple horses I want to use in some of the exotics. So I I respect the heck out of the two eyes on target who was a runner up in the debut, was really good going a mile and an eighth first time out. Not easy to do. Tons of respect. I think if you're playing exotics, if you're, you're, you know, playing pick boards, pick five, pick three, anything like that, you know, exact as tries, this horse is probably going to be in the mix, but there are others that are intriguing with a little more upside on the grass um, that I also want to include, like the four Royal Trist, who has three winning turf sibs, the five Centrifuge, who will try the turf for the tur- the first time. Centrifuge Dam was four for nine on the turf, was a stakes winner. He is actually a half to honor code, who is a multiple grade one winner but never tried turf. And Centrifuge has five siblings that raced on the turf, three of them won. He's a half to a multiple graded stakes winner on the turf named Noble Toon. He's a half to another stakes winner named Declaration of Peace. There is a lot of turf in the pedigree for Centrifuge. I make him my slight top selection in here. I, I put the five over the one, two, four, and eight in exotic. So I mentioned eyes on target, mentioned Royal Trist, the one sailor's return who did have some trouble last time out, should be able to save all the ground from the inside. And then Sky Temple, the blinkers on. Sky Temple's best race came going long on the grass. You'd imagine he's probably going to be pretty close early on in here, forwardly placed. There's not a ton of speed. And that's why I think you want to use him at least in the bottom of some of your exotics. I'm okay with trying to beat 911 Turbo here in exotics. He's just what? He's been your beaten favorite the last six times. He burns a ton of money. The five centrifuge, six to one on the morning line. I need him to be at least seven to two. I will use the five um, over combinations of one, two, four, and eight there in the fifth at Churchill. As we move to the sixth, the three quantum leap. This is a first level allowance, a mile and a 16th on the main track. So Quantum Leap has raced five times in his career debut. He was actually a pretty good third at Churchill sprinting in the slop. That was back in November. He came back after a couple months 
in January, and he was in that good maiden special weight race at uh, Gulfstream behind Prevalence and Stage Raider. He actually had a, a little bit of trouble at the start, too. Real easy race to kind of excuse and just put a line right through. Quantum Leap comes back in his next start, stretches out to a mile and an eighth, and he breaks his maiden. Good effort, beating next out winning uh, Ghazali. They take a shot with Quantum Leap in the Florida Derby. Well defeated that day behind known agenda. And then on May the 1st at Churchill, he was a step slow. And and then he got bumped on both sides. He was inside of uh, about four off behind horses. He moved to the rail. He was at the two path. He was in between. He got stopped and he they grabbed a hold of him. He was three wide. He was just uh, two off. Uh, you know, he couldn't really go on with it. I thought it was actually a little bit better than it looks on paper. And, you know, you go, oh, what do you mean? He got beat 15 lengths. Well, yeah, the winner that day won by 11. He, was, he wasn't too far out of it until Mask Parade, who we will see in Stakes Company this weekend, sort of grabbed that race by the throat. He cuts back. This feels like a softer spot. He's got a good running style for this race where he doesn't have to be way, way out of it. The number three, Quantum Leap. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. We need 9-2 to two or so to make a, a win wager on him. That's the value line for me. In race number seven at Churchill, the eight, three tipsy chicks. So she's got some legitimate excuses. She's going to go second start off the bench. She's going to get back to a fast dirt track. Her best races have been at Churchill Downs, and she comes out of some live races. Two back. Hooked lone speed that day in a race that came back live Where Crazy Beautiful came back to win Three starts back in the forward gal She just had no shot after that start Three tipsy chicks The eight, 12 to one on the morning line Eight to one is my value line or so So uh, need at least or Right around eight if you want to Make a win wager on that one Let's move to the eighth race The number ten So this is a mile and a sixteenth on the turf course Here uh, First level allowance we the clouds. I don't love the post. This horse should not be twenty to one. In similar spots recently, she was eight. She has some speed, but she can also sit in a pretty good spot and pass horses. This she is not overmatched in this field against this group. Who do you see that really terrifies you and you say, "Oh yeah, she can't compete with them." I'm going to use the ten. We the clouds at anything over six to one, along with the uh, I'll use her and I'll bet her anything over six to one, along with the three, the very logical Emily's Oasis and the seven, the super logical vividly. Don't have to sell you on on those ones a whole lot, but keep an eye on We the Clouds as we get to the ninth race. Optional sixty two non two. Remember restoring hope. Who's uh, the blocker for Justify back in the Belmont? You've got shoplifted in here. You've got uh. A few that we've we've seen tackle graded stakes company, but I'm looking at Sicily K, the New York bred, who last raced at Belmont on May the 13th and broke pretty well that day, uh, but took back inside and then got caught in between horses, then had to angle around five wide. I hated the ride. It was way out in the middle of the racetrack late. Not not one that I was a fan of. I think you can get a better better trip today, Sicily. K, the number six, six to one on the morning line. I need uh, around seven to two or so 
I'd include with the eight answer in who I also expect uh, to. Uh, I, I also expect to run well in here. You want to keep this one in some of your exotics. So Cicely K over answer in for me as we move to the tenth. This will be uh, our final play for Friday over at Churchill, and I'm looking at the number two strike power. This is the Kelly's landing. We are going to see the return of Art Collector. I don't think Art Collector is quite as quick as Strike Power. I don't think any of these horses in here are really that quick early on. There are a few that are more of a pressing type, but Strike Power is really fast. And he's not as much of a battler as he is a horse where when he can get clear, he can really run big races. That's how a lot of speed horses are too. Some of them will battle you. Some of them kind of want to fight. He, I don't know if he's as much of that as you know, looking at a field like this where he might be able to shake clear. Strike power, the number two. Make sure to use him in all of your late exotics there. He's 4-1 to one on the morning line. I'd need three at the least. Um, use him along with the seven and the eight. Bango, who has enough like versatile positional speed to keep within striking range and show that he can come off and pass. I'm kind of interested in Aloha West, who seems like he's moving forward, and I think he's got some ability there too. And then Art Collector will probably need one for his best off the bench. So a fun Friday over at Churchill Downs for a closing weekend. Uh, make sure we try to get the best prices that we can for all of our plays. Never just blindly play a horse. If they get to the point where they're just too short, we have to move on and be okay with the fact that, you know what, we like that horse they won, but it just didn't make sense for the price that they were. So good luck. On Friday, we're going to head on over to Saturday and we're going to talk about a couple stakes races at Thistledown that I wanted to uh, to give a look to. And then we're going to get to some of the stakes races at Churchill. Before we do, I want to let you know about our friends over at OldSmokeClothing.com. Quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. We're talking iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience t-shirts hats hoodies long sleeves zip-ups with slogans the names of big races famous horses custom design opportunities there where you can create shirts you can create um, clothing with whatever phrases sayings you want on them and when you use the promo code g-i-n-o it'll get you free shipping on your order Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order. Let's get over to Thistledown for Saturday. A couple races uh, that I'm looking at. It is the uh, Ohio Derby, and there's a, a good stakes race right before that with the 8th race. So we're looking at June the 26th, and we're looking at race 8 at Thistledown. The Lady Jacqueline, they're going to go a mile and an 8th. Now remember, there's a big Stable duel contest also for Thistledown So if you're playing the races for Thistledown If you're handicapping these races You might as well go get involved in that big Saturday stable duel contest Some really familiar horses in here you got Horologist from the inside You've got uh, Crystal Ball right next door Who's put a couple victories together You've got a Jilted Bride Who we saw in some uh, good races at Oaklawn and towards the outside, spice is nice. Get rid of what ails you. That's where I will lean. Uh, the eight. Get rid of what ails you. I think at the mile in the eighth, 
Um, I want to give get rid of what ails you another shot. She got squeezed back at the start and was just way, way out of it and, and really didn't have an opportunity behind a horse like Spice is Nice who was able to get such a jump on her. Now, in this race, the way a horse like Spice is Nice loses is if she gets caught up early on with Crystal Ball. She gets get caught up early on with, you know, other horses in here that want to go. Maybe a Quick Pay, maybe a Miss Bigley, um, you know, uh, Race and Rosemary. There are others that will set it up for Get Rid of What Ails You, who was behind Latruska two back. She dares the devil three starts back, and she just will get a much better opportunity here on paper with a couple speeds to give her the kind of pace she needs to run at. Get rid of what ails you is the play for me there. And in the Ohio Derby, race number nine, a grade three mile and an eighth. So we've got Hozier, who was second in the Rebel. We've got King Fury, your Lexington winner. Promise Keeper, the winner of the Peter Pan. You've got... Uh, the Reds, who's gotten really good as of late, uh, runner-up in back-to-back stakes. You've got Keep Me In Mind and Proxy all in this field. And then Mask Parade, the horse that we were just talking about a little bit earlier, who was a, a big allowance winner. The I've kind of got it down to three that I'm, I'm probably going to build some exotics around here. I really do like Promise Keeper. Um, his Keeneland win was really impressive to me, mainly because I I thought the race was going to shape up differently. The way he was drawn, he was down on the inside. On paper, it didn't look like there was a lot of speed there. I just expected him to get sent and go. And when he showed that he can sit and make a big, wide, sweeping move like he did, um, there's some ability with Promise Keeper, who then came right back to win the, the Peter Pan. And I don't have any concerns about distance with him. So he's he's the one to beat. The 10 mask parade I think you have to use as the wild card. Look what he's done in his last couple. He just really stepped forward. Monster win over at Churchill. So mask parade going to be on uh, my exotic tickets. And then the 9 proxy to me sort of feels like the measuring stick of this race. I think you can make an excuse and, and, and toss the slop, uh, the race in the slop last time out at Keeneland. And... His fairgrounds form would would you know put him right here in the mix. So five hundred thousand dollars up for grabs this weekend at Thistledown in the Ohio Derby. Couple stakes races there, a big stable duel contest. So we'll uh, have our eyes on Thistledown this Saturday. But we're also going to have our eyes on Churchill Downs as it is closing Saturday, and you've got the Stephen Foster there and some other really nice stakes races. On the menu Saturday at Churchill And like I said this is Wednesday night So the morning lines aren't really out I'll give you the horses I, They don't even have the numbers and the, the the program numbers out So we'll just give you horses And um, and then keep keep an eye on social media uh, It's me Gino B I will post more information um, And probably uh, some sort of a pick 5 ticket Or uh, a pick six, pick 6 ticket there On closing day uh, for Churchill So follow it's me Gino B on Twitter Post usually on Facebook, on Instagram too I'm going to move to the fourth race For June the 26th We're looking at this optional 62 non-2 And I'm looking at Bourbon War Who I was a big fan of back in 2019 He was actually second in the Fountain of Youth 
I think you can just toss what he did in 2020. He only ran twice, and he just did not run well. Long layoff, new barn, comes back in May of 2021 after not racing since March of 2020 and only racing twice and just briefly. He ran well, really well to finish second. He was just beating the neck. That's probably not even what he wants to do. This this mile in an eighth is probably his best trip. He stretches out. He goes back to long on the main track. Bourbon War, make sure to use him in all of your early exotics there. As we move to the Fleur de Lis, mile and an eighth, grade two, in race number five. And Vuitton, it's going to be really tough in here. And it's it's the way, in the way, I mean, Latruska is going to take all the money. But in Vuitton, to me, is, is the only like other legitimate horse I can feel myself getting behind. And if I do, it's got to be a single against Latruska. Spice is nice, who we just mentioned over at Thistledown, cross-centered in here. We'll see where she ends up. In Vuitton, in the Fleur de Lis for me. We move along to the seventh race, the War Chant. And this is probably a good spot to play Royal Prince back. He had he was sitting second in a race where there was zero pace in his last start at Churchill. And he sat too deep, about a length off. He tried to press the lone leader. He moved right up on even terms, but that one just had a little too much left in the tank. Chellis just continued on and opened up. It's a pretty good horse, too, that he lost to. He had a Royal Prince had a horrendous trip in the American turf. Helium will probably get the uh, some of the money here. Helium, starring in my dreams. People see dropping out of some of those graded stakes. Helium... First time on the turf, his dam was a great three winner, group three winner on the turf. Both siblings um, were multiple winners on the turf. One of them grade three placed. So every right to like the grass. Helium, who uh, your Tampa Bay Derby winner, we remember from the Kentucky Derby winner here, trying the grass. So Royal Prince for me and Helium would be horses I would use in exotics, but Royal Prince would be the horse I think you might be able to bet to win and get a little better value on. The eighth race is the debutante. I like what I've seen. Okay, logical horses like t- like Tis a Plenty, Molly Kate, uh, and then towards the outside, um, on the ones and the twos, Behave Virginia, they're all going to take money. Logical. I will be using Cartel Queen in all exotics. She was able to sit off a little bit, which t- I think early on at two is such an important thing to see. Because if something goes wrong early and she's drawn down towards the inside, she doesn't break well, I at least know that she's been in that situation before. She broke okay. She was you know, about two lengths off. She sat inside behind horses. She had to wait. Then she had to move to the two path around and in between. She showed that she could sit. She could pass. She adds the blinkers, gives her a little more focus. Cartel Queen is to me a very intriguing one to use in your exotics in the debutante along with some of those other logicals. We move to the Bashford Manor, the ninth race, grade three event. Six furlongs the distance. I like Glacial. You know, you're looking at a, a lot of horses who are really impressive breaking their maidens. A lot of horses who are really impressive the last time we saw them. Glacial is one that sort of stood out to me because he was another one who I think he had to overcome a little bit. He was a step slow, 
he was he was actually like last early on, but then he quickly recovered. He moved up the inside, and he was sitting in a tight spot, and he had to move through that really tight spot. Then at the top of the lane, he's headed by two challengers to the outside of him. He puts those horses away. He kicks on, and he opens back up by two. I think he got a lot out of that race. It wasn't like a, oh, you just go right to the front and win kind of a race. He had to worry about being down on the inside. Then he had to worry after a slow start, he rushed up there. Then he had to deal with pressure from a couple others. He puts them away. He kicks on. I think Nor Cassie has a nice one here in Glacial. Make sure to use him in the Bashford Manor as we move to the Wise Dan. Grade 2, mile and a 16th on the turf course, race number 10. Some like it hot brown is probably the one to catch, and there's not that much other speed. The horse who I like most in here is Ride a Comet. He's just getting some some needed class relief. He ran into tough foes in his last few. Smooth like straight. Domestic spending. Colonel Liam. That group was just a little too tough for him. He was a runner-up behind Raging Bull two starts back. But this is a much better spot. He's a much more likely winner against a field like this. He will come closing, but he doesn't have to be as far back as he you know, as you would kind of glance at him and think he's just a stone cold closer, he can sit a little more, a little closer, and he has a little more position, like positional tactical speed to him than that. So I'll use, you know, Ride a Comet is the horse who I'll probably single in some exotics, and well, you know, some like it hop brown in in other spots. I'm sure neither one of them will be like a massive price. The Stephen Foster race number eleven. Maxfield's going to be tough There's no beating around that bush But South Bend He made his four year old Debut on the dirt and On April the 17th at Keeneland It was really good He beat Empty Tomb and, and Mighty Heart that day Who both have came back to win Excellent race And when you look overall at his dirt form It's been really good He He was in the Derby and the Belmont last year He was in the Travers South Bend had legitimate trouble on May the 29th. It was a small field. He was back behind horses. He had nowhere to go. He tried to move in between, and he got completely shut out of a spot and had to take back again. He was just begging, like looking for room, and couldn't find it anywhere. Legitimate trouble that day for South Bend. He's the bet in the race to me, and Maxfield is the one to beat. So those would be the two that I look most at in the 11th on Saturday at Churchill. In the 12th, the Teppin, again, there'll be a bunch of logicals. I'm sure people will look at horses dropping out of some of the bigger stakes races. And I will too with the horse like Invincible Gal, who I I think is another horse who I could possibly single in late exotics. She was like ninth early on, about five or six lengths off, and she was four deep early. Um... Kind of a wide turf trip that doesn't work well But she angled out and she really got going late She just missed And that was going 7 furlongs She She's going to be a little better with that race under her belt Stretching out a little more She'll save all the ground and come running Invincible Gal in the Teppin Race 12 at Churchill on Saturday A couple of fantastic cards On Friday and Saturday at Churchill Downs 
just really, really good betting stuff. So, uh, best of luck over there this weekend at Churchill as we get ready to head and start talking some wrestling. Before we do, we want to let you know about full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out in many different ways, buying, selling, leasing. Now, maybe you just need help with finding some vendors, gardeners, landscapers. She will put you in contact with people that she's used in her own home. She can help put you in touch with lenders that can get you approved for a home loan. Cindy Carava, the website, cindycarava.com, one of the kindest, most genuine people you will ever meet. You can find all of the information. She's on Facebook, YouTube, Zillow, Yelp, reviews about her all over, but you can find all of her listings and everything you need, cindycarava.com. We head to Wrestling with Chad Cooper, Chad joins us and we bounce all over the place. We talk first about AEW and Dynamite from their Friday night show. Then we get into the WWE portion where we go through Hell in a Cell, uh, things that happen on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw. We close up with NXT in uh, about an hour and a half edition as we go all around. That's what G said, we've got wrestling with Chad Cooper here. Big thanks to Koopa Loop once again. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper And uh, we're able to record this one on uh, Wednesday afternoon this week Because as the wrestling schedule has changed recently um, There's still going to be one more week where there isn't really anything on Wednesday night to to discuss So I guess we can kind of start there, Chad, with um, with uh, AEWs As they got uh, a little increase in their viewership on the Friday night late show last week um, I think a lot of fans have sort of felt like they've been kind of phoning it in because uh, some of the main event stuff. It's sort of been like how Saturday night's main event used to be. They'll put some of the important stuff right off the bat, and then sort of the end of the show is kind of like a, a dark or elevation with some of the matches they've they've had towards the end um, at times. But they the numbers bumped up, and I think they're probably going to be pretty happy that this will be their last week. Uh, where they have a Saturday show, and then they'll get to go back to their normal Wednesday. Yeah, that 11 o'clock hour uh, central time is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, not just for a, a weekend or a weekday, but even, even a weekend. And Friday nights are tough, especially the later you get. A lot of people now are going out. But uh, I, I can understand, you know, we're hard on AEW. We, we're hard on WWE, especially on Monday nights at Raw. But I can understand going top heavy at the beginning of the program um mm-hmm. you know th- there are some aew fans that, that says you know they're, they're kind of mailing it in but you know we've seen we've seen wwe kind of mailing in during some dead periods absolutely where, you know it's... there's six weeks to a pay-per-view and we're trying to get there so you can't fault them in in, in and, a lot of ways for, and for it... doing that. and we are as sports fans and betters and people who watch all sorts this is where I give 
wrestling credit I think I'm always giving wrestling Every wrestling company Like a baseline um, Like level of I'm going to grade them On like less of a curve Because they never stop Every week No off season No baseball season's over They take time off No oh hey we filmed season 2 of this show We filmed our 8 episodes Now we're done for a year That doesn't happen And so you can't be incredible every week Literally there's nothing There's no sport, no show that does Nothing, nothing does it every single week Every single week of the year So for as much as we critique things Because we 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 find ways that You know, not that Oh yeah, we, we are end all be all I think they're just simple things that we've seen These companies do before That we go, oh you've done this before If you just did it this way again it'd be so much better You know, that's kind of where we uh, Where we like to go And so um, hopefully You know, if if AEW got the Wednesday night show back and then Friday night, if they had around like a $500,000 on the late show on Friday night for an hour, I don't think they'd be too upset with that. Like that wouldn't be, if that was their no, second it, you know, show of the week, you know, um, and it, it was just an hour. I feel like that show, if they end up, you know, when they end up doing that Friday night show and it's just an hour, like we said, with the Wednesday show a couple days earlier in the week, they'll have a little more buzz coming off of it, I think. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I I remember interviewing Triple H years ago. Uh, you know, when when he was a a weekly player on TV as opposed to you know being executive now and uh, upper echelon. And you know, he talked about that very thing. He said, you know, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, WWE, there there is, you know, there may be one or two or maybe three times a year where it's taped. Because of a holiday falls on a Monday night Like Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve But even then you come up with new product Even though it's taped not live And it's really, really difficult I think the, I think the problem where we get where, What we're getting into uh, Even with AEW As we, we're, we're talking about AEW Is, you know there, This isn't 15 or 20 years ago Where the rosters are half the size Of what they are now that that's the thing I think a lot of us get frustrated with is because AEW there there is plenty of talent there there is now their women's division's not as strong as WWE's and NXT's uh, but there's a lot of good wrestlers there there's there's a lot of names and um, but you can just kind of tell uh, their ball was deflated a little bit after having to move uh, such late. Uh, yeah. on a Friday night and look I'm Central Time hey I I, I go to Vegas a lot. And I remember being in Vegas on a Monday or a Friday night and not knowing, you know, seeing SmackDown is coming on, you know, at 5, at 5 p.m., you know, um, West Coast time. And it's like, you know, a lot of people are doing things at a lot of different times, especially mm-hmm. now with people going out. They, ha- they are trying. It's not like, you know, they're, they're, they aren't doing much. But I think the biggest gripe has been, you know, for me is there is a lot of talent there and for WWE. And, you know, it just seems like, OK. Um, but you know, we, we've kind of set the bar high and we kind of knew the bar would be set it even higher when the audiences would, when a live crowd would be, uh, brought back in and, uh, we're closer and closer there. And as you said, we're the last, this is, I think uh, the, what the last week, I think AEW now saw it on the guide. They're back on Wednesday nights. The mm-hmm. next couple of shows are already announcing some big matches. So it's going to get better. The time will tell if if they continue to struggle. Uh, if that doesn't get up closer to a million views 
on Wednesday nights. If we get stuck in the sevens and eight hundreds, then that's probably what they're going to get from here on out. Yeah, and it was I think for both of these companies too, it was kind of like a weird, um, perfect storm of everything sort of opened up before these companies were able to go full bore with fans again. And so now yeah. they haven't really been able to sort of take advantage of the of what like the the rest of the U.S. is sort of seeing with sporting events opening up full right. wide and and everything started to open back up. So I think in a few weeks we'll probably feel better about both of the both of these companies because it you know you look around and it's like they they AEW had this great energy off their pay per view where there were people there and then they got to kind of go back to Daly's place where it's it's not bad. But it's still kind of the same place over and over, you know. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with WWA. They had this great mania, and then they got to go back to the Thunderdome, which hell, they did a great job with the Thunderdome, making sure. it as good as, as possible. But um, I think people are just itching now. The weather is great. There's all this stuff going on, and like a Friday night, it's just yeah, we're we're out. People are out now. People are doing it, it, things. And, and Gino, it's like you, you know, it, it's Wednesday. We're taping this on Wednesday, and look, look, look back without looking on your notes. Usually, a lot of things stick out to you. And I know we talk about this each and every uh, week on the on uh, this week in wrestling on the part of the podcast. You know, you can always a couple of things will stick out to you, of course, on SmackDown. Okay, when when you get to AEW, uh, you know, later that night, whether you watch it on Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday, whatever it is. Just right now, there's not a lot of things that are sticking out over the last month, you know, after the pay-per-view. So that's that's kind of concerning a little bit. But I know they're trying to get back to their Wednesday night. And, of course, they're, they're about to come to Texas. These crowds are about to be nuts, you know, when they come to there. And it just – it makes for, you know, a better show. But, you know, going back to this, this last Friday Night Dynamite, I just I, – I, mm-hmm. there wasn't much there. And I was reading um, a, a little bit of a Bleacher Report recap also of sure. uh, of, yeah. of the show too Because I'm always curious to Me if too. I don't I do two or three different one of them Me too I want to see what other people are talking or about Or I'll, I'll listen to another pot or two And that's kind yes. of what's been unfortunate too Is that a lot of the places that cover AEW weekly With their like Wednesday night after They haven't really been doing it as much Uh-oh. With no, the Friday night shows no, because I, it's too late for people that are on the East Coast or just from like the viewing when it is, they end up having to do it on Saturday and it, it doesn't quite work out. So they're just not getting like as much coverage overall, you know. Um, but the one thing that I, I, I kind of found and I completely agree with, and this is something we've we briefly hinted on, but I thought the it was it was kind of like well, um, well, I'm gonna put it, put in a, in a really good sense is that they tried to do so much. That sometimes it's too much that, like, example, one of the things that I was kind of interested in this show was uh, Arn Anderson's son yes. debuting. I was curious to see. I thought he actually looked pretty good. He, he looked exactly like Arn, like we joked yeah. about it last week, right? Yeah. He looked fine in the ring, like solid, like no knocks. Like he was very serviceable. He's not going to be a, like the main event champion, but he's going to be an Arn. Like he'll be a good tag guy or like a good, like, Mid card, he already you can already kind of tell he has that. The the thing that frustrates me, and it's kind of like what happened when um, uh, Daniels and Kanzarian broke up. It's like they'll have this kind of cool angle that interests me, but then they got so much on their show that they want to get in. We we needed to get a couple of minutes after that match with Cody and Arn and them all sort of celebrating more. We got like a brief little hug, but we didn't get like I was I wanted to see a little bit more of that moment. 
you know, there because I was like, oh, this is cool. We didn't get it. It went right into something else. Boom, boom, boom. I felt I so I think they get to the point where they have these moments, but they don't. Um, I think, and this is something that WWE does well. They do a lot of things wrong. They let things breathe. It's like it's just sure. a production sure. thing. And I think it's because WWE's produced a lot more shows than AEW. But um, just some critiques because you are a thousand percent right. If I didn't go back again, like yesterday. And start to make a list of everything that was happening The only thing I would have really remembered off the top of my head Was that, oh yeah, the show coming up this week is on Saturday And that Omega and Jungle Boy are fighting in the in the main event Right, right Like that would have really been it Yeah, um, it, 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 I, I don't, I, I think they, they think that everyone is trained to follow along on social media Especially on Twitter And, uh, and the, the YouTube show, stuff and the show, too and YouTube and where that is, you know, a lot of the case, you know, especially on Twitter, because look, during any show, I mean, just, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a trend guy. Uh, even when I, you know, was really, really uh, betting horses, I, 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 you know, trend is, was always my friend. So I always like to look at the trends on Twitter during a show. And I'll wait for about 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever it is. A lot of people are on Twitter, but either complaining or, or saying this is the greatest ever. But they're not getting a full transition over to YouTube. I, I think once people watch it on TV, unless you're paying for an indie show uh, like Cheap Plug, uh, Title Match Network, unless you're watching an indie promotion on YouTube or on a network like Title Match Network, I, you know, those numbers aren't, aren't, aren't very good on Mondays and Tuesday nights. So I, I think, you know, we briefly touched on it. Other people are talking about it. They're shoving so much in into two hours uh, that some of the good, the really positive parts that we really like are being overshadowed by mm-hmm. just too much mediocrity. Yeah, because this is a problem they did with the from from the very beginning. Like I threw a couple of those AEW dark shows on the first few weeks sure. in the background. I would do work. I'm, I. I, every time I'm a maniac, I never, I never like, I've always have something on podcast. I'm always listening to a podcast. I'm watching a game. There's always something on like in the background while I'm doing my work. I just, I love, you know, having it that way. And sure. I just got, there just became too much. I got like overwhelmed almost, you know, cause it was just like, oh, you know, this is just too long. There's too much. There's so much stuff. It goes boom, 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 boom to this. And, um, you know, I, uh, they started out with the uh, the on Friday with the MMA fight. I thought they did an like as as probably well of a job as as this can be done in wrestling. I just I'm not I'm never a fan really of this type of thing in wrestling. Like it's just you know w- wrestling is different, and so you see them trying to do an MMA fight, and you know it wasn't the worst thing in the world. The, it this would have been completely fine though. In my opinion, if it was the same exact thing in a wrestling match with these two guys, like in a cage or in a street sure. fight or whatever, and then post match, you still get the attack on Malenko. Like that's really what this was about, right? Like MJF kind of coming out, the the factions continuing on. You get MJF attacking Malenko, and then Sammy coming out making the save. So um, they are setting up next week. With a few things I'm interested in uh, Sammy MJF in a one-on-one match Is is curious and I think they're going to have that uh, Next week I believe Yeah look it made for good pictures uh, Look yeah, you, you, you said it perfect I, This could probably 
been done in a steel cage or maybe another kind of gimmick stipulation match. You know, it, it's just so many, you know, again, rest, we, we've seen so many MMA guys cross over and a lot be successful. And then we've seen a lot try to cross over and not be successful and vice versa. We've seen some professional wrestling guys go over and just not do very well. I don't know if the generic wrestling fan, uh, the typical, atypical professional wrestling fan is a UFC fan. Yes. I've been to many, many, many of UFC events, Bellator events. That's a different type of crowd now. The, um, it, it is. I, I'm sure there's some wrestling fans in there. But a lot of those MMA people do not like professional wrestling. And there's a lot of professional wrestling that does not like MMA. They respect each other. The athletes do. But the fans-wise, you know, as you, what, look, they, they got it for Malenko, right, for the attack there. And I think they yeah. could have done it another way. What What's interesting about what you said, and you, you kind of hit it perfect, it's um, I think – it's a people thing, right? Like when sure. when when a big wrestler shows up at a UFC fight, um, a lot of times they get respect. Triple H shows up there, The Rock, The Undertaker, some of them like th- those guys respect the big wrestling stars. And then I think the same in wrestling. Like if a big UFC star shows up, the wrestlers respect it. But I just don't think that wrestling fans in no. general are no. are wanting to see a UFC style match on their show. Right? If if a big fighter came over, if Conor McGregor shows up or Silva or Ron, you know, someone shows up, people know that, oh, yeah, they're interested. That's they work. Them. That's completely that, work. You know, work. Brock Lesnar's, the Bobby look at, Lashley's. Exactly. Those work. You they know, work. Those work. But, but, you know, look. It's the style. Them in a H- wrestling Hager, match. Hager, Hager going over to Bellator MMA. Bellator used to be, what, on Spike TV. Then they kind of bounced around. And then it was Viacom. And then once they got on to, uh, they were on a streaming service for a while. Now I believe they're on either Showtime. What are these streaming services? Maybe Showtime Sports or whatever. I, I don't think very many AEW fans went over to watch Jake Hager fight in Bellator MMA. I, I just don't. And, no. and I know there was no MMA fans tuning in on Friday night. Interesting concept. They tried something different. Yep. Um, uh, was it okay? Sure, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but I think they could have went of a, a, of a more, uh, a, I don't know, a, a wrestling way to do it. And I sometimes mm-hmm. I just again we say it over and over again. It's sometimes they kind of overplay cards and overthink things, and you don't yep. have just be simple, keep it simple. Yep, exactly. Um, we, you know, we got the Darby, uh, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and. What needed to happen happened here, right? The the heels yes. win, um, so at least they don't lose. But it's not like it's not something that like really gets them over by winning in a two on one match. It's something that at least doesn't necessarily bury them, but it kind of puts you in a weird spot of saying like, okay, Darby, and I thought Darby looked pretty damn good in this match. Like he was battling and like he really was playing babyface in peril. But I, you, like I just wasn't a fan of this this like. Doing this because now, okay, what now would you say? So now you said the heels need to be two on one to win, but Darby need to sting to win. Like I don't know, is that what right. I I feel coming out of this this match? Um, I guess I'll, I'll let it play out a little bit more because I like Darby and I really do like a lot of what they've done. He's really feels he really does feel like one of the bigger stars there. I just don't know where they're going here 
I'm kind of curious if this is going to end up Obviously with him and Sting One of them ended up turning on each other But um, I'd be curious uh, Because it it, it's got Yeah it's like it does I do come out of this thinking a little bit less of Of both of these teams Darby because okay well yeah he lost And these guys aren't really Thought of as like uh, big stars And then both of them are like oh okay yeah you won But it was two on one yeah, look, the, the first thing is, is you know, there's a lot of guys and a lot of girls that it's, that signed with AEW, and it just, it's been okay. Uh, he's been a home run. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, you know, I, I think it's safe to say we're probably at the halftime, maybe in the third, uh, even further than that, third quarter of this yep. feud, if you're I looking agree. at a football game, NBA That's game, true. Or stuff like that. And I don't know where it's going because this definitely didn't do anything for the Hills because we expecting them to win a two-on-one match. I guess we're I guess we're getting a, a you know a, a slow build to Sting and Darby, but uh, you know just go back to the pay-per-view, uh, you know, and just the previous long build of this where I thought Paige and Scorpio uh, should have probably went over, but you know we kind of expected it. I'm a, I, I'm still invested in it uh, another quarter, but. You know, do do something a little different here now. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, in order in order to this to go up another level, you're, I guess you're going to have to bring Sting back in because what do we have now? Are we going to have Darby versus Scorpio singles and Darby versus Ethan for the next couple of weeks? So that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, Good we don't want to just yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get into the same issues that we have with WWE, no, right? No. Like the repeated things over and over, which is why I think both of us are going to have some wow, positive things to say in a few minutes about <laughs> Raw perhaps this yeah. week. Um yeah. um the the one team I like uh, a little bit, I think they do a good job and they're starting to to uh get over on me a little bit are the uh, the wingmen. Um yeah. just as like a, a middle card bottom of the card like goofy heels. They're kind of funny. Here, uh, Orange Cassidy gets the win over Benoni. Uh, shout out to Benoni because he's got a lot of stuff going on personally. So uh, rooting, rooting uh, hard for him and his family. Um, but you know what? You know, th- like this is fine, and I kind of like those guys as like uh, they're going to be a team that just gets a lot of pins. You know, they're going to take a lot of pins <laughs> yeah. throughout, but they're funny, and I don't mind them. You know. Yeah, it, you know, and it's something different. You know, it's a little bit different, and, and you see some new faces. You don't have to, you know, go to Monday and Tuesday nights on, on YouTube to see some of these guys where I think they've been. Let's just – hopefully they're consistent, and they stay in in, in sort of uh, – they don't need to be in a storyline, but just a program where they have some quality, meaningful matches on, uh, on Dynamite, and that's all you need to do. And I, I had no problem with this at all. Orange Cassidy is, is who he is, but I like these kind of new teams they bring in. Just keep giving them to me, though. Just keep giving mm-hmm. them to me. Don't go away kind of like, hell, like uh, the other night, I forgot gender debuted a month ago. And right? he just came back, and I'm like, where has he been? So don't do that. Okay? No. Just give them to, keep them fresh for me. Keep showing us. Week, yes. Week. It just, even even the few weeks, you know, and we're, we're sort of uh, tangenting a little bit, but, like, even just seeing Ricochet for a few weeks, didn't you sort of feel like, this week, oh, you know what? Maybe he's got a little more of a shot than normal. Like, just because yes. we've seen him on our TV for like a few weeks out of the last six, you know, we saw if him there a couple. Been put on if he would have just been put on the graphic or earlier that day, or earlier that day, WWE announces on social media that uh, he's he's got a money in the briefcase uh, briefcase qualifying match with with so and so. 
And you're saying, okay, well, it would be a good match, but he's not going to win. The yeah. last couple of weeks in, in, in what he's done with Sheamus and Umberto, he's got a shot, you know? You, but that, that's what I'm saying. You keep guys on TV or keep them involved and interested, it's so much more viable. Yep. It's better. To, they've always said it's better to be if getting a few minutes each and every week, you know? Yeah, um, that's true. And, uh, yeah, Brock uh, Brock Anderson, Arn's son, got a few minutes. I thought he did well. I, I mentioned earlier my sort of gripe there. Um and you know the you know it's just I I like bringing him in and uh, you know we'll probably see him down the line uh, but I didn't love it just again with same kind of stuff with Cody uh, big yeah. shout out to him though they have a new baby so sure. uh, shout out there to Cody and Brandy I just he just feels like I mean like every week if if you you, you if you miss the show you you were you're not really missing much about what Cody's doing no and. Talk about stuck in a pattern. Yeah. Just look, QT Marshall did absolutely nothing, you know, before that. Um, It just goes back. We say it every AEW segment here on the podcast. It goes back to him losing a chance to to chase after the AEW world title. They're going to have to change that. We know that. There's going to have to be some kind of gimmick stipulation down the road. I'm not saying this year, but I – Cody's too big and too good in the ring, whether you like him or not, to not get him involved in something. Yeah. You can't just put him on a TV match because and, and wrestle anyone because that's what WWE was doing. You know, it, yeah. It just yeah, just nothing's there for you know, nothing pops for me with him right now. It no. hasn't been a It hasn't. It's it's unfortunate. Um we got um like psychopath uh, Miro <laughs> here. He interrupts the, the 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 after the Penelope Ford match when it was like two on one, um, and he just says, you know, uh, this is unfair. There's a numbers game, and he just beats the crap out of Garrison and Pillman, and he's like apologizing to her and asking her where Kip is. Like, this is gra- I mean, he was like a total psychopath. As like they were laughing, they're like, he beat her up. He beat him up. He put him out of action. He's coming out here to be like the knight in shining armor. So. I just I so much prefer this crazy guy than the video game guy before. And this is this is what we wanted. This is right. Not, it, it wasn't full one hundred percent. No, like this, no. His debut, his debut in WWE when we go back with him and Lana, but he was this Bulgarian brute. He was a machine, you know, and he was just destroying people, you know. And I guess you know going through all the video video game the Twitch gimmick stuff to get him there i guess it makes him look that much better but man he's good he's gold he i mean he, he was in wwe and, and this this is a perfect spot for him right now excuse me <laughs> vicky guerrero getting excuse back getting the ring uh next week brit's just laughing at her <laughs> there um so vicky's gonna get in and have a tag match i think in two uh i think not this week, but next week when they're back on Wednesday, I think. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, how many times have we seen that in WWE? Her and those right? fights, you know, with Dolph uh, yeah. getting it. Just, I don't know what to think about that. I don't know. I just nah, don't know. They just, yeah, they'll hope that it'll help just kind of further this along, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get that match coming up soon with Nia yeah. and with Britt. Um, but uh, yeah, n- nothing more here than just a few minutes to kind of get Brett on your TV, uh, even though she didn't have a match or anything, and uh, kind of continue along their storyline. That's fine. 
here. Um, get, get, get a look at Britain. Britain Tony. Like, Britain Tony just make me laugh. You know, they're just like <laughs> their relationship is so great. She just hugs him and love. You know, and like that is uh like that's why. Well, that, I think that's a. He's like one of the reasons that she's been able to sort of connect really well with the fans too, kind of like using him as a pawn um, through AEW. And I think when she inevitably does the like full on baby face turn, because she's kind of been starting to creep there little by little, you know, she'll kind of, she'll tease it and then she'll kind of like pull out the rug from under you again and remind you she's still a heel. She's going to use Tony though, I think when she fully turns baby face and like really embrace him and that'll, that'll be something that the crowd really likes. There's there's a lot of people that use uh, there's a lot of duos uh, that just have been 100% on point throughout wrestling. You know, Bobby Heenan was good with people. Jesse the Body Ventura was good with people. Mean Gene, uh, right? Mean Gene, oh, yeah. mean Gene was so good with everybody. And hey, like it or not, Tony and Britt have been home runs every time they're in a segment together. Whether she's hurt, she's in the ring, wrestling, whatever, they've been money. And they can take my money all day. That that's They're just good. They're really good. They're entertaining. Shivani is just, he plays off, plays off of it, and so does she. You know, it, it's, again, they've done a great job with her. And when she does turn babyface, it's going to be a huge pop. And the main event, really good match. Um, you know, you yeah. get the buck, get the bucks, and or uh, Jackson and the Good Brothers, and it was uh, Penta, Kingston, and Kazarian. Um, my only issue with this is that it felt like Kazarian's always someone that, um, you know, he's been around for a long time. Long time. He's, yeah, he's really good in the ring, like very underrated. He's He's funnier and got a better personality and can cut a better promo than people will give him credit for. You know, if you let him talk a little, he, he's 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 funny. He can actually do it pretty well. Um, so and and I like they you know they split they split up the tag team now. Seems like he's getting a little bit of a push. He's got this new thing. He's calling himself the Elite Hunter. Wouldn't it have yes. been just so much better for him to just take a pin like him to pin one of the Good Brothers here versus? Yeah. Like I don't know if the Bucks need need that because now like I don't know and who knows maybe this is just nothing maybe it's just something he's doing with himself we'll see but um uh I just good match fine and I'm and I'm I'm like I don't have too many gripes with this the only gripe is just that I I I think we get this with them and um although it, it feels sort of like Archer who was one that we didn't mention yes. they get yeah. ready to like oh look they've kind of Repackaged this person And we're like oh they're gonna push them And then they just like you said they do it like once or twice And they're back on darker elevation So um, Yeah that That's that's what like I hope I'd love to see Kazarian as like A legitimate like mid card Guy that can be out Having good singles matches weekly And like someone who at one point could be like Feuding for the TV title That they have and stuff like that You know but they same thing like you said. We've got to keep seeing him out there as this guy. They've got to package him as this believable guy. Just getting a win like that on the main of, in, in like in a match with them to me, maybe it's not that big a deal at all. But I just would have liked and it would have furthered his push a little more. Yeah, it would it, it would have it would have taken it uh, definitely to uh, another level in, in in getting him back into 
the singles frame of mind for us fans because we've been seeing him in tag team action since Ring of Honor days, you know, you know, years and years ago. I love the Good Brothers. I love them. I love Carl Anderson. I, you know, I know he's 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 been in the, the, the news lately. lately. Asian wife. <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I love Big uh, Doc Gallows. Just a big, big Good Brothers fan. The problem I have with I have is since they left WWE and signed with Impact. Remember, these are Impact guys, right? They're on AEW now a lot, and they really haven't been anything on impact or aew they're just just there and i know they're about to have a show i I think i saw a press release from aew i'm bad about reading a headline and deleting it i'm in the media and i shouldn't do that but i'm real bad about reading a headline and a first sentence moving on i know they're about to have some sort of show that aew is going to help them out with they're great comedians so this would have been a perfect spot for carl anderson to take take a pin it just would have yeah. and give it to Kazarian. You're, you're spot on with that. I didn't think about it until just now, but I'm like, okay, the Bucks, eh, you know, good brothers. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to win or we're going to have a run in or something like that. But we didn't. And uh, hey, I like Frankie Kazarian. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people that really don't because he's been around for a while. The dude can go. He, he's just, he, he's, he's a good looking dude too. He's yeah, got a good look. He's, yeah, he's, he's got, got like that 80s in good shape. trunks. Uh, boots, you know, he can go. So I would love to see him uh, a, a mid-card run. But again, be on TV every week, be involved, and don't lose every week because that's when uh, wrestling fans start losing interest in you. One or two other things. Um, so I I really do like Jungle Boy um, huh? uh, quite a bit. I... It, he, he, I thought that the the one thing I thought was really funny when Omega uh pushed pushed Nakazawa right into him as they're <laughs> running away on the golf course, like he just like on the golf cart, he just like throws him to the wolves all the time, poor guy. But I don't like like they really did make him in the segment with Kenny come off as like stupid babyface yeah. guy. It was like, and WWE does this worse oh, than anybody. They, they so this they is do. not like a an AEW thing that I. Actually, they do a pretty good job with making their baby faces come off a lot cooler than WWE does. That's a, I think that's a hundred percent. But this point was like, so this guy is the main event challenger, your number one contender for the title, and he's just like, just slowly taking his stuff off and gets hit from behind, like not thinking about that at all. Didn't take advantage of having like uh, an opportunity to to get a shot on Kenny. And I don't know if it's a look thing to me because, damn, I'm a small guy, so I figured this. If I was standing in the ring next to somebody, I sure as hell would. I don't know if he just quite looks like he needs a year of his body to like fill in more to feel like he's in like the main eventer. Because I love him, I, I do. I think he's sure. awesome. I think he will be yeah. champ, no doubt about it, in a year or two. Um, I don't know why. Like I got that. So, somebody used to say, I think it was a uh, Pritchard or someone like that, like. Or something like, you know, uh, you know what a star will will like, you know, if someone's a star in WWF or when WWE, when you put them in the ring next to Randy Orton and they can kind of like stand there next to him, and it's not even a size thing, and and they don't feel out of place, right? You put AJ Styles in the ring with Randy, Randy's a lot bigger than him, but AJ's got this kind of presence to him where yes. he doesn't feel like he's he doesn't feel like he's levels below him. Um, Right Good now, point. I do kind of feel like when I watched them together, it felt like, ah, uh, this guy has no shot. 
Yeah, that's a good perception. And I don't know if it if it hurts it too that he has boy in the title. I mean, yeah. this, this was a guy that you go back to what two or three years ago, uh, right before AEW, uh, or let's go back four years ago before AEW is even being talked about. You know, Jungle Boy was one of the hottest names in the independent scene, especially in California. You know, bar wrestling, um, yep. a lot of wrestling promotions whoa, over there. Whoa, 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 <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> and then he, then he signs with AEW. Uh, we finally get going. He's with Jurassic Express. I have no problems with that. Marco Stunt kind of being with them, even be smaller, I think. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of circusy to me. But, you know, now that you think about it, or now that you, you, you've talked about it and I'm thinking about it, it did come off a little like he has zero chance. He's not going to win. I, I don't care the build on this. But you know what? Also, too, I just I don't think AEW has done a great job with the heavyweight title while it's on Omega. Either. No. OK, I, I was fine with Jericho. I thought it should have been Hangman Page. I still cry and, and, and piss and moan <laughs> about that. But I understand how you want to go with a veteran, a big name. And he did mm-hmm. great with it. He did big name. Yeah. Okay. It was a good run. Um, but this just, nothing has really felt important to me with, with Omega and Omega has always been one of those guys that can go, you know, 60, 70 minutes in the ring. And I just, I I think we were both expecting this to be the one that was the biggest. The, sure, like, and it has been of all the three, it's been definitely number three for me. To- completely agree. It just is because it's, it's it's felt like the Moxley stuff was okay, but then they had that obvious with the death match stuff, and that just like that took a lot of steam, I think, out of his run right off the bat. That was a big match in like the yes. first big feud where he's getting the title, and like that's kind of like the culmination of one of those feuds, and it's just a real dud. And yeah. since then. Yeah. He's had a hard time figuring out like sometimes he's goofy, other times he's serious, other times he's like uh, him and Don are talking about a conspiracy. I don't I think they're they're still like they're still trying to find their footing, which is something that I don't think we expected with Kenny Omega as the champ, you know. No, like, and they're pr- look, Gino, they're probably going to have a pretty damn good match, right? You oh, know, yeah. it'll go and Jungle I'm Boy excited go. for the show. I really it, like this show looks pretty good on paper. It does. It, it just it, it, it does. And, and got no so, shot to win. No, no. And in finishing up with Kenny, I don't, I don't know if Don Callis is even. And I like I like him. I Me liked too. him at Impact on the mic on, on color commentary. I thought he was great. I don't think this angle has done anything. We we he still got the Impact title, um, and it looks like Sammy Callahan because I, I, you know, don't kill me, but I I watched Impact. Thursday night and it was just it, it was bad Don Callis gets fired from impact so now he quote unquote he's just belongs to I guess Kenny Omega it just really hasn't done anything for me um, and Omega's run as the champion hasn't done anything for me but but uh, I expect nothing less than a damn good match between these two and uh, on Saturday coming up Few things that I am looking forward to. So, we, uh, as Chad said, that match is going to be good. It'll be an excellent match. Like Jungle Boy can go, the crowd will be behind him, and there'll be some spots and moments that look like he's going to win. But 
zero chance We know what they're doing Every time they, they mention it to Hangman Page He changes the subject He doesn't even want to talk about the fact that he's like You know, he's going to be moving up on the ranks He doesn't ever want to mention the Elite Or Kenny or any of that stuff It's like he's, yeah, so We'll, we'll get that build eventually Um but that uh, the, that's going to be the main event on Saturday. We are going to get um, Vicky uh, Vicky Guerrero. That's going to be on the thirtieth. So Vicky in that um, in uh, the tag match with Nyla against Britt and Rebel. You're going to get uh, Sammy MJF on that thirtieth show too. So um, that'll that'll be pretty solid. I think coming up this weekend, you're going to get Santana Ortiz versus. Dax and, uh, and Cash, that should be good FTR, yes. like, yep. that'll be a great Tag match, we're gonna get Paige With uh, Powerhouse Hobbs one-on-one That'll be really fun And um, So yeah, a couple things coming up on Saturday So between the Saturday and then Wednesday, um, seems like they have A few things planned that I'm looking forward to And hopefully they can get kind of back into Their normal groove with the uh, with the Wednesday shows coming back We transition on over to WWE And we're looking at a couple things From Hell in a Cell and then it will get into Monday Night Raw overall I thought uh, There were a couple good matches on the show But it was it was something that we kind of were discussing Going in that just didn't look like There was going to be any like Big noteworthy stuff Happening any changes Title changes anything like all that Surprising and that's that's Pretty much what we got on, on Hell in a Cell Yeah <clears throat> Yeah you know, we heard, that, you know, from Friday night, you know, it was what they broke the news that day on Friday. Yeah, that we're, we're getting the main event of Hell in a Cell on SmackDown now. And then, of course, USA Network, we hear. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got a match uh, there. Raw. We'll get there in just a second. Um, it used to be one of my favorite matches. Look, we know WWE wrestling is completely different than WWE wrestling from seven or eight years ago. Right. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite pay-per-views for WWE years and years ago was Bad Blood. Um, they, they would have uh, this, you know, all sorts of different type of cage matches. But things are completely different now. And this th- this match, this Hell in a Cell doesn't really do anything for me. The match change the pay-per-view, before. put it back to extreme rules or change it to King of the Ring or something but, else. But I will say this. I, you know, uh, of the Hell in the Cell matches, I thought Bailey and Bianca was uh, was it for me. Would, um, I, you know, I, I do. They were. It's funny. Uh, they were all good. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, like sure. all yeah. four of them. There were four between Friday and Monday. Like all, none of those matches, I would say, was bad or they didn't entertain me or sure. I was not interested in. But um, I don't like the name of the pay per view. I just want the matches. Right? Give yes. me a Hell in a yes. Cell match when a yes. feud is ready for it. One any pay-per-view, you know, yes. um, it, it's not the Royal Rumble. It's not money in the bank. It doesn't have to have a gimmick as a pay-per-view. Right. Um, so I think they feel a little handicapped sometimes because it's like, oh, hell of a cell is coming. We got to shoehorn a couple things in. So like the, the Ray Roman stuff on Friday was was also really, really good, as we would expect. Um, it, it was really good. Yeah. Look, it was a look. I, I'm sounding like Jimmy Smith. I think look is my new word this week. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. I love you, buddy. Um, I had no problems with the pay-per-view. The matches uh, were 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 good for me. Um, Kevin Owens, you know, I, I just continues to 
you know, do what he does. I hate that now he's tweeted he's going to take a break. Yeah, it looks uh, like he's maybe a little banged up or something. Or, or, or it could be banged up. Um, I, I don't think we expected anything than what we've got. I, I, you know, I sent you the, you know, the, the pre-match odds, and I think they were pretty spot on. Um, Cesaro and Rollins again. I, I hate. I hated the. I hate. I hate silly finishes. And we got I really a couple of them on this show. And we got a couple of them, and that's what soured me. Don't ruin a damn good match, a wrestling match, with a silly, stupid roll-up. It just well, makes zero sense. It every match. One. What's, what's, that's what's again. Every match. Bailey Bianca, really, really good match. And and nothing really surprising about that. They used the hair a lot, sure. which I thought was was cool. Uh, and and they wrote was genius. Loved it. They playing things a little different. Really good, like really solid stuff. Cesaro Rollins, their match is great, like great match. But then Rollins gets the roll up, and now you wonder, like, oh, did like did all that goodwill we built up with Cesaro getting those clean wins over him and having that match against Roman? Does it feel like he's just going to get shuffled right back down again? Yeah, and for some reason, maybe it's just recent memory. It just seems like when somebody signs that contract renewal, they get pushed, and then and look, maybe we're we're talking too early about it. You know, uh, it looks like that feud's going to continue. It's still good. Uh, those two guys are are great. Um, it just that did nothing. That did absolutely the roll up did nothing. It didn't help. Seth Rollins, but it really kind of hurt Cesaro. The match was a yeah. banger, as what they say on the indie scene. These are bangers, mm-hmm. and that just it kills me to see roll ups. WWE is not the only one who does this 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 stupid stuff. No, but they are they are the ones who do it more recently, and it really is starting to piss me off. So, um, elect we're getting a Alexa doing this possessing people sort of a gimmick thing more and more. Uh, th- we haven't loved a lot of this But the one thing I will say um, I will give Alexa credit Because she does the best job With what she's given This is like you're you're given a yeah. role You're given a role to play And somebody's got to play a role That isn't flattering or that isn't the greatest And she's doing it and she's going all in And she's she's buying into everything And now at least At least she is getting in the ring And having a semblance of a real match It's not some two seconds Goofy stuff like she's doing Some work in the ring and then including Some of that with it that's kind Of what I've wanted at least from this all Along yes positive She's in the ring she's doing Stuff you know look the supernatural Stuff has never really been Popular for the wrestling Enthusiasts it's always mm-hmm. been around WWE you go back years and years and years ago with, with their gimmicks, especially in the, you know, in the, when, you know, you had the Mounties, you had these over the top characters. And then of course the Undertaker and you had these supernatural gimmicks. At least she's in the ring doing this stuff. Some of it's kind of silly getting, you know, uh, Reginald to slap or Naya uh, to slap Reginald. Um, so at least she's in the ring doing it. The bad part about it is, you know, Shanna is just she, like that. Should now. not be the person that is at the mercy of her. Not Jesus. at all. Hey, this is not... give me somebody. Just I, I, I know anybody. Just Completely. give me anybody else except her. Hell, give and, me Naya. I don't care. And, I, and I don't... just no. 
and I don't love this at all. I'm just glad that at least we're getting it in the, in ring, the ring instead of yeah. on the swing all the time and that kind of a thing. So, um, you know, and we saw her and Nikki in the ring the next night on Raw a little bit. So at least uh, we got to figure something out with Shayna, though. She deserves so much better than this. Uh, we talked a little bit about Sammy KO. That was a great match, uh-huh. as you'd think, from them. Um, and uh, as uh, you mentioned, it looks like KO kind of tweeted out some things that may seem like he's leaving at least for a little bit. Um, even, even like Charlotte and Rhea, who, hell, how much better are these two together than uh, Rhea and Asuka? Just for some reason, like a chemistry-wise, they every time they're in the ring, they do good work. I don't really like this story and where it's been going. I didn't like this finish, and we're going to get this again in Money in the Bank. It's just I the work was good. But this is what you were talking about in this kind of finishes that are like, eh. Again, who does it help? Who does it hurt? You know, yeah. it's it, we're we're stuck with, with the Raw Women's Championship title picture, and they don't. I don't know if one group of producers want one thing and another group of producers want one thing. Look, we. We don't know what's really going on. We, we hear snippets from the dirt sheets. We, we can't speak for the talent. But if we're tired of it, it they're probably tired of working the same person over. Oh, yeah. So how much more creative can you get unless you're in different style matches? And even then, you're not getting much. And here's, here's the biggest problem I'm having now. What the hell is Rhea? She's a heel now, it seems like. Charlotte was this badass bitch heel that came Who are we rooting for? Yeah, and now it's like, I don't know. Now I'm wanting to root for Charlotte a little bit more, okay? Because Rhea's acting like the the snobby one here, and she's the one trying to get DQ'd, counted out, and all that stuff. So now we're, we're getting heelish Rhea by default. Because I think people have, there's some people that have kind of, some fans, the universe have kind of turned on her. So I don't know what's going to happen in Money in the Bank. I don't know what kind of match it's going to be other than just for the title. But, oh, man, we, we're 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 damaging Rhea Ripley here. Yeah, it's just not doing good for, for either of them. Um, um, I'm glad that we are beyond Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I like both of these guys. And I really do, like, Drew... Drew has done an amazing job over the last year and a half through the pandemic stuff. He literally carried this show and this company for a long time. And the guy is, he's one of the few, like, baby faces that's actually, like, an, a, a legitimate kind of baby face in the company, you know? Um, so I, I hope there's going to be some good plan for him moving forward. We'll talk a little bit about what he did on Raw. But they just, there was... Too much of this these guys were great again In here you end with the roll up Though because they want to try to keep Drew as strong As possible MVP kind of Getting involved a little Um, I Love the love the work didn't Love the finish but I'm glad that we're we're Gone and uh, and moving in a different direction Yeah Drew uh, got The piss beat out of him didn't he Uh, Man he looked it on Monday too huh Oh man Uh, that back Yeah you know and look uh, again, one of the strongest guys in over a year and a half with, with the WWE just been a, uh, just a, a complete monster and has carried Monday night raw on his shoulders. Um, 
the roll up, I, I you know, I know why they did it. Again, I don't think it helps Lashley in any way. I, I really don't think it makes even Drew look strong in any way. Um, but as we get to Monday night, what they did, I, when I saw the matchups on Monday afternoon, I went, okay, this yes. is fantastic, right? Yes. Oh, uh, you sent it to us in the chat that we have with yeah. some of our wrestling fans, and 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 no. You can't do this exactly every week But if you no. think about what, what they've got going Okay, they've got Big shows that they're building to They've got a bunch of different championships And they've got matches where they could Have stakes for those Championships, there could always be A tag team title match A number one contenders match for the IC champ For the US title For uh, these two matches to build Whenever they do something like that Hey, there are going to be three matches throughout the night And then the winners of those are going to have, uh, be in a triple threat At the end of the night for a number People pay more attention to the show They stay viewing all the way through They care more about it I was so much more interested in this show When I saw what was going to happen before I made an absolute point of I'm going to watch this early on East Coast time even So that <laughs> way I don't get any of the spoilers Like I was, dude, it was good we had Money in the Bank qualifying matches. We had some fresh matchups. That's all it took. And when we saw the matchups, I immediately was like, oh, well, this guy, I hate they're doing it to this guy. I hate they're doing it to this guy. And I was surprised. I had, I think, two wows yeah, at the end of the it. matches. Two, holy crap. What just happened here? Uh, it, just, it just goes to show you, you know, when they want to turn it on, and I'm they not know what they're doing. That's why we get they mad. Do. That's they why do. we get frustrated because it's like <laughs> they, they knew when they did this show that this show. You're telling me they couldn't figure, realize this show was different than the last three or four Monday Night Raws. <laughs> you know, like right, they're right. setting up the matches. Like we're gonna have five King of the Ring qualifiers and then a Hell in a Cell. Like. Between, you know, match to end the show. Um, okay, like that's a little bit different than what we've been having with the same old formula. And um, and, and it really looks like matches and really good matches too. Good matches, and now we're gonna be going in a direction with what they're doing with New Day and and like teasing us that it could Kofi or Xavier could have a heel turn in some way. Um, Kofi is going to be in a match now with Bobby Lashley. And uh, money in the bank He quickly accepted it um, We got some back and forth between them You were discussing the last few weeks How strong the back and forth between Kofi and MVP has been And yeah. now now for You know after a couple of months This feels a little fresh I, I would have loved to see Maybe like a couple Weeks of Kofi stacking up Some wins before this but You know what he he's a former Champ he got the pin over Lashley, you know, even if it was a roll up, whatever. So he has that to 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 use, and um, and then Xavier is someone over the last month. Man, he's showed us in the ring what he can really do. I loved the the Hell in a Cell match. I liked everything with these guys in this episode. The the Kofi and MVP both standing right outside of the cell was a cool touch. You know, what like that, that was well produced that spot, man. The camera angles were great. The story was being told, uh, you know, one guy is in his best friends getting the hell beat out of him or had the hell beat out of him. You know, yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see Kofi get a couple of more wins. I think it helps that he had Kofi Mania and he had this run. But you know what? 
this is just so much more interesting to yep. me. Kofi and Lashley than Drew and Lashley. To it me, is. it is. You know, it I'm is. sorry. Drew's a badass. I uh, can go. This just but there was never really any story. No, it, it was I, it was I, just two it. big guys that are good in the ring and that we are like we know it they're gonna go out and perform well. But this was like, you know, right off the bat when they're they started with the MVP Kofi stuff, you right. know, like it, it was like, oh, there's something there, you know. I am the the stuff that co like MVP's like needling Kofi about like you're a clown and the way you act and you need to be more serious. Look, because you know what's funny, you you see what MVP has done for Lashley and you kind of believe him. You yes. go, look, look what this guy's done for Lashley. He's made him the main eventer in the title. You know what, Kofi? He maybe is right. Maybe if you were a little more serious, you'd be. And you sort of like wonder. And now you're thinking of all these cool things in the story. And there was just never really that there with Lashley and Drew. No, and, and you know, maybe you know they're they're plan- they weren't planning a seed to to turn Kofi. I, you know, these guys are so popular. You know, maybe it was planting the seed for for this feud to just be so good. Yes, you know, because exactly. we still. Because when he gave the talk to Kofi, we, we were still in the Drew Lashley, still got a lot of unfinished business. Um, you know, it, it, I know there were a lot of people during money, uh, uh, Hell in a Cell during the main event, um, you know, that wanted to see, you know, Kofi come out there and turn uh, and cause this or cause that. If somebody's going to turn, Kofi and Xavier need to turn on each other. Exactly. They, it does not need to be involved Kofi doing a run-in and helping MVP do something to someone else. That would really kill it for me. If, mm-hmm. they, if he doesn't turn, that's fine. But what we're getting right now is some spectacular... Shades of gray. Yes, right? That's what we love in wrestling when we, yes. we don't really know, when we're no. curious. You know, Predictable's not always bad, but when no. it's like this, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, and speaking of... Uh, Unpredictable, like you said, Money in the Bank qualifying match, AJ Styles versus Ricochet. We're all, you know, kind of going, okay, probably AJ. But what made this one, you know, you thought twice about it. Okay, AJ isn't a tag right now. He's a tag champion. He's got a feud going still over there. And that's what ends up happening. You know, Omos tries to get involved. Ricochet's actually got some friends. Could you believe it? <laughs> he get, he's got a little bit of help. And now I am win or lose in Money in the Bank. I am pumped and a little bit nervous and a little bit scared for Ricochet of like what he may try to do in this ladder match. (laughs) It's going to be uh, after you see the, you know, after you watched all the matches and saw the winners, uh, now you probably see why they've, they're going with certain guys because Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of train wrecks. There's going to be a lot of holy you know what moment, a stretcher right? or there, two be... someone's getting stretchered out unfortunately yeah somebody's gonna get stretchered out whether it, it, it's a shoot or a work and ricochet win or lose as you said this guy deserves it and he's gonna be in this match and this dude is gonna give us some moments that uh, we haven't seen in a while and uh on wwe television just slight tweaks to his character over the last uh couple months too a little bit tweaking the gear um, and I don't even know if they're all positives, but their changes. He's trying, right? He's like, "Hey, look, guys, I'm trying. What do you want from me? You want me to change this up? You want me to do this?" He's working on his promos. He's tried to cut some and do a little bit of stuff on social media. I even thought his little promo before was, you know, like I think people give him crap 
for not being a great promo. Who he right. kind of reminds me of, um, of my all-time favorite wrestler who was who was never the best promo in the world, but but he he sort of made you kind of believe what he said, and that's Brett. Um, he kind of yeah. reminds me of like Steamboat too. It's just it's just like a baby face promo in that. Yeah, he's not gonna like cut this, you know, five minute you know monologue or be the like he's not the Rock, you know. But he, I believe when he's when he's talking, he comes off kind of genuine too. And I think like there's something there to tap into. I I feel like he's a guy that like. If Paul Heyman was in charge, Ricochet could be one of the biggest stars in like out there. Like he would just elevate all of the good stuff about Ricochet and really like hide some of his weaknesses here. I'm pumped. We've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. Every time he's on my TV, I love it. And now I'm really excited to see what the hell he's gonna try to do in this money in the bank match. He gets the win over AJ. So shout out for him there. We get we got a lot of Orton and Riddle on this show, which I love. <laughs> which Riddle's in the back in the scooter. Hey, Randy. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> it is so especially, funny. Especially after Riddle's win and Orton comes out there, it's like, you know, it's like he's looking at his dad for, for some approval. <laughs> Randy. No. I'm like, man. <laughs> When like he saw when he's just in the ring and he sees Randy start to walk out of the aisle and he gets so excited he just yes. lights his face lights up. Riddle is doing a really good job with this. Yeah, we, he is. Hey, hey, just so you, anyone out there that's listening that ever wants to say or that ever is going to critique us for being one way or the other, listen to about two months ago we. Were so against everything Riddle was doing as a character. Everything. It was annoying. We hated it. We weren't sure if he was a heel. He'd get in the ring and we'd freaking love it. His matches were always damn good. And we'd say, like, are they trying to make us hate this guy? This is funny. This is like Team Hell No ish kind of stuff, Gold Dust and Booker kind of stuff. Yeah. That's just yeah. like you kind of catch lightning in a bottle, you know, and he starts talking about how. If they both win the money in the bank, they uh, when they're qualifying matches, they could be in the bank, money in the bank together, or they could, you know, battling it out for a WWF championship. He says if he wins the briefcase, he's gonna hide his stash in the briefcase. He's got to right, like yes. him walking around with that briefcase is as right as soon as I heard it, I was like, uh oh, this is it, right? This is it. <laughs> Look, it, it is. Uh... As you said, we were we were so hard on him when he was doing his little silly stuff with who was it Shinsuke? I can't remember who it was in the video. Yeah, Shinsuke, and even sometimes with Kofi, even in a little bit, and Xavier a little backstage. Yeah, it didn't was... make sense. And now that that he's been paired with 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 the Viper, it has just been so refreshing. And what we thought, like, okay. Orton and and Riddle are you know they're going to be champions. They don't need to be champions, the tag no. team champions. They don't no. need to be a tag team champ. It would be nice, but they're so good at what they do. They don't need the belts. They don't need the belts to go over. Now at the same oh. time, we need like hell to get those tag team titles off AJ and Omos in a yeah. heartbeat. But you know what? These two guys don't need it because there there's a built in story with them two. 
if Riddle had money in the bank and them two are just going at it, I, I that would I'd, I'd pop for that. It's this is some funny stuff, and um, um, so just kind of um, encompassing everything between uh, between them and and throughout the episode. So Riddle has this uh, first. Randy has his qualifying match, and right. and so you know you're kind of assuming here Randy Orton, John Morrison, like. You know, yes. Ra- Randy's going to win this match. Riddle's already been kind of teasing that they could both be in it. They've been getting a lot of TV time. Another surprise here: John Morrison gets the win. Doesn't bother me at all. Miz out there with his <laughs> wheelchair screwing <laughs> around, and he's and then Miz doing the Randy, Randy. Like it's just a different way that he's yelling Randy. Then the, there was so much Randy, 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 just <laughs> throughout the show. You can't. Randy, I'm not cleared. You can't do it. And just this was hilarious. Riddle comes out and Orton sort of pissed off, even though Riddle just tries to come out to help him. Riddle is on the scooter and Miz is wheeling himself around in on the <laughs> ring. And he's chasing him on this. It's a it's like a low I think one of them calls it a low speed chase as it's like the yeah. scooter chasing the yeah. wheelchair. And this is one of those things that it's stupid, but it, it is good wrestling comedy. Like, this is fun wrestling comedy right here. Yeah. You know, I, I, when you look when you look at, you know, after, you know with, with Riddle and Orton, both of them being in the Money in the Bank match, really is kind of like we expected it. And it's like, ah, they're going to tease, turning it on this. Now I think it's better that one is in it and the other one. And I like that Riddle's in it. And now that Morrison is in it, This dude is going to do moves. You talk about Ricochet, Morrison, a lot of people, you know, remember Morrison as years ago, years ago, he did this. Remember those, those Royal Rumble matches where this guy is, is getting tossed out of the ring and he's, he's on, he's, he's, he was doing some of the Kofi stuff before they were giving it to Kofi. Kofi. Yes. This guy is going to do all kinds of stuff. Riddle is going to do all kind of stuff. Ricochet's just those three alone. There's going to be some sets in there. It's going to be like holy hell moments for me. And Morrison, I mean, he would be great with the briefcase with Miz with him. Yeah, because you like, need that top name chasing. Remember this last what a year? Yeah, you know, and this it, is what this is what the Money in the Bank used to be. This is what it always was, yeah, and they got yes. away from it. This is what it would be. It would be all of these guys because look at those three, for example, that were just a. Uh, Ricochet, Riddle, and Morrison. I, I don't any one of them getting a push. Fans would are okay with. They're they're not guys that are like shoved down our throats. They're not guys that they're guys that we kind of feel like are good. They're like in different spots. They're either coming up or they've maybe not been used the right. Like, like any of them would be a great person to give an elevated role and to be someone that could win the money in the bank briefcase, carry it around and then t- cash it in. He I could see Morrison wheeling the Miz out with the Miz holding it. You know like <laughs> yeah. wheelchair. Like you know like while he's wheeling him around, he's holding the briefcase for him and Miz telling him no, we can't do that and Pep talking him in the ear, no, you can't do that. And then even something where the Miz tries to steal it from him. You know, like Miz will try to talk him into giving it to him, you know, and then they kind of have a feud like and who knows. But God, like I it was really refreshing to see what they did in a couple of these. And um, that that riddle drew match where drew uh, was just like 
bleeding from the back And these two yeah. guys were just giving it all in the ring All of these matches were good, big stakes And, uh, you know, like everything Riddle Orton related on this show I thought was really, really good don't we have a uh, It was announced I, I think the WWE uh, The last chance Yeah it, the, the concern is Is not letting I just have that feeling Drew's getting getting in this match Okay here's my here's my counter to that So okay. so it's a It's the last chance match Qualifier so I'm assuming We're going to get a couple qualifiers on Smackdown um, yes. And then yeah. we'll have the last chance qualifier from the guys on Raw to add to uh, the three that we just mentioned. So Ricochet, Morrison are in, and Riddle are in. I think that Jinder, who we saw on this episode, who came back, like you said, after a few weeks and was upset that he wasn't in one of the qualifying matches, a few of the guys backstage were. I think Jinder is going to attack Drew before the match. Or during the match and screw him out of that spot I think he's going to either distract him Or try to um, injure him before and take his spot And not necessarily win the spot But I think we're going to get Drew and Jinder At the next pay-per-view Because I think they I like still that. Yeah. yeah I, I like that Yeah, You know, it's uh, he, he definitely planted the seed By saying, well, if one of these guys get hurt We'll just have to go from there We'll see who you're going You know, you, know, you have several guys oh, Cedric talking to Adam Pierce And, uh, and Sonya uh, I'm, I'm okay with that I, I'm just, I was Forgot all about gender Hell, he had a debut, what, several weeks ago And you and I popped and We were like, hey, this guy was the world champion at one time Don't and hinder then- him don't then, hinder gender. Don't hinder gender. Then he hell, he's not even on WWE main event, you know, on the Peacock Network. So hey, you know what? That that's a good point. I, I just don't get me excited, okay? Don't get me excited about all these new possibilities for you to take the damn rug up underneath me. And and, and here we go. It's gotta be somebody new and fresh that chases this for a year. And I need it to be someone, uh, someone not a big, big heavyweight guy. No Vince like these big guys, but give me one of these little guys, these medium-sized guys, and let let them chase for a year. And you know they're going to have hell of a matches. I think what they'll do is, I think uh, that'll happen. And so that way, you got to keep Drew away from the title picture right now for a little while, right? But you, you don't want to... you don't want him to be completely forgotten about. And you want you want Drew you want Drew as a guy. In a in a month or two, he deserves to be around when these fans are back, right? He deserves to be there for what he's done. He deserves to get those pops and be on TV and still be in like a prominent position. But he's got the thing where he can't wrestle for Lash with Lashley. Why have him win the Money in the Bank? You know they were trying to explain it. Well, he could go over to SmackDown or if somebody else beats Lashley, just don't don't have him in that match. It doesn't make sense. Do the thing with Jinder. Let them have a singles match at Money in the Bank. And then you've got, I assume it'll probably be Randy because I think they'll probably have AJ and Omos with the, the Viking Raiders. And then they will try to have Randy in there just to kind of keep their riddle storyline moving forward. So now you got, yeah. you know, Randall, Riddy, uh, uh, Randall, uh, Randall, Randall, Randy. That's what I used to call it, Randizzle. Randall, it's, Randall oh, Orton, good. right? Randizzle. <laughs> you got Orton and Riddle. You got Ricochet and, uh, and you got uh, uh, Morrison. Maybe on the other side, you get a Big E. 
someone yeah. like that yeah. Uh, yeah. would be cool um, in the mix. So I, I like what they're doing and they're setting up here. This seems a lot of fun. They um they went pretty quick with this dew drop thing, huh? With Eva Marie. <laughs> so they uh they were I, I I do I know people don't like the whole the dew drop thing. I don't mind it because of the way that it was presented. Like, yes. I can't imagine in three weeks she's dewdrop. She's gonna we're gonna know she's Piper. The only thing I don't like about all of this is that we're supposed to believe that Corey Graves and these guys don't watch NXT UK and like don't know who she is when she works for their own company, this Piper girl. Like yes. so that that's the only thing that frustrates me as a fan. It's like, come on, this isn't nineteen ninety, early nineties when nobody had the internet, <laughs> right. right? We all know who these people are when you sign them. You guys Tweet out when you sign them And we see pictures of them in the performance center And then we're supposed supposed to believe You don't know who the hell they are anymore So like that's what I don't like I do not mind the story Because they're getting massive heat on Eva And it's going to make Piper a baby face And it's going to get Piper over Um, But I just uh, That was my gripe with with all of that Uh, And um, they were in a tag match. They qualify. Uh, the uh, the qualifiers were Asuka and Naomi. So Asuka and Naomi. I mean, Naomi can do some great stuff in a Money in the Bank match. That should be really fun. Asuka, you know, she's going to do some hard hitting stuff and get the ladders involved. So those two are just. I don't think. And who knows? Like, I I don't think either one of them would be the the woman to win the Money in the Bank. But they're two great people to have in that match. That makes the match more exciting and to have more spots, uh, you know, because they, they, you know, regardless, uh, you, you know, you go back years and years with WWE with, with this match. This is the one of the matches where they let the the, the guys and girls do spots, uh, the oh, holy crap spot. So putting them in there only secures that there's really going to be a lot of hot actions, uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, close Tight pinfalls, uh, false pins, and they need to be they need to be in there because they're the best workers, right? It it, it's going to be excellent, and uh, so I like the way they've started to set that up. The other women that qualified were uh, in the the uh, we got Nikki Cross and Alexa, and we got superhero (laughs) Nikki here, which uh, this was uh, getting some mixed signals and mixed reviews. But apparently, this is something that she was really into. She wanted to do herself, and she's having fun with it. And and it's supposed to be a goofy, over the top gimmick to be the opposite of the Alexa, other darkness, mythical creature, you know, gimmick. So I don't mind this. You know, uh, uh, man, fans are brutal. You know, people are brutal on social media. And if they don't like something, they, they will. It's like ants. They, they attack you and they stay on you. And, and now that, that we know, uh, even if she didn't say it, it was okay with me. But she said, look, you know, this goes back to my, my Shine days. And Shine was a, was a women's promotion um, that gave a lot of these that were all female shows. They gave a lot of these wrestlers, these female wrestlers, uh, the chance when other indie promotions that were pretty much all male oriented and wouldn't put a female. If it, if they did on the card, it had to be a name. But a lot of these female talent that are in WWE now came from these small all female promotions 
that they got to do this type of stuff in. And a lot of them were paying homage to that. And look, it was kind of something different. We've always had that superhero gimmick. How many people, uh, not now, they, they are going back to the theater, but dude, one of the most popular movies and Netflix series and stuff It is superhero Every, Everything, so everything, DC, Marvel, everything, everything. Complaining about Nikki Cross. The only problem I have with it is, not with that, is there's there's a lot of storyline, back storyline with Nikki and Alexa. And I felt like they kind of put them together too quick. I want some stuff. I wanted some stuff in between them because eventually I want them to to work these differences out. We yes. had all kinds of problems with them too. I thought it could have been handled a little bit different, but I have zero issues with her being a superhero. Me zero. Too. Me too. Um we we spoke a little bit already about how uh Charlotte and uh and Rhea uh, yeah, they could be doing a lot better in the women's division. Um and uh they but they will have their match at Money in the Bank and I'm sure it will be a very good match. We're going to have to get some kind of a stipulation for that thing because it's got to be a no DQ or there's got there's yeah. got to be something right. to it. Good friend of mine, Curtis Stratton, who uh, who who runs any promotion here in Southeast Texas, Hurricane Pro. He he said, you know, he, he would go maybe a last woman standing. There match you go. The end yeah. this, but it's definitely got to be a gimmick match. Definitely. Mm-hmm. We then this is when we got that uh, little backstage segment. Um, first, we saw Drew how beat up he was backstage, all the scars on his back. Um, yeah. He talked about how he's going to keep fighting, and then we we got the uh, you know Jeff Hardy and Cedric. Sheamus was back there with Jinder And that was the thing that made me think um, Jinder is going to try to get involved Somehow and, and maybe have uh, some, Something with uh, with McIntyre Moving forward so um, We'll probably get Trying to see now like, So now, now I'm thinking I'm almost thinking we might get Sheamus, Hardy Just that they were back there maybe Some of these guys in a US championship kind of thing In a few weeks if yeah. Sheamus is ready He's kind of, I, you could tell he's still not Cleared so they're probably just kind of waiting it out for him But um, I, th- I thought this was Maybe more about just teasing us to do uh, With Jinder um, We talked all about what happened with uh, With Riddle and with Drew Riddle got the win there that was really Good um, The Jackson Riker stuff like this is bizarre You just yeah I don't know what to think here I Me neither really Like you're telling me this is this This is something that we would say about AEW In that you're telling me there isn't somebody else anywhere on your TV, anywhere else, anyone on Raw, SmackDown, NXT that you'd rather be giving a couple minutes of TV time to? I, I we're both big Elias fans. We are. I, this just really hasn't made sense to me. Not oh. that I, I don't hate uh, Riker, but I, I don't get it. Uh, we're gonna have a strap match next week now with yeah. him and Elias. It's like, hey, I'm impressed that WWE is doing a strap match. That's, but that's cool, right? But I, this just, feud needs it, a strap match. <laughs> yeah, you know, guitar match, something like that. That's that's gimmicky with with Elias. Yeah, but strap match, and then not. Man, this is elevated quick. This is escalated quickly. <laughs> this feud, yeah. and yeah, I, I, I just I'm not there with it right now. I'm not there. Um, and then yeah, the Hell in a Cell. Match ended the show. It was a. It was really good. The kendo stick. Xavier has showed us that that he is legitimate in the ring. Um, and I love the stuff with you know, like we said, the way they shot this with the everything happening outside of the the ring with Kofi and um, and MVP and and the you know them just 
beating on Woods, grinding his face into the cell, the cell as uh, as Raw goes off. Um, the visual there was was good. And Chad, this was one of the better Raws. I'm not gonna say like there's still things that we nitpicked, critiqued, could have been a little bit better, but the entire energy of this Raw What's and up? almost everything I've saw from people. Online, a lot of the shows that cover it, a lot of people who have been very negative on Raw recently, they were a lot more positive about just a couple of the simple things we've been asking for. Yep, and uh, it, it's uh, it's amazing how, like I said, you know, uh, a couple of minutes ago, that they can just turn it on just like that, sending out a simple email and saying, "Okay, here we go, Money in the Bank qualifying matches." Those have always been, you know. Good gimmicky type matches that get people interested in. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this Friday night SmackDown uh, is handled. Um, we're still a little early uh, before w- we go full blast into SummerSlam. Um, I'm hearing rumors about uh, who's going to be um, at, at SummerSlam. We still, know still nothing for sure on Brock yet, right? No, I, I'm hearing now that that is he, he is just not in the not, plans. Yeah, just not anywhere close. I hear Seth Rollins could have a very big match at, at SummerSlam. I think it could be maybe Seth Cena. We think Cena's probably going to be involved. But yep. a, a, as we wrap up Raw here, d- do you think we get a Sasha Banks soon? This, this, yeah, this... she's got to show back up after Money in the Bank. I think okay. she shows because because so Money in the Bank is. Fans are back, and then the next night, Raw, and the next week, fans are back for good. Now, right? right. That's is that. I that's think the, she comes out to a massive pop. This is I what agree. I think done with Charlotte. We talked yeah. about this week, and I, she's going to want be the one that comes out and gives a pop. Look, I have no problem with Bianca being champion, uh, but you know what? I don't that, that gets me about her. She's great in the ring. I just get tired of the smiling. Yeah, you know, and it's, I, something's missing. Her promos aren't the best. And you don't need to be great at it, but just the smiling and the stuff—it's—it's it's just something has felt a little flat. I agree it, with you. It, it, ha- it has a little. It's I'm just curious to see who on the SmackDown side uh, qualifies on the uh, on the women's side for for uh, the Money in the Bank match. I think after being away, that Sasha would definitely come back, and and I don't know if they. I'm I'm kind of curious what response that they'd get there, and if that's what yeah, they. I, I don't think she needs to have the briefcase at, at all, uh, you know, because she warrants a rematch and a run anyway. Sure, but, absolutely. You know, I, I'm just curious to see who on the SmackDown side, on on, on the women's side of it, get gets that. And I I don't know when they're going to bring her back, but it's got to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think it's the night. I'm saying the night after Money in the Bank. Okay. Or the the week after she shows up on SmackDown and she says. I'm back for my rematch, you know, and that's your SummerSlam rematch. And then, then they start to build that for the SummerSlam rematch. Um, I'm good with so that. Um, and that, and that's fine. But I would just be worried that uh, Sasha is going to be the one. That I think a lot of people are going to be excited to oh, see. She's gonna, look, even when she's a heel, people love her. They're, right. And Bianca's going to trouble in, in that. <laughs> that. That could be some. Uh, that could be a little bit of trouble. Uh, our friends over on NXT, man, they just keep rolling along and just pumping yeah, out like is. solid yeah. show after solid show after solid show. Um, we got uh, Car- hey Carmelo, look at Carmelo. He's this guy's got something here. Uh, Cole again, big part of the show. So Cole gets the win early over Carmelo Hayes, and Cole and O'Reilly were uh, getting to pick their opponents. 
this week to continue uh, before they uh, face each other at the Great American Bash, which is really setting up to be a, a very good show okay. now. And um, so Cole Carmelo, um, nice start, and then Dude, solid great. start. Just that little bitty promo that I've been preaching about. Just that little bitty mic time. You come up with the mic. Hey man, I'm Carmelo. I know you don't know me. You don't you do this. I, I, you know, he's already had one good match, right? Um, dude, that was that was. I mean, Cole is really, really good, and he made this kid look even better than what he is. There, there's a lot of talent on this roster, both sides, men and women. The I, I love the presentation, um, and I'm and of uh, Frankie Monet. I've been pretty pretty big fan. She. she when the, when you see the way that they present her, it doesn't match with her ring style, which is no. what I like. I yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, you kind of expect her to come out and be sort of like even even like a Eva Marie ish, you know, kind of sure. like a Miss Pris and that doesn't want to get her hands dirty and doesn't want to get in, and she just beats the hell out of you. Like she is a badass bruiser. So I love the. Sort of contrast in her character is that She's very smiley and You know the premiere and this but then When the bell rings She she means business She's had a lot of interaction over the last Couple of weeks uh, With the Robert Stone brand Where do you think they're going with her in that You think there's no way she joins them Right no. she can't. She's I, way too big Is she going to try to get those girls to be her minions maybe Maybe there's something there because look, Robert Stone is dude. <laughs> the, he's, he's money. He's, he's you know what? He's a main roster guy. Yeah, he is. Robert really is. For those who don't remember, go look at his work in, in, in Impact. This, this dude is was amazing then. He's amazing now. The two girls he has with him now, they're both smoke shows. Um, the, no he was with the, uh, he was with Rob T. Him, it was Robbie E. And Robbie yeah, T. remember that? And, and Rob for a while, the, he, they were funny. Yo, big Rob, big Rob. Yo, Rob. I mean, it was bro, bro, he's, bro. Yeah, well, he's, he's super successful. Successful outside of wrestling. He's he, him and his wife own this this this. Uh, it, it's a gym training facility that that a lot of people go to. Um, but she's too big for that. So I'm just kind of wondering what, what, what are your thoughts on what, what we're doing? Here? I, I, that would be my hope is that, sh- um, yeah, because right now Raquel Gonzalez is involved in the tag team title run and I'm kind of little eh on that. Yeah. She's the champion. Does she need to be involved in that? So it looks like we don't have a clear cut number one contender for Raquel right now. Right. Yeah. I I like Frankie with those girls behind her helping her out, kind of keeping her a little more as a heel and taking Robbie somewhere else. Like I mean, in the company, kind of like a lonesome loser. He's always the lonesome loser. He got ran over he, by the tank. People love to see that. He he can take some great. He would be a great guy to take bumps and to bumps. be like the heel, goofy Jimmy Hardish manager yes. on the on the main roster that you could have. And pair him with with some of the mid car guys and uh, or, or or gals, you know, on the main sure. roster, and then he could take some bumps. You know, I I think he's got a a lot of use there, and uh, and maybe we hook up the other two with uh with Frankie as their yeah. as the uh, the kind of uh, help there with her. Um, we uh, yeah, so we're gonna get next week. Um, it's gonna be a a women's tag number one contenders match, I believe, with Ember. And Indy 
Versus Zoe and Eo versus Raquel and Dakota. That should be really good. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really good match. Um, tons of talent there. I, you know, it just seems like to me, I know Raquel and Dakota are, are you know, uh, an item, so to speak. The split's got to happen soon with those two. Uh, they, they cannot. I, I Look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who wins this, right? It, it just seems like, hmm. If they win it, maybe that kind of like they chase the titles. Then you kind of have two hills against each other, though, because uh, you see who's the champions. I think they're um, losing, and I think this is going to be the start to their split. So I, I think we're going to have to lose here. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be EO. I, I think it's, it feels like it's got to be EO and uh, and and Stark getting a match against Candice, right? Because yeah, they were setting. Look, that look, up. I love Shotzi. I'm not a big Ember fan. Her and Shotzi are great together. We've kind of seen that, but that is kind of WWE's way to kind of maybe go back and revisit that. But I'm with you. Give give me give me new life here with uh with EO and and uh and Zoe. Zoe, I think I think they'll win that match. They're behind Zoe, man. I always they call her her name in the in the indie scene. They are really behind her. Someone really likes her. She's good, man. She's good. And um it looks like we're going to be getting a face turn, perhaps. Johnny Gargano again, back to babyface here. The it way I, and I mean, it looks, it doesn't it? Yeah, they were kind of laying it on that way. They're going to, they're sort of positioning him opposite of Cross and, you know, having him talk about how Cross is the evil bad guy and we're the good guys and the light and the darkness and the and crowd got behind him. Me man. neither. It's, like here's here's a problem I have. Where where is where's Dexter Loomis at? Am I right. did I look last time we he had the headphones on and we're listening to 80s power ballads. And then Poppy look, and then what happened? Yeah, it just look if we're gonna turn Gargano, I, I can I can get behind it. I don't have to like it because he's such a great heel, him and Austin Theory and the way and Candace and Indy, they're 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 really and and maybe Dexter gets involved in their tag team match, the title match here uh, at the Great American Basher in a couple of weeks. I, you know, I, I do like that, but I don't have to like it. But I, again, I like Karrion Cross. I like Scarlet. But man, I, I I'm going to be honest as honest can be. I told you I have not liked this title run with Kenny Omega. No. I don't know if I'm into this title one with Karrion Cross. Me neither. And did he come up last week on a main event show on like a dark show and wrestle? Maybe. Did, did I, I hear something about that. I got to look <laughs> in more into that. Like something weird happened where he may have, I think Meltzer said he was going to or he was about to, which um, some there is something strange happening. I think with Gargano, I, I want for him, like, just give like let him come out there and give me like a ten minute babyface turn, sure. You know, like sure. he'll do it. Just like let him get emotional. Let him tell us what happened, why he's straight away, and why he's gonna go back. Like, give me the moment then, if you if you're gonna go with all in with that. Um, yeah, don't give me next week, next Tuesday. The cross he's back to a, again somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know that just feels too forced to me. No, no. So. Give me, yeah, I would want like make this is something that we were kind of griping with the young bucks for a while. They were kind of in between back and forth. Like, make a decision if you want to turn them, turn them, um, get behind them. The people are like like them. They're funny. Like you know the whole way thing. I think they could very easily be baby faces again. But you got to make sure they start acting like baby faces. Yes. I mean, 
this was a good match. You got Gargano, Theory, and Dunn and Lorkin. Of course, you're going to get a a good match here. And um, we let's see other other things. Oh, the Charger, the Battery Charger. I think we're up to like fifty percent or so. Uh, Coop, you have any uh, <laughs> yeah. any predictions here? No, because no uh, clue on I'm either. No, I, I'm because the diamond thing that I haven't seen in a week. We find out what all that's about, and I had no clue they were going that direction. But but we kind of knew, we kind of mentioned Roderick Strong was going to come back sooner or later, right? Maybe it's Roddy. Yeah, charged up now after taking a little time off. Batteries. I, I, I don't know. You know, he he comes out. You know that I don't. He's back. I, I know the other two guys. I'm not familiar with them. You know that 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 made the debut. They they came out, but you know NXT and WWE is so weird about doing different uh, things and bringing people back and bringing people in. It could be somebody new that they've signed. I I, I don't know, but I thought Roderick Strong would come back and get involved with Adam Cole. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see what it is. There's many different directions. Sometimes I hate guessing because I get disappointed. Yeah. If I think that'll be one person or one, mm-hmm. or one whatever it is. And it's just a huge letdown. So sometimes I just like to have, let it happen organically. The, um, Oh, we got a, a couple of video packages first from LA night. And then lo- we, oh, perfect. So Beautiful. good. So good. <laughs> And then we got Cameron out in the parking lot. He was uh, sticking up for uh, for Debs. This is, I mean, any anything that continues on with these two, and this is good. Like we didn't need a whole lot this week because they had their big angle last week. You know, yes. we just want just just stuff like this. Like just keep just remind us that they haven't gone anywhere. That that we're still moving forward, and then we'll probably get uh, matches next week. We'll get more segment in the ring for them. There'll be a little more in the continuation with these two, which I'm sure will will set up a match for that title at Great American Bash. I'd assume. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it it has to be though, right? I mean, there's no other if if ands or buts. Um, I, I'm just curious how we're getting all these matches in two hours. You know, the Great American Bash, man. These these matches are. 20 and 30 minute the slobber knockers it's uh I'm, I'm i'm just overall i'm just giddy about nxt man i just really am me too we saw the way we saw frankie monet we talked about both them um hit row now it looks like uh they kind of teased that they want to go after the north american title so maybe we see it- if um if bronson reed is able to do away with santos maybe that'll be um you know that group going after that and and that would be a good piece for their group if you were to get that, it would be good for them to have a belt, and then maybe they could go after the tag titles at one point too, and really try to legitimize their group. If you're going to make it legitimate, uh, their group, uh, you would think sooner or later they need a title. But man, I'm just telling you know, I'm just hearing and, and seeing things. People are falling in love all over again with Bronson Reed. I, yes. The guy has been really, really good. Um, he, you know, when he signed with NXT, they. He, he would appear one week. He'd be in a good match. Then you wouldn't see him for you know a month or two. Now with this title, I, man, and the match he had with Gargano, I, I don't know if they take it take it off of him this soon. I, I don't know. I hope they don't. Me too. But if you want to make that group legit sooner or later, they're probably going to have to have a title. And then we got that great match to end with Kyle O'Reilly, Kushida, and yep. they even sort of teased as uh, you know Kushida was sort of frustrated with the ref, but uh, afterwards. Um, they uh, sh- still show some respect. Um, the 
you know, then then what ends up happening? Uh, Cole comes out from behind, and so Cole and O'Reilly are brawling, and then Samoa Joe. Is, there we go. <laughs> Here comes our boy, and then. The man reveals himself and it's Roderick Strong yeah. So we got a hell of a lot going on at the end uh, Tyler Rust is there um, I mean Bivens, Suzuki We've got uh, just a, a hell of a lot going on So Bivens then says this is the diamond mine And yeah. fans boo as the diamond mine stands together over Kushida So okay, the diamond yes. mine Here we go yeah, You know, we, We've been getting these teases over the last couple of Weeks and months about this diamond deal And of course everybody thought oh Tessa Blanchard Tessa Blanchard or whatever and then it kind of Went away I I didn't see a Promo and I knew Roderick Strong was coming back and you know and you Figured okay it's going to be involved With Adam Cole somehow right Um, It's You know again there's just so Many different ways they can go about Doing this and you know I think there's enough Storyline and enough players in that game. Number one, Adam Cole is just so damn good at everything he does uh, in NXT. Everything he touches is golding. They could, they've got a, they've got a storyline here built with all these parts that they could. It'd be a little bit bigger. It's not going to be as good, but man, they've got some Roman Reigns, USO, uh, Mysterio, Rollins stuff that they can really get going with this group of guys, and I'm interested to see how 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 they do it. Uh, another really solid week there in NXT, and I gotta say, like, overall, um, when we look at everything, uh, Monday f- it was Monday felt a lot better. AEW felt like they improved even from last week. There were some things that we we picked up, and I think it. You know they're going to be excited to have just one more week left. Uh, SmackDown continued on really, really good. NXT was good. Just a really solid week, and it's always uh, one of the best times of my week sitting here chatting some wrestling with one of my good buddies, Chad Cooper. This was a blast. Thank you for helping me out a day early, buddy. Appreciate buddy, buddy. that, and uh, make sure to give Coop Loop a follow there on social media at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. You stay cool over there. What's your uh, what's your weather like right now? Well, it's uh we're in a kind of a over the weekend it was uh mid to upper 90s with the uh the heat index in the in the hundreds, but we're kind of in like in a rainy pattern. Uh it's been raining a lot, so the only good thing about that is temps are in the low 80s. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, cool. Yeah. So I, you think <laughs> yeah, you get the, the best of both worlds, right? Sure. <laughs> I uh, I'll have to give you a heads up. I may um, be heading out to Dallas in uh, in the next month or so, uh, the next right. few weeks to a month. So if I do, maybe we can uh, pick out a place midway and uh, and meet up and uh, get a get a drink and say hello. So I'll keep Perfect, you sir. posted on that. As uh, yeah, we we're gonna go have to visit uh, Milo's grandpa and Stephanie's okay. side, some side of the family that we didn't get a chance to visit during the pandemic. Now that things are uh, all all open back up and feeling better, we're going to make just, a trip on out to Texas sometime soon. Just do not, do not buy Milo one of those little Dallas Cowboy outfits. Oh, dude. We okay. got a few of them from his bat, from his uh, when he right before he was born, from his baby shower. A couple of Dallas and a couple Mavs, and I was like, "Oh no, get those, get those out of here!" So uh, yeah, we we got a little bit of uh, L.A. and uh, you know, I I wasn't too much of the Rams as hardcore as I was with like Lakers and Dodgers because they left and came back, but. Cowboys, I roll my eyes with. Yeah, we're, we're same. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you there. 
Koopa Loop. Man, it's it, going to get close to football season again, too. We'll have to start talking some uh, NFL and not that long. Thank you so much for your time. You have a great week, buddy. We'll see you, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll continue on here on That's What G Said. Big thanks to Koopa Loop for helping us out with uh, this week in wrestling. And don't forget, folks, to check out manscaped.com and use that promo code 2IDIOTS, T-W-O-I-D-I-O-T-S, for 20% off and free shipping on your order. We head from current wrestling to old wrestling, the old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. We head to 1996 for In Your House 6. The old wrestling rewatch is back. Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali join me as we head to early 1996. We are going to In Your House 6. And I gotta say, as someone who uh, prides myself on being a uh, WWF slash E and even a WCW uh, historian, someone who loves to go back and watch uh, a lot of the shows and feel like I've watched most this is probably one of a few pay-per-views that you could say through, like, ever of WWF that I didn't really remember. Um, I, I sort of remember some of the things now coming out of it, but I can't, you know, I would definitely was watching the the uh, product at the time uh, very much. I was always watching every pay-per-view. I had the black box, so I never even had to pay for anyone. and just, <laughs> just put them right on. But uh, DZ... What did you think of uh, overall in your house six? Well, like, like you, I the only match that I distinctly remembered was the main event. And it was because of, you know, how it ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, the same thing. I just, you know, even even the Owen-Sean match, I remember the storyline and what Owen was doing going into it. I just I just didn't remember the match at all. And and I and to be honest with you, um, it's a it's a rather forgettable pay per view in my opinion, and that's yeah. probably why. Yeah, it's um, there's nothing great. There's a couple things that are eh. It's just yeah. sort of like okay, it's a I quick mean, watch. It's my not... my biggest note is that this could have been a house show. It's, yeah, I mean, with the exception of how the main event ends, where you're not mm-hmm. going to obviously end uh, a house show with that kind of theatrics, but I mean, it's just it's just a bit of a it's just a bit of an odd pay per view. I mean. You know, obviously, you get the Undertaker spot at the end, but just to just to show you how odd of a pay per view this is, the Undertaker wrestled in a dark match for the Intercontinental Title on this show. So, when was the last time the Undertaker was in a dark match on a pay per view? Um, there was that the, there was like that preview show with uh, where they they had Jake the Snake and Tatanka fight for five minutes. And then there were three dark matches that included an IC title match with The Undertaker. And, and I'm, like, trying to, like, understand how, like, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Duke the Dumpster Drossy makes the main body of the show and The Undertaker in an Intercontinental title match that goes for 13 minutes does not. Um, it's not like they couldn't stretch the show out another 15 minutes. It wasn't exactly long. It was only an um, hour 50. Yeah. You know, you got that Piper promo while they put the cage up. That took forever. I mean, um, yeah, it, it's just a very strange show. It doesn't have a real pay-per-view kind of feel to me. And well, even even like the main event and and the the Owen Sean match, they're both fine. Um, I think with those combinations of guys, we just we see better matches and we could probably expect more. I think there are some things I like about them, and you know, others that are eh. But 
it doesn't even feel very like, oh, this is about to be WrestleMania. No. Yeah, you know, the only all. point part of the show that kind of feels that way is actually when Piper's giving the promo. That kind of got hot for a moment. Like you kind of were like, oh, okay, Piper's like, but then. Which um, just makes no sense. Like, what, yeah. why does Piper care about Vader? And, and like, like it's just like this random thrown in thing. What well, isn't it funny? Because doesn't a month or in WrestleMania, he end up facing Goldust in the, in the brawl? Yep. Yeah. Which yeah. is so weird. There's zero build up to that at all here. When he's building everything up to WrestleMania, that kind of shows you that they had to like sort of retcon that because I think that weren't the plans, maybe even at this time, still something with Razor Ramon. Yeah, that's that's exactly what the plans were. And then, according to what I was reading, Razor Ramon failed a drug test, and they had to do a bunch of different things with a bunch of different people to be able to put a card together. Because there were a couple of people who, coincidentally or not, failed the drug test around this time. Razor Ramon, Sean Waltman, and G. Where were they in six months? Food for thought, right? Now, as far as my thoughts on this show, Darren, you're kinder to it than I am. I thought every single match underachieved. Uh, That isn't to say there weren't fun parts of the show. I thought Piper's promo was a real highlight because how often do we get Roddy Piper and Jim Cornette going back and forth in a promo? That doesn't really happen. And I was thrilled to at least see that and be able to enjoy it, even if it was very visibly killing time. But we're going to go through a couple of matches on this show that are fine, but that I have major issues with. Uh, Specifically, the Sean Owen match, I didn't love it. And I was expecting to love it because of the story that went into it with Sean and the concussions and Owen's kick and whatnot. I thought it was a very well done story, but then you get the match and I was just expecting so much more than we got. And that's something that I think can be said for a lot of matches on this show. Yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about the main event. The opening match has one of the worst stipulations I have ever seen that we are going <laughs> to absolutely ridicule. And then you get a couple of matches in the middle of the card that just aren't good. Uh, yeah. It's it's not hard to see how wrestling fans were craving something new and fresh because this is what WWE was giving them. Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you entirely. I mean, like I said, to me, this felt like a house show. Um, yeah. And it, it I was thought, fun. I thought the I main you said event fun, Andrew, yeah. and that's a fine word to use here because there were some moments that, like, I didn't even like. This is an okay show to throw on in the background, you know, if you're like doing some work or something. It's not something you're going to go out of your way and watch, you know, because yeah. there's nothing that stands out and everything is a little bit. Dis- there, there are three or four matches that are fine. You know, I'm gonna, of the five. I, I'm going to be honest. For me, like the main event. To me, Diesel looks completely disinterested. Yeah. Oh, he's checked was, out. He's done. He's completely checked out. And Brett's yeah. doing the best he can, but I was just kind of disappointed overall as someone who loves Brett because we've seen Brett and, and Nash have some really good matches. Well, and, like two months before at Survivor Series, they tore the house down. That was a that was obviously Kevin Nash's best match of his entire career, and that would last until the end of his career. So to be just like two months or three months removed from that match get put in a cage where, all right, you know, Brett in a cage, whatever. I mean, you don't, Brett doesn't need any kind of stipulation, but to go from where they were at Survivor Series to this match where there's really just not a whole lot happening. I mean, let's be honest. There's just not much going on in the match. It's, it's really, really disappointing. So I think we can point to a few things here. I'm not, I don't want to be one of these, like, Oh, we're going to blame it all on the click guys, but 
If we look at the time period of this show and what we just said, Diesel sort of checked out. Yep. Razors having issues with drug tests and stuff. Same thing with one, two, three kid. They're working each other. Then Razor is going to have the the stuff coming up with Goldust pretty soon. And and we look at Sean, and he underwhelms a little bit here. And I gotta say, he looked bad to me. Um, in his face, like his eyes. Um, physically, his body looked good. Like he he looked like he was in really good shape and stuff. And I thought his match was fine. This version of Shawn Michaels, though. Is my least favorite version. This version to me is so cringy. Where and and the problem is is Vince. I don't think Vince at any point ever laid it on as thick with any baby face as he does oh, in I, this I era with Shawn Michaels. I know it's I mean, up there, man. It's it, bad. It's, this isn't even Hogan level stuff. I mean, because the Hogan stuff, he'd be like, "Look at Hulkster, he's got the twenty four Like the stuff that he was saying was just kind of like, oh, "Okay, yeah," like he's 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 doing that stuff. Like Sean, he was just, "Oh, look at Sean, he's flamboyant, he's athletic, he's just Mister Charisma." What a- what athleticism! Da 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 Too much, which so- is hysterical because just a couple of years before, Vince did not think he was this kind of a talent. Not at like, all. The people in the company were trying to tell him what he had in this guy, and he looked him and looked at him as okay, upper mid card, you know, intercontinental title guy, not main event, not world title guy. And now, I mean, it, it's like he wants to have his baby. It's yeah. This this is like one of my least favorite versions of Vince, and the the, the least favorite version of Sean. Um, even even like like the way he um he starts the match with Owen. For the first few minutes, it's like he's a comedy wrestler. Yeah. He's like goofing around. He he's like playing and he's messing and he's flipping around. It's it's like he's not it's not even like in, in the wrestling like I'm one upping you kind of a sense either. He's yeah. just sort of being goofy. Well, I it think was he's like, already I think he's already heading down the bad path of this. Well, he's thing. lit up. Yeah. He like yeah. if you just look at his eyes, he did it, and it's it's funny, the promo that he cuts right before he comes out to the match. It's like two seconds. Yeah. It's like this is the promo for a guy who's about to main event WrestleMania, and like this is the match where he's gonna like his final match to win to get to Mania. Yeah. And he's like a, you know, it's just like a, a real quick little blurb. And I'm gonna do it, and he's out. It's he's got the 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 uh, you know his wardrobe is literally like male stripper, mm-hmm. like full on. So, um, lots of critiques early on with this show. Now, let me say, like, you're gonna find worse shows. Like, this isn't like a totally awful show, top to bottom. But when you see Owen Sean on paper, and that's sort of what what happened when I was looking at this show. You know, I and I didn't remember. I saw those uh, that one on paper. I saw the Brett Diesel on paper. I went, oh, Brett Diesel, great chemistry. Owen Sean, very good. And the match is solid. Still an above average match, and a and a good match. Just not what what we quite would want. And then, you know, some other stuff that just you wouldn't even expect to be great, but it, it was just eh. Let's uh, let's get into it. We are going to in your house six. We are in 1996, so this is the pay per view directly before WrestleMania in '96, and we get the uh, WWF for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment, and then I mean. At the very least, you're welcome for this, fellas. I mean, we at least got Sonny right off the bat letting us know 
that viewer discretion is advised. And uh, we she was something else. This this (laughs) was like I know, and we're not we don't have to be like gross about it or anything, you know. But this was peak Sunny when she was fantastic and one of like the most searched people when the internet was coming up and that kind of thing. This is she was. Like right here, if you wouldn't have known that she was a, she would, this would have been like a Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover type. That's, she looked this, that good right there in this shot. Well, to put it, to put it in perspective, like back then, the amount of like search hits that she got on the internet would like, would be like in modern times talking about like, you know, Kim Kardashian stuff and the internet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like all, like, like all of that crazy stuff that's gone on on the internet, whenever there's like any kind of crazy thing that comes out with a celebrity, like she was, I think it was her. And believe it or not, I think the other one was Anna Kornikova. The Uh, old Cindy Cindy Margolis was up there. Cindy Margolis. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to think of the fact that Sonny, who was just a WWF, valet basically at the time was like the most searched woman on the internet for like a year is is pretty crazy and remember we're talking you know winter of 96 so that version of the internet where it's getting into people's houses at this kind of a level was really in its infancy so it's it's pretty wild that that's how kind of like this whole thing started you remember when they had like the um they had like the WWF like divas page and stuff like that. Like I had a, a separate page and Sonny had like eight pictures up there and they were clicked on like millions of times. Like it's it's just crazy that that's what it was. But when you go back and you look at what Sonny looked like in 1996, you can kind of understand why. And, and pro tip, by the way, just to save anybody out there who might be compelled to see what Sonny looks like don't now. Do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't don't ruin it. As, don't don't as, ruin it. As oh. I be, I believe it was Fuel who sang this. Leave the memories alone. Yes. <laughs> just just if you want, just watch watch you know this, and then go to the WrestleMania where she comes out with Legion of Doom and just call it a day. Yeah. Just leave it, just leave it at that. Let there. that be the lasting image of Sunny. That's your parlay right there. That's boom it. boom. That's the parlay, and then just you're gonna be a winner. You're gonna cash it. Uh, we are going to get in to the voiceover guy. That was my absolute favorite. This was a guy from like 96 to 97 in the video package. We see uh, a clip of Brett, and then we see clips of um, different wrestlers throughout the show. And then here, uh, here is the voiceover package. He says, what emotions beat in the heart of a champion? A sense of power, euphoria, or perhaps fear, knowing full well. That tonight could be the last night he ever enters the ring as champion. What thoughts race through the mind of a former champion? Rage, defiance, and perhaps frustration for what once defined him as mighty no longer is his? And what anger quells in the soul of a man who was denied his chance to possess the coveted gold? Revenge, they say, is a dish best served cold. Three men bound by one dynamic passion. Tonight, it will take a 15-foot-high steel cage to harness their emotions and avert anarchy in your house. I mean, hell, Hold we, on. Get, we get Sonny to start. We get the, the cool old-school WWF for over 50 years. That's a good, a good fun start. I get a cool memory when I see that. Sonny in a bathing suit. 
We get the voiceover guy. They build this thing up like it's going to be damn good. We get the in-your-house little cartoon animation, which made me, you know, smile. Vince welcomes us to the home of the Kentucky Derby. And King says we're going to get the Daily Double tonight. I thought we were in for a good night here, boys. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a, it was it was checking all of the boxes, and I actually, I, I actually probably said to myself when I was probably watching this at home with my dad, I was probably like in all my glory, like, "Hey, dad, they're talking about horse racing." Derby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that might have been the highlight of the night. Yeah, the, unfortunately, this show is what is best known as a ski slope because it is straight downhill. And if, I, if, if I may segue, guys. Sherry Lawler had a terrible night on commentary and it starts right off the rip because he and Vince run down the card as announcers are supposed to do. Right. Well, Lawler takes all of the obvious stances you expect him to take and all of the matches and whatnot. And just in hearing about the matches, you know, who's going over before the show even starts. There's absolutely no suspense and it just makes Lawler's stick fall completely flat And that's even before we get into pretty much every joke he makes that doesn't crack on the Hart family, because almost all of them fall really flat. Mm -hmm. It's he he's is this one of those nights where he's just trying and it's just swinging and missing and not hitting. He and Vince, he and Vince just didn't have chemistry. Like he and and JR boatloads of chemistry, but he and Vince, no, and three of them were okay. Because JR kind of was like a bridge between the two of them So they wouldn't Like you end up getting too much Lawler Is what happens You know he ends up saying a little too much And then Vince tries to be too straight It's just Yeah like you said the chemistry just isn't there With these two um, And we uh, get the setup for Yeah like you said set up for some of the matches And we are right into uh, Razor Ramon versus the one two three kid so, uh, Ramon uh, Razor was over. He gets a good pop. One, two, three kid here. Remember, he's with uh, DiBiase. And these two guys had what they started feuding in 93 when yeah. uh, he became the kid from the kid to the one, two, three kid. They're buddies. So, they, they had good chemistry. Even in a match like, I, I will say, even in a match like this, where there's a stupid stipulation, and I thought the very beginning of the match, was a little a little slow It's not a bad match by any sense They actually both still work pretty well And you can see you know Waltman is still a good Is a good worker This is at least an average to above average match It's just it's got a stupid stipulation at the end of it And it's These guys together can do a little bit better This is probably one of the matches I was the least Disappointed with as far as the work In the ring from about You know it's a what a 12 minute match So I'd say from about the 2 or 3 minute Mark on it's it's not bad. There's a point in the match where they they have a sleeper hold for about two yeah. minutes or so, yeah. and you know that that absolutely give, can do away with. You know, if we change that to about thirty seconds, I think this could have been a much better match if you're about ten minutes and it's a little like a little tighter. But some things that stood out to me um, when felt like when DiBiase used the baby powder, uh, that's when it it kind of picked up a little bit. He hit Razor in the eyes with it, um, and then I love the low. Quick leg drops that uh that Waltman does the one two three kid bounces off the ri- the ropes real quick and then he hits these real sharp like running leg drops where he barely gets off the floor and just he, he, they look real impactful they're just well done a little different than like a normal leg drop 
mm-hmm. we're getting these awful baby jokes from Lawler, uh, like nap time puns and cry baby stuff. I mean, just so so bad. Talking something about breastfeeding using a straw. Um, <laughs> it was just like so it's funny hearing you say that. It is, you know what I mean. It's just, <laughs> like reading it back, it is funny. Like when I'm looking at it, it is. It's like re- it's like the manscape ads I'm having to read nowadays. <laughs> but uh, but it, yeah, it is. Uh, it is pretty great. So the. The sleeper spot was was what came up next. At first, I think Kid hit a superfly splash, which looked kind of cool. Um, uh, and then, yeah, that sleeper spot just went went on way too long. Uh, Razor uh, picked him up though and uh, kind of crotched him on the top rope. Um, and uh, then Razor went up top, and uh, we got a back elbow from Kid, then a crossbody up the top rope. Then Razor floating over the top for a two count. Now things were pretty cool. A little back and forth. Razor went up the top rope and. Uh, Kid got the spinning heel kick there. Um, Razor set went. Then he go, he's up at the top rope and he hits that fall away slam off the middle, which was really cool. Uh, T- uh, DiBiase came back in. He tried again to use the baby powder, but uh, one he had distracted the referee. Uh, one, two, three. Kid got some uh, baby powder. Razor ended up kicking him in the face and it, it busted up in uh, in Kid's face. We get the Razor's edge. And then Razor has the pin, but he pulls him up and then he uh, ends up. Uh, pin, uh, hitting it again, the razor's edge. The crowd was actually pretty into it at the end, and most of the ring work I had little issue with. The the points that I uh, parts that I pointed out, sleeper too much, maybe a little slow at the beginning. But even if these guys were like not necessarily uh, at their best and maybe not like in the hundred percent mental capacity, um, they still would always give you at least a pretty solid match together. So I, I didn't think this was a terrible. Opening to the show other than the stupid diaper Stuff at the end and the kids Gotta pretend like he was so Passed out he didn't even realize somebody put a Diaper on him it's like who cares It's a diaper over Your freaking pants Like who cares So uh, DZ what'd you think about the Start I thought the match was was Fine Um, nothing Terrible nothing great Um Razor's fallaway slam is one of my favorite moves uh, in wrestling, especially the one that he does off the middle rope. Um, you know, some of the stuff outside, DiBiase playing the good heel with the baby powder and stuff. You know, I mean, okay, I get it. You know, I, I could do without it, but DiBiase plays the role. It's fine. The interesting thing for me is that we, we talked about, like, a couple of these guys uh, where they would be. In, in fact, all three of the guys involved in this match would be in WCW within the next six to nine months. Um which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, I thought the, the the work in the ring was was good with the exception of the sleeper, as you talked about. Uh, you know, uh, one, two, three kid with those spinning heel kicks. You mentioned those drop kicks. All nice moves. I, I, I think clearly in this match, uh, Razor was allowing his buddy to get in a lot of offense before he kind of took things over in the last couple of minutes, uh, which, you know, w- w- was good on him to do that and showcase – let one, two, three kid on a pay-per-view showcase what he could do, and, and he was a very good worker. Uh, yeah, n- nothing, uh, with the exception of the diaper stuff. I mean, nothing within the match itself was offensive. I, I just could have done with without the stink uh, on the end of it, no pun intended, with the diaper. Guys, I understand that wrestling is, for all intents and purposes, a variety show. I know that I'm not going to like everything that is on a two, two and a half, three hour broadcast. And I'm firmly okay with that because I know that as entertainers, which is what wrestlers are, 
you're trying to serve different audiences at different points of the show. Who in their right mind was asking for a um, crybaby match? Now, who's this for, right? Like, who, who gets the purpose? Yeah, I just like, I just know there's no way that should have even been a consideration. I don't care <clears throat> whose idea it was. It was a terrible idea. Just put uh, Razor and Kid out there for 10 minutes and tell them to go hard. That's it's, it. It's funny because have you guys watched the um, the Something Else to Wrestling With wrestle with podcasts between Pritchard and Conrad Hamilton on, on, on the network or Peacock at all? Uh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So this is a great moment for one of Conrad's lines that he always throws out at Pritchard. When when he's pissed off about something that they said they did, and he just asks a very simple question, Bruce, who booked this shit? Who booked this shit? <laughs> yep. And, 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 and what's funny, every now and then Bruce will say, I booked this shit, you know, and, and, and he'll just take the, the blame like I did this shit. But and then a lot of times he'll say, Vince or this or that, you know, he'll yeah. give you the reason. Who but who booked this just, shit? Yeah, because <laughs> The match was fun. Like we said, there. I, I don't think any of us have a problem with the match. You know, of, of overall, a couple things that could have been better. Yeah, that that happens in a lot of matches. These are two above average workers. You put them together, they have good chemistry. They like each other. They're gonna do well. Yeah. It's just um, Yeah, it is. And also, while it's not bad, it's fine. It never gets out of second gear. And you knew these two guys were capable of far better stuff. The problems were. They were hamstrung by the gimmick, and you had the specter of, wait a minute, Razor's contract is going to be up soon. Is he going to stick around, or is he going elsewhere? And wait a minute, Waltman's contract is going to be up soon, too. What's going on here? There's just so much going on that dragged this match down, and much as would become a recurring theme I expect so much more from the people that were in this match. Yeah. Yep. No, no, uh, no arguments there as, uh, yeah, you know, we go backstage now to, uh, or so, yeah. So after the match, like he realizes the diapers on him and DiBiase and him are just like freaking out. It was, it's just so over the top. Um, I, again, like I didn't mind this match. The the stipulation definitely brings it all down, though, because it leaves a bad taste in your mouth where you where you finish. Um, we get to Sunny backstage again. Hey, Sunny, uh, she says. Uh, Vince says to her, "What are you going to ask the bad guy?" Because Sunny's backstage in like the AOL chat room, and he uh, she says, "Well, since he was the winner, maybe I'll say, hey, Chico, what are you doing later?'" Then <laughs> Ray Rougeau talks about the one, two, three kid in the diaper. They tease the superstar line. Uh, we see a clip from earlier where Sonny was terrified of Jake's snake. Mm. Yep, did say that. Yep. And uh, and then we get to Triple H with Elizabeth Hilden. Andrew, why don't you let us know who is Elizabeth Hilden? Why am I the go-to for these? Things? I just wanted to ask you. I I figured <laughs> okay. I just. So I'm just gonna. Th- I'm not even gonna. I'm gonna delicately broach this. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I have to. I have to come to Andrew's defense. Okay, listen. A- Andrew is the best when it comes to 
you know, like the random people in wrestling that he has, that, that from watching old wrestling, he has extensive knowledge of like, like this guy, this girl was from Smoky Mountain and this girl was from Georgia. Like, that's all one thing. This person was why does he have to know about Elizabeth Hilden? Like, why, why are you painting him with that brush? <laughs> Go ahead, pal. Oh, God. Oh, the floor is yours. Please. Tell us all about Elizabeth Hillman. <laughs> so I'm going to be very delicate about this. And I will simply say that if you are near an internet search machine and you are, you know, in such a position to say, oh, who is this woman that these three gentlemen are speaking about? It is spelled Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H space Hilden, H-I-L-D-E-N. And if you're in a position where you're around people or you're on a shared computer, you might want to do an incognito browser type situation or at a minimum, turn the safe search function on well, and I'll leave it right there. Okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll give you a little more insight. Yeah, she, is actually, she is actually the 1990, I believe it was the 1998 Penthouse Pet of the Year. And how about this? It was June 1995 when she was she won the uh, Penthouse Pet of the Month, so she was an adult model. Oh, so this was literally three months after this. Wow. She's walking. No, no, no. Right, no, no. Three months. I'm sorry. This was after she was the, the that Pet of the Month, like six months after that, right? Because this was June 95 when she was, and we're talking February 96. So she had just been really coming to like mainstream popularity. And uh, she's walking down the aisle here with Triple H accompanying him. I wonder what uh, old Steph thinks when she sees uh, when she If sees I him. may point of order here really quickly. Please, please. How bad is Triple H's theme music here? Oh, oh yeah. sheesh. <laughs> well, he's about, he's about two months from getting squashed by a returning and, and, and you know, deflated Ultimate Warrior, so. Yeah, that that do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so very very rarely does Andrew have that sm- short of a uh, response, but that was he just yeah that that yeah that'll do it. So uh, I just wanna, I just want to what... yeah go ahead. No no no. Since we're talking about Triple H and his uh, many valets at this point, of course, one of the great trivia questions is his valet at WrestleMania 12 was one Rena Marrow, who would best be known as Sable. Yeah. I just I just uh, want to learn more about uh, Penthouse, the Wild Weekend with Pets. <laughs> yeah, That's Google a movie, it, baby. That's Google it, baby. Google that it. is actually a movie. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, this is '96 WWF for you, folks. Um, we then uh, Vince asks, "Where does Triple H find these gorgeous ladies?" <laughs> Which is funny. I wonder. <laughs> and Jim- and King is laughing, you know. So back then, yeah. it was askjeeves.com. <laughs> <laughs> well played there. Well played. We get a backstage promo from Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, who, like, at the very beginning, he had his hat on. He sort of looked like Gallows for a second. And then he took it <laughs> off. And he, he sort of looked like Crash Holly for a second. So uh, he changed. You're not going to ask Andrew about the uh, extensive background like you did on Elizabeth Hilden of Duke no, no. and Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, here, here's the thing about Duke. This is like a really basic, just sort of yelling at Triple H promo. 
we get some uh, footage for the the build up between these two guys and their storyline leading up. Now, Duke Duke is just a guy, totally just a guy. I actually remember him being worse. I don't know, you know. I think so. So I guess I took a positive out of that. Like I I thought I remember him as being someone who like couldn't even stand up in the ring, kind of a thing. And he's fine. Like he's just a guy. He's just like a random person who you would have as like enhancement talent to get over someone else that you're trying to build up. That's sort of what this is. I mean, he gets most of the match early on, but that's that's how he, a lot of the heel matches are too, especially with someone like Triple H. Um so Duke runs down to the ring. He's a house of fire right away. Punches, he tosses Triple H around, big press slam. Uh, he goes to work on Triple H in the corner, big boot. Triple H begs off in the corner like a heel cowers. Uh, Duke slaps him across the face and he punches him. Um it's like 2 or 3 minutes before Triple H even gets a Bit of offense in um, and, and meanwhile King is trying To interview our Gal Elizabeth here um, Duke uh, With a hard uh, atomic drop then a clothesline Rakes the back of Triple H Triple H sends Duke flying over the top And then Triple H throws Duke hard into the steel steps there As Elizabeth watches and claps Triple H slows it down uh, Gets methodical with a knee drop That big Triple H knee drop that we know From uh, many years later Suplex for two Cra- I, I gotta say this I didn't think the ring work in this match was bad. It in a total vacuum, it was like a match that you would see on a TV sh- on a TV show. Like it, it's like a match you would probably see in like an early '90s on like a Superstars or something. And it's not bad. You wouldn't say, "Oh, this was a worse match." Or it's just it's a fine match. The crowd was so dead; they were so dead for this. Like you could hear people's conversations going on. Like Darren and I are sitting here going, and like you could hear the guy, "What the heck is that? What's this Hunter Hearst Helms?" You know, you just hear like people in the crowd with like random. It's just awful as far as the response here. And just keep in mind, watching this, the one thing I thought about was, you know, Triple H. You you see here in the ring and some of his heel work and stuff, like why people were high on him for a lot of his career. The guy has ability, but. He did not get over for a long ass time. I mean, remember how many times they kept trying to get somebody else to get him over, and, and it was, you know, finally it was sort of Foley, right? That like eventually kind of like made like made him feel like a main eventer. But like late '98 into '99, they kept putting him in that spot. After Sean left DX, it didn't always feel like he was a guy. It sort of felt like he was a mid card guy. They kept trying to. Force as a main eventer and I, I just got That feel here watching him like Yeah he does fine he does fine he checks a lot Of the boxes that you would want from a wrestler But just getting no reaction um, People just Did not care about Triple H here uh, Boring stuff Duke with the boot to the face the double Clothesline both men are down uh, Fine spine buster from Duke a couple Clotheslines then a power slam and then Duke says it's time To take out the trash at, le- at least that gets some. some that's, that's literally what you get Ooh. from the crowd. It, like the crowd gets like, oh, you're right. Like that's something for a, a crowd that had been saying nothing. He nails a tilt to whirl, power slam. What a maneuver by the dumpster! The trash compactor. Yeah. <laughs> and Duke's got the match won, but instead of pitting Triple H, he goes to get his trash can. And the referee obviously tries to stop him from bringing the trash can in. And Duke uses the uh, Triple H 
gets the lid, picks it up, and he nails Duke over the head. This was hilarious because the, sees the, it. the referee, one, yeah. I mean, he sort of see, he sees it, but two, he's basically like back to back to Drosy. And you, this thing is so loud when he pings it over his head and he just does not hear it at all. Um, but my note at the end was Drosy was better than I remember him being. <laughs> the match was just You know it was a terrible response To a match again if you're just Basing this thing solely off of ring work It's fine but we're we're watching A pay-per-view here and You know this I don't know just it just didn't feel Like a, a pay-per-view kind of a match It was sort of a weird like too it was a little Long for an extended A little long for a match that I mean if you were just watching this match you sort of Might have felt like they were high on Drosy yeah, maybe. I mean, Drosy wasn't long for the company. He no, was he was out of about, here soon. Yeah, five months. His last his last match was actually a loss to uh, the gimmick of T.L. Hopper, who was a plumber. <laughs> so you had the plumber beating the garbage man in the garbage man's last match of his WWE career. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the match that you didn't say. The fact that Kyoto sees the guy... Clearly sees the guy get hit with the trash can lid and just like, all right, cool, yeah, one, two, three, wild. But you know, what are you gonna do? Um, I guess that's par for the pay per view. Uh, I'll bring up, I'll bring up a subject that that you touched upon, uh, touched upon talking about Triple H, since it's it's probably more interesting than the match itself. I am of the opinion that Triple H is probably, in terms of wrestling history, the best example. Of being in the right place at the right time. The Mm -hmm. fact that he got linked up next to Shawn Michaels. And Shawn ends up having to take all that time off. Putting him in the catbird seat with DX. And the fact that he was riding with the click for those years. And I'm not saying that the guy can't wrestle. Or that he's not someone who works hard. I'm not saying that either. From every report that I've ever read. He was someone who... Would go to the meetings and yep. would go to do things that nobody else wanted to do, yep. you know. So, um, like my, you said, the yeah. perfect. I think you got it perfect. It's like he he most the uh, it reminds me of Edge, the ultimate opportunist, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and again, it's not to say that he can't work, but I do have questions that if he was not in that spot. Could this guy have ever really gotten to the point that he got to on his own? And I, I really am not sure about that. I, I don't, I don't know if he watching his stuff from the mid '90s and early, you know, '97. I don't know if he would have ever got there without, you know, the help of what he had surrounding him, and especially what he had surrounding him, you know, with Sean, who was, you know, I'm sure in Vince's ear. You know, and 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 telling him, you know, telling Vince that this guy, you know, worked hard and could go and stuff like that. And I mean, the the proof in the pudding is when they brought back the Warrior. You know, they said, "All right, well, who are we going to put out there to just get their ass kicked?" Completely no sell the guy's finish. You know, and beat the hell out of him in in twelve seconds. All right, well, we'll put Triple H out there. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't exactly speak volumes as to what Vince thinks of that particular guy. That he's just going to go out there and take a squash from the Ultimate Warrior. Um, so yeah, I, I that was my that's my big takeaway from Triple H at that time. I don't know if he would have ever gotten to where he got if he didn't have that help. That's true, but also him being with Sean 
wound up darn near killing them because in a couple of months after this, they would have the curtain call incident at Madison Square Garden. There were four guys in the ring. There were Razor and Diesel, and there were Sean and Hunter. You couldn't punish Razor and Diesel because they were on their way out the door. You couldn't punish Sean because he was the champ. Who got left holding the bag? No, it's true. And I think the way Hunter handled that was a big plus for him in the long run, even though he basically wound up eating shit for six months and having to get his push restarted gradually in 97 and 98. There were rumblings that he was supposed to be the king of the ring in 96. Mm -hmm. If he's the king of the ring in 96, you know what we don't get? Austin. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. History is just a wee bit different because of that, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I don't know if I ever really bought, I I don't know if I ever really bought this guy was going from taking a a pin from the ultimate warrior in WrestleMania to being king of the ring two months later. But you know, that's one of those, that's one of those rumors and innuendos that I'm never, I've never been entirely sold on. No. And you know what? The only thing that could maybe is I feel like back then they may have had things more planned out a little, little long-term, you know, that, so maybe at that point they had this planned out a few months before. Hey, you will be the king of the ring guy. We'll give you an IC run. You're going to be that. And then they tell him, okay, screw you. Now we're not going to do that. We'll go with Austin. But yeah, um, I mean, maybe, maybe. It's just, I just think they probably had things planned out a hell of a lot better than they do nowadays back th- back then. But uh, it sure seems that way. Yeah. Now, as far as this match goes, the less said about it, the better. Why am I supposed to care about any of this? Like. Uh, after Hunter comes to the ring with the knockout blonde on his arm, why am I supposed to care about any of this? I don't. It was never fully explained. There's, I'm a little bit surprised that this got on the pay-per-view. You guys hinted at that right at the top. And Vince, after the match, when Hunter's licking his wounds going up the ramp, says, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of this. I was yelling at my television screen, please, for the love of God, no. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I would have much rather seen 11 minutes and 15 seconds of Ahmed Johnson versus Isaac Yankum DDS early Kane. I don't know hey, about that one. you know, I'm just <laughs> saying. <you laughs> I know, know about that. But this should have been, this was a, this is a TV match. It's just a TV match. It's not, um, you got, and it's the thing again, like the, the ring work isn't like the worst ring work that you'll ever see. It's just no, but it's not good. It's not good. No, it's not. It's not great. It's just you know, it's it, it's not getting the crowd excited into it whatsoever. As we get a commercial for the WWF store and we get footage for the Yokozuna face turn. Hey, Yokozuna was in bad shape here. Yokozuna, may I, may I point something out here? Yes. Okay, so I'm hard on Yokozuna. I am very, very hard on Yokozuna. Here, the booking does him absolutely no favors. Do you know what the impetus for the face turn was? The impetus for the face turn was Yoko gets super kicked out of the ring. He's out cold on the floor, and Camp Cornette can't get him back in the ring. Yeah. Why? Because he's fat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't yeah. buy he's fat as a key plot device for pretty much any storyline, let alone one involving a guy who a couple of years earlier was a main event heel who they were saying killed Hulkamania. Now, that's bad enough. We get the Yoko face turn. Okay. 
as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted. We we get the Yoko Bonsai! And I understand why we got the Yoko face turn. Because there was nothing else for him to do as a heel. But then Michael Hayes brings him in. What was the extent of the English that Yokozuna was allowed to speak on camera? Guys, both of you at the same time. Here we go. (laughs) Correct. All of a sudden, he's cutting a perfect English promo. What the hell happened here? This makes absolutely no sense. And yes. Kofi, didn't he used to be Jamaican? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Like, what the hell is going on here? And then you get the match where it just becomes abundantly clear as a worker, Yoko is freaking done. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. And um, so I will say, it's not a good match. And uh, the, the crowd is surprisingly uh, sort of into Yoko, even though it's a, a pretty horrible face turn. As Andrew said, it doesn't make any sense. They are. I think it's just because the show's been a little bit and so far. They uh, were sort of excited for this. So we got the footage for the Yoko face turn, the build up. Yoko speaks. Jim Cornette, for nearly three years, I stood in the shadows while you hugged all that spotlight. Well, it's my turn because I gave you the gold and yet you get all the credit and all the money. And as far as you, Owen Hart, you, uh, you, the only gold you wore was when you hid behind me. British Bulldog brother, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time because this 650 pounds of bad attitude is going to burn Camp Cornette down to the ground. Bonsai, he sure learned a lot of uh, vo- like vocabulary. He must you, have- you, know, you know what hit me as the most logical comparison? Um, you guys remember the AEW debate between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, where Orange yeah. Cassidy out of nowhere comes out with this 20 second answer on global Billy Madison that thing. just yeah. knocks everybody yeah. on their ass. It yeah. was that except 10 times dumber. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get Bulldog making his way out to the ring. You kind of hear Bulldog's music being played as Yoko's uh, cutting his promo. Yoko makes his way down. He's, he's, he, he moving for being so big He's moving as quickly as he can move Like he's trying um, He's just so huge here He gets in the ring uh, Goes right after Bulldog Begs off into the corner You get a big body slam by Yoko Yoko misses an elbow drop uh, Davey in control with some punches Takes three clotheslines uh, And running off the ropes to knock Yoko down Bulldog sits on top of Yoko Chokes him uh, kind of with the middle rope Cornette with some cheap shots here We get a Yoko reversal, big Irish whip And uh, a splash He drags Davey over to set up for the bonsai drop But Cornette uh, Pulls Bulldog out of the ring Uh, Yoko tosses Bulldog into the ring post He goes for a splash, Davey moves And uh, Yoko hits face first into the ring post Back in the ring, Davey With a double axe handle off the top rope for two Uh, Big kick out by Yoko Davey off the top rope, but uh, Yoko strike to the midsection. Bulldog keeps trying to clothesline Yoko, but it doesn't work. And then Yoko catches him uh, with the the tennis racket. Uh, Yoko catches him with the, the big Samoan drop. We get the belly to belly. He's about to win, and that's when Cornette comes in and cracks Yoko with the tennis racket multiple times. Yoko no-sells it. He goes after Cornette, but Vader runs down for the save, and the two big men go at it. 
Um, Bulldog gets back to his feet. They team up on Yoko. We get Yoko handcuffed to the ropes. They all go to work. Uh, Yoko's trying to fight them off with one hand um, as the other is cuffed. But uh, referees and officials are coming out. They're trying to stop it as the two big men keep battling here. So, I mean, this was as much of a an angle as it was a match because Bulldog was just doing his best there. Yoko can't sell or can't bump. The, in this situation, the only thing he can do is like he has a couple moves that are fine that he just has to go to that he can like still perform. Okay, he just can't move around. He can't go. This the whole thing went about five minutes, and um, you know they were setting up for the Yoko Vader match at, at Mania, which we're going to find out in just a little bit here. So this wasn't really even about the result. Bulldogs just like the guy who they needed to be in there to like safely work with Yoko and help him get through this five minute match. And, and let's not forget about the uh, astute uh, Clarence Mason. Uh, yes. Who is, uh, you know, clearly uh, some kind of a combination of, uh, you know, uh, Jackie Childs and uh, OJ's attorney, uh, whose name for Cochran. some reason, yeah, Johnny Cochran, <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously is obviously some kind of a combination of those two guys. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's kind of sad watching Yoko. I mean, the guy at the end when he's trying to do this story, he's clearly just completely exhausted. Um I pretty soon he's going to be in a tag team, I believe, uh, you know, with Owen and Bulldog gets involved in that, too, because he just can't work anymore. You know, if you watch the um, if you watch the documentary on him, it's really sad how people were trying to, you know, get him to, like, actually lose weight and stuff because he just kept getting bigger and bigger. I mean, he's he probably was somewhere around 600 pounds at this point. And, uh, yeah, it's tough to watch. It's sad. Um, you know, we've. We've given him a lot of, a lot of shit at times, and it, it's mostly I, me. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, listen, it's uh, well, it's you know, warranted because we're 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 critiquing stuff, but you it know. is. But but at the same time, the shit should a lot of that shit should be pointed more towards the booking and the decisions and, made to to put that guy in that spot. For in hundred percent agree, right? Yeah. For for as long as there's been wrestling and as long as there will be wrestling, Andrew kind of hit it. It's a variety show. There's always a spot for the big uh, attraction feature guy, someone like this who's an well, Andre. He, didn't, he never know? needed a belt. I mean he but didn't he's not the type yeah. of guy who needs to be the the, yeah. the champion of your company. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And that, that was where the problem was. Because now you're trying to, instead of having him in these matches where you're going to have, you know, even the goofy casket stuff with The Undertaker. Like, if you're not having that for the belt and, and the, the the title involved in that, then then that's fine. You're having that sort of stuff in its own world. Like, he's yeah. an attraction kind of guy. You just, the thing they did with The Fiend. And even guys like Braun Strowman, it's unfortunate because... One of the reasons I think the big show kind of got a, a kind of a crappy run you, you have a hard time putting the belt on him because it's just so hard getting it off of him You know it, it like it's just right. you make right. it you have to look bad doing it Yeah, and and it's you know and you get yourself you get yourself in the trouble because and back then They got themselves in the trouble with Yoko. They heated him up real quick. He won the Royal Rumble after being in the company for three months basically um, but nowadays it, it's kind of different where you know, if if you heat these guys up and you don't put them in a title spot, you know, it's almost like you're you're giving them a smack in the face. And I remember there was a lot of stuff with Strowman where Vince told him on multiple occasions that he didn't think he was ready yet. 
and it caused a lot of friction and there was a lot of talk about there being a lot of backstage heat with Strowman and some stuff going on. And, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to explain to a guy, look, you're an attraction as a monster. You don't need a belt to build you up. You know, you're, you're better off in, in doing this and doing that. And, 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 and it's going to sell plenty of merch and it's going to get you plenty of heat and whatever. Um, the problem with Yoko was they just they just put a fire under his ass from day one, and somebody made the decision. Okay, well this guy's going to be you know the heel champion, um, and well somebody being Vince of course. But that being said, you know I do feel bad for for him. Obviously the life that he led, what ended up happening to him, and it's tough watching the years go on from '94 through '96 to '97 because it's just. You're watching somebody physically deteriorate, and you know what the ultimate outcome is, and, it, and it's sad. Yeah. Um, to give you an idea of how bad it got, Yokozuna was billed as the main event of a show called Heroes of Wrestling. Yep. yep. And Heroes of Wrestling was a show that was so bad, they trotted Jake Roberts out oh, God. in absolutely no condition to perform. Well, yeah. Yoko didn't appear until the last 10 seconds of the show. That's how bad shape Yokozuna was in, to give it some, you know, background. Now, this particular match, credit to the British Bulldog, because he does everything he possibly can. I agree. To this make is as good as it could be. Watchable. It's Bulldog, as good as it could be in the situation. Bulldog, ha- early on in the match, has to try to do a back body drop bump when Yoko is barely bending over. So he sort of does like this side roll off of Yoko's shoulder, and it sort of looks like a backdrop. This was a case where Bulldog was in a no-win situation, but it's another instance where I think we forget just how good a worker Davey Boy Smith was when he wanted to be. When he wanted to be, he was a tremendous worker that could more than hold up his end of the bargain. And of course, he had enough going for him to where Vince rehired him six, seven times or something like that over the course of 15 years. It's a case where he had a lot going for him and they put him out there basically to try to get a watchable match out of Yoko. And he tried his darndest. I give him a lot of credit for that. There just wasn't a whole lot you could do with Yokozuna at this point. Cornette runs in for the disqualification and then you bring Vader in. They do this segment where Yoko gets cuffed to the top rope, and guys, it seems like that's about twice as long as the match because it's just painfully long seeing Vader and Bulldog hit these really soft, sloppy punches to Yoko while trying to make sure he's still cuffed to the top rope, and then officials come running out. and just There was no reason for that segment to be as long as it was. Yeah, yeah. Um... We uh, where to go? Goldust and Ma- Marlena there in the back in the uh, American online. Uh, I'd area. like to report some sexual harassment here. Some <laughs> harassment for sure. Goldie is basically molesting this man who looks like he is running the chat room. It is just wow. Um, we get a video package for the buildup for Sean Owen and uh, all of the journey of Sean through his the concussions and the story. Nine got thugs, a.k.a. Sean, Sean tried to, Sean tried to pick up the wrong guy's woman. at the bar. Yeah, yeah, at a marine bar, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yep, um, it was uh, somewhere between five... 
Yep, five and nine Marines. Yeah, he tried to pick up the wrong women, and uh, yeah, that's what happened. So, uh, Sean, uh, first first Owen comes out with Cornette, and then Sean is backstage with Pettengill. And Sean says this is the biggest match of his life, and I just wrote down, like, not a very main event promo for a guy who's about to win your title in Mania a month later, and you're building him up with this big storyline. He won the Rumble. It's this big babyface return to redemption, everything. Um, he says they're going to be hanging with the click tonight. <laughs> he looks so much like a male stripper. It, and then he's dancing on the roof of the house of of the in your house, right where uh, the entranceway is. And Vince is going absolutely nuts. Sean swings down to the aisle, and Vince says. Unbelievable! What charisma! What athleticism! Mr. Flamboyant! Just ballistic here. And we get a quick start. Sean tosses Owen over the top rope as the music still plays, and uh, he's dancing around in the ring. And if you just look at Sean's eyes, they don't look good. Like he just doesn't look like he's all the way there. And from what we know, he, he's, he's probably not. And, um, yeah, I just I have no clue how you could get through matches like that with these guys when they were in that, that kind of a condition. So yeah. physically, he he looks good. He's in good shape. His body is, but we get lots of screams from the women in the audience as uh, the bell rings and we are officially underway. They exchange shoves, and I read Sean is just dicking around. Like he jumps outside and he's dancing in front of the people in the in the front row. It's almost like he's stalling, and it's weird because it's like. It, it, it's not. It's a heelish thing to do. He's not the heel in the match, but it's a very heel thing. Like the match has started. Owen's just sitting there in the match, like, "Come on, man, let's wrestle." And Sean's just walking around and laughing at the people and kind of showing it off. And um, uh, so it, you know, Owen goes outside to kind of mock Sean. And then we get a big crossbody off the top rope by Sean onto Owen on the floor. Uh, then off the top rope inside. Slow start. Uh, Sean just messing around so much Vince had really laying it on thick He keeps mentioning Sean's click um, And Sean is hamming it up um, Then we get some uh, Things start to pick up here So Sean with the standing Frankensteiner Then a belly to belly from Owen And he goes to uh, work on the midsection of Sean We get a sidewalk slam Owen goes for the sharpshooter Sean fights out of it But Owen works on the uh, the back, the neck area of Sean With the camel clutch um, Owen uh, King says that Owen invented the camel clutch Along with the sharpshooter uh, Sean fights out But a uh, big knee by Owen uh, Grounds Sean again Jerry says finally Stu and Helen will have something to be proud of uh, His best line of the night that was, By far yeah, and it's thought, not close I thought they were like two in this match That were the only ones I even mentioned That, that were worth mentioning because they were okay Um Sean fights out of a headlock But he runs into a spinning heel kick from Owen Which is always fantastic And that knocks Sean to the floor Cornette goes over to kick Sean But the ref sees him so he stops Uh, Sean blocks Owen's attempt at a suplex And Sean ends up suplexing Owen from the ring Onto the outside But Owen lands pretty well on his feet And he catches Sean um, with a power slam From the apron onto the floor Cool spot Owen then with a missile drop kick That was one of his better spots Sean with the roll up uh, for two We get an Irish whip by Owen Then a diving clothesline um, I thought Owen I thought Owen looked pretty good though You know, I, Again we for the most part there were a lot of, We got to see a lot of Owen's offense And he's showing his, his repertoire 
Uh, he stands over Sean He locks him in the sharpshooter He flips him over and Sean struggles a little bit uh, About a minute and he makes it to the ropes Owen slams uh, Sean and then a roll up for two But Owen with an insiguri kick to the back of Sean's head Sean is out cold Outside of the ring He's laying there uh, Owen comes out and he tosses Sean back in He just gets a two count uh, and Then Owen gets crotched on the top rope And Sean uh, hits him with a flying forearm We get a kip up Both men exchange blows A big Irish whip by Sean Then the slam, then the flying elbow Cornette gets up on the apron And Sean calls for sweet chin music Owen ducks uh, goes this The, the finishing sequence I, I did like um, He goes for the sweet chin music Owen ducks, Owen goes for the Insiguri, but he misses, and then Sean Hits the sweet chin music for the win Um, yeah It picked up, I thought the beginning of it was Was really, you know, I mentioned over and over He's just messing around and stuff, but And don't get me wrong, this match is not Bad in any way, shape, or form It's still a very good match It's just, these two guys could have a five-star Match, and so, you know, when you You kind of go into that, hoping to see Something like that, and you end up getting like And a three and a half to you know, maybe maybe a tad higher than that if you if you want to go there. Um, that, that's probably where I'd have it in that range. Yeah, you know, if you take this match and it's just two wrestlers having this, if you if you basically make it this exact match and you just change the people in the match, you'd probably be calling this a four star match. Um, it, it's it's good match. It's just the problem is is that you have two of the best in ring workers that wrestling has ever seen. And you know that this match could be a lot better. Uh, For whatever reason, maybe it's Sean's state of mind and other states uh, that maybe could be a factor. For some reason, it's just not at that level, which is is unfortunate. Um, Yeah, I mean, you touched on everything good in the match. You know, you had the big sell on the Inseguri, which, of course, was the move where, you know, Sean played up that whole concussion thing uh, earlier in 95. Uh, with with in the ring where he was taken to the hospital, and it's an interesting storyline where, you know, they were even tricking the doctors and stuff like that at the hospital where Sean had to sign a release and sign himself out of the hospital because he was playing a work the whole time. Um, so yeah, you have that spot, you have a good sell there. Match is fine. Um, the problem that I have in looking at the storylines going into these last two matches of the show, I don't know. If you could have a more predictable outcome for two matches in a pay-per-view than these last two matches, you know that Owen's not winning. They're not putting him into a program again with Brett, who's the champion. And if Diesel were to win, you know you're not getting Owen and Diesel. There's just no, no reason No for heel, that. heel. So you know Owen's losing. And then after what transpired in the Royal Rumble and the stipulation of we're going to have a steel cage match, to prevent any quote-unquote interference in the main event, you know Taker is interfering in the main event. So you don't know how he's going to do it, but you can't have two more obvious outcomes to end a pay-per-view than these two matches. And that that probably is my takeaway really from how this pay-per-view ends. This match, look, is it probably the best match on the card? Sure. But these two guys could work, you know, with both hands tied behind their back, and they probably put to put up the best match of the card. It just could have been more. So I've got a couple of problems with this match, as I mentioned right up at the top. I wanted to love this match when I saw it. It's okay. 
I can't go above three stars, and there are a couple of reasons why. So it takes a little while to get going, for starters. When they're talking about Owen wanting to bash HBK in the head, it makes sense. It's a logical storyline. You're playing with the injury thing from a couple months back. I get that, except the announcers actively hurt the match by saying that when Owen is in a position to start wailing on Sean in the back of the head with forearms or elbows or whatever, and instead he's grabbing rest holds. Like, that's a whiff. And I don't know whose fault that was. It's probably just bad timing on the part of the announcers trying to work that into the storyline where it just it didn't fit in the context of the match. It hurt it. Mm. Um, you have Lawler's line about Stu and Helen, which was a gem. Um, there was another spot maybe a minute or two later, they're still in the rest hold. Owen is visibly calling spots. This is something that a lot of uh, people rag on John Cena for, but Owen has the reputation of being this top flight worker that could have a great match with anybody, whatever. And the camera's zooming in on him in a chin lock, and he's not even making any effort to like hide what he's doing. I almost and- wonder if he was frustrated with Sean. You know? it's, that's entirely possible, and it could have been the case, but it's either way, bad look. So halfway through the match, they finally remember, oh, if we had Sean in the head a couple of times, people are going to gasp and be into the match. And then around halfway into the match, it does pick up. Uh, Sean comes back with a victory roll. Owen responds with this vicious running clothesline that you don't expect from somebody who's by no means a freight train. Owen Hart's what? 5'11", about 205, 210. And he runs right over Sean with this big clothesline that Sean sells the heck out of. I love that. Then, though, Owen gets the enziguri. Sean sells it like he's been shot. You're Owen Hart. Sean Michaels is outside the ring, not moving. If Sean Michaels loses, you're going to WrestleMania. Don't you just sit in the ring, let him get counted out, that, that was a flaw with me. Instead, yeah. Owen goes outside, drags Sean back into the ring. I hated that. Absolutely hated it. If you wanted to be in a situation where that was going to happen, you know, do a no countouts, man, whatever. There are ways around it that they could have potentially done. I liked the last couple of minutes. It's a good finish. It's a good match. I expected far better. And... These guys had a couple of matches that were legitimately great. This is one of their lesser ones. That's not to say that it's bad, and it is probably the best match of the night, but the more I watched the match back, the more I just I felt really disappointed. And I don't think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, oh, these guys are great workers and we can grade them on a harder curve than anybody else. It's just it's a slightly above average match, no matter who has it, I think. So, Vince, I just have repeatedly, like, Vince is nauseating. Vince is nauseating here. Post-match, this was kind of weird, too. Sean's dance, I guess it's just weird to look back at. Like, there's, I, it's, it's a baby-faced guy celebrating after with a kid. There's nothing, like, goofy about it, but it's just, he's sort of dancing around with this younger girl. Yeah, that's um, totally appropriate, by the way. I know, but, like, in this day and age, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. at this age, it's like, 
it, it's weird. Like you look at it and you go, okay, like we get it. I just, I don't know. I did get, I did get like rubbed sort of the wrong way about it in in this particular. Like the, girl, uh, the girl's like eleven years old and they're dancing to "I'm Just the Sexy Boy." It's just and he like, kisses her on the cheek and yeah. puts her puts her up on his shoulders. Um, yeah, Vince is just bothering the hell out of me too. As Todd Pettengill brings out the acting WWF president Rowdy Roddy Piper. So this felt like the time where they had to build the cage. They needed something to uh to take up ten minutes or so while they did that for the main event. And we get big cheers for Piper. He says he takes his job as the president seriously. He says he doesn't think Michael Jackson is innocent. And he's not afraid of no booger man. He says the number one contender for the WWF championship is Shawn Michaels. Tells Sean to get ready for either Brett or Diesel And uh, he tells Yoko That he doesn't feel sorry for him <laughs> Even though he was handcuffed to the ring Because he's so big He calls himself. He calls Yoko dumb He then calls Vader an inbred And he tells uh, the folks that what Vader is wearing on his face Is not where the jockstrap is supposed to go And he says Vader shaves his head like Mr. T he then makes a match for Yoko versus Vader at WrestleMania. Cornette comes out with Clarence Mason. Roddy tells them to shut up. Cornette had delivered a really fired up promo here. He was still pretty damn good at this point. And uh, at the end of this interaction, Roddy grabs Jim Cornette on the ass. Uh, DZ, yep. did I miss and leave anything out of this? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I got something. I got something. Good. So early on, Piper says he can't be bought. Uh, Mr. Piper, Ted Turner's on line two. Well. <laughs> okay. There you go. There you, there you go. And but he's otherwise, I like the promo. It was a it, fun promo. It and was. If you're going to kill that kind of time while you're setting up a cage, there are far worse ways to do it. So I gotta say, you know, big big Brett guy. Love Brett, my all time favorite. This is just a really disappointing match. This uh, main event, and again, it's sort of how I feel like, with, as Andrew said, with a lot of the matches on the show. It's not bad if you just told me if I was just sitting down watching a show and these two guys were a main event or in in the like, a big match, it'd be fine. But I know these two have had better matches. I know that Nash can do better than this, and I the. It's the the stipulation with the escape the cage. It's difficult because Owen and Brett did this thing a year and a half earlier as well as you possibly could, and and then you know you're just trying to do something that is just never going to be that good again with the escape stipulation. So we got back and uh, Diesel out first, then a big pop for Brett. Back and forth, big strikes early. Diesel using uh, power takes some control. Uh, I did like the way they were shooting the match. Um, sort of in that Andre angle, trying to emphasize the size of uh, of Nash over Brett, and and you know really point out how big he was. So I thought that was a cool thing, um, using the angles from the below or kind of from above to to show the difference here. Brett's trying to work on the legs, all match the knees. Brett's tossing Diesel into the cage, uh, then tries to climb out. Diesel catches him. They both uh, then um, they're both up on the top rope. Nash goes to work, and he slams Brett back uh, into the cage. Slow pace early too for a Brett match Nash walks over to the door but Brett catches him Diesel gets crotched on the ropes Brett with a blow to the midsection then he goes for the door But Diesel catches him Brett works on the leg for a bit Nash back in control And then a sidewalk slam Just not that quick of a pace Diesel misses with an elbow drop Brett back in control working on the legs 
And King says can you imagine Shawn Michaels versus Big Daddy Cool Diesel In the main event of Wrestlemania And Vince is kind of pissed he says uh, Yeah we can because that was the main event of last year's Wrestlemania And he's hmm. like oh oh yeah whoops So Brett climbs and uh, He gets over the top of the cage But Diesel's able to grab Brett And bring him back in Throws him off from sort of, sort of by the top rope And uh, Then Brett gets that bulldog off the top rope Which is a good spot He goes to climb out again Nash catches him with a big suplex Diesel selling the knee injury Brett really focusing with kicks on the With kicks to Diesel's knee Very intense from Brett As far as working on the knee uh, Diesel sends Brett chest first into the turnbuckle Really hard, really loud uh, You get a little back and forth between these two Brett quickly climbs over the cage But again Diesel able to bring him back in uh, Nash is in control uh, we get another chest first whip into the turnbuckle Nash goes slowly over to Brett Picks him up but Brett slips out and sends Nash uh, Head first into the cage Brett sets up for the sharpshooter But an eye poke from Diesel breaks it up uh, We get an elbow drop from Brett From the top and He goes to climb out but Diesel with a blatant Low blow sends Brett to the floor uh, Big Daddy Cool pulls himself I thought this was kind of a cool spot He can't even get up because Brett's like Weakened his knees and his legs so much So he's pulling himself by the cage Along the mat to try to get out of the, the Cage from the door But the Undertaker pops up And uh, From the <laughs> Through the mat and grabs him I don't know about that spot I just meant the, the Diesel pulling himself I would, The Undertaker is coming from hell though So we gotta keep that in mind right. As Vince calls the whole hell itself what I thought was very weird about the ending of all of this Okay, so Undertaker pops up, grabs Diesel, pulls him down under the mat Brett climbs out the, for the win Brett's gone Yep Gone This is like Ultimate Warrior in like Survivor Series What was it, 91? When he gets fired and he just like SummerSlam SummerSlam, there we go, yeah When he, he runs out and Sid's in, in the ring after posing Like, this was bizarre well, this or, is this is worse because it's the main event of the pay per view, and the guy that has retained his championship is not one of the two guys that are still left at the end of the bounces. show. He bounces. He hits yeah. the floor. They announce him as the winner. He gets his title. He's down the aisleway. He's back out, and we see the Undertaker and Diesel kind of have a little standoff. In um, Diesel. Uh, climbs back out of the hole There's smoke pouring out He climbs over the cage He climbs out of the ring And the Undertaker stands in the ring To close the show with Brett absolutely nowhere Yeah, Just weird Very, very weird um, You know, you know your title match Is going to be Sean Brett And instead of using your main event To begin the story To set up what's going to happen At WrestleMania In your main event at WrestleMania you send the champion up the ramp and instead use the main event of a pay-per-view to set up a non-title match between The Undertaker and a guy that's leaving the company. Um, it's really strange. It's one of many strange decisions that occurred at this time, which led to the WWE, WWF being in trouble uh, for about a year and a half or so. Um, the match itself is lackluster at best. It's slow. Uh, Diesel is completely checked out. He wants no part of picking up the tempo. Uh, the escaping stuff just doesn't work for me. Uh, it's just from top to bottom. I, I just don't, and it's very rare for me to shit all over a Bret Hart match, but there's just nothing good here. Like, there's just not anything in this main event 
that nah. makes me like stand up and say, "All right, well, that, you know, that was that was good." I mean, look, there are a couple of good moves. Yeah, I, okay, but whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish, whatever they were thinking going into this and what they wanted to set up, I just didn't get it. I thought the match left a lot to be desired. I thought the ending, while at the time creative, was ill-timed and strange. Uh, you could you could have done that on a Raw. Like, you could have had The Undertaker come up under the ring at a Raw. You, like, I get it. You wanted you wanted to set something up, and you wanted to get the revenge for the Royal Rumble and what happened there. I understand all that. It was just weird. And I just questioned the booking from top to bottom. So, Kevin Nash tells a story about this match, and it's a Kevin Nash story from a shoot interview. Take it for a grain of, with a grain of salt. We don't entirely know how true this is or not because neither Undertaker nor Brett has commented on this. But apparently, when they were backstage going over the finish, Brett raised a lot of the same concerns you did, talking about how, wait a minute, I'm the champion. And I'm going to look really, really bad going into WrestleMania with this. According to Nash, Taker got upset with Brett and basically told him, not everything is about you. Now, my thinking is Brett's the champ. So shouldn't it be at least a little bit? Like, I'm not heading into Mania. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if like, this was, if, if you're going to make a switch in a week or two before Mania and he's not going to be the champ, sure, we get it. But l- knowing what we know and how they're setting up the match and they end up setting it up as these two guys, the greatest wrestlers of their generation in this Iron Man match for an hour long. And like, Brett was just nothing here. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the other thing to potentially consider is. We were talking about, oh, you know, they're setting this up and Kevin Nash is leaving the company. Nobody knew what Brett was going to do because the plan with Brett was he was going to go through WrestleMania, drop the title to Sean, go film Lonesome Dove, and then nobody knew what was going to happen because WCW was making an aggressive play for him. WWF wound up winning the Bret Hart sweepstakes with that sweetheart $20 million deal. That and he Vince was burned all of out. A sudden, yeah, that Vince all of a sudden a year later says, oh, we can't afford to pay him. Now, I don't know if that had anything to do with the finish of this match or whether, and I think this is more likely, somebody just had the idea of, wait a minute, let's have The Undertaker come up from under the ring. That'll be cool. I'd like to think there was more that went into that, but we know what's going on here. Like I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that was the logic and the last words to the booking team were, it'll be great pal. Now, as far as this match goes, I echo the sentiments of you guys in that nobody thought the title was changing hands there. I didn't think this was a terrible match. I thought there were a couple of really cool spots Early on, Diesel goes up top with Brett to beat him down before running his back into the cage. Shows you how much wrestling has changed in 25 years because now that would absolutely be a superplex off the top rope or off a part of the cage. And instead, Nash just picks Brett Hart up and runs him back first into the opposite side of the cage. It's still a cool spot. It's just not something you'd necessarily see in 2021, right? So the crowd wakes up a little bit when Brett does one of his chest bumps into the turnbuckle Mm -hmm. and Jerry Lawler 
actually has another one of his lines. And surprisingly, it's about Stu and Helen Hart saying, I bet that knocked Stu and Helen right off the couch. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, oh, real quick, real over. quick, Andrew, before you finish, I don't even think I told DZ, but I just wanted to give you the heads up. You've got the next pick, Darren, so start formulating it in your head. While oh, Andrew's I got it, yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead, Andrew. Didn't mean to interrupt cool. you, but I just wanted no, to give it, him a heads up. It's okay, and I'm happy you did that because I sure as heck didn't have anything planned. So, <laughs> um, Brett goes over the top. Diesel grabs Brett by the hair and yanks him back in. I thought that was a pretty cool spot. Ultimately, what I think hurt this match is it's a 20-minute match as opposed to a 10- or a 12-minute match. If you condense everything down into 10 or 12 minutes and have a little bit of a sense of urgency to it, mm-hmm. I think it's a far better match. But as it stands now... Is it the worst cage match I've ever seen? No. Is it the best Brett match I've ever seen? Not even close. Is it the end of a very underwhelming pay-per-view? Yep, that's pretty much what happened. I have it at two and a half stars. It was fine. It was watchable. It's nothing you need to go out of your way to see. It's definitely not a Brett main event match. No. Right? Like the main event matches that he had a lot of time You could tell that he cared about making those The main event, the one that the people uh, Came to watch, this one was just Yeah, and you know, you look at the combinations Of the different, and I don't want to blame everything on the, the Click guys, but you look at the combinations of You know, you've got five matches on the card And three of them Have major Presence from those click guys, at four I guess If you count Triple H, you know You got, you got Nash and uh, Brett, you, Brett, you got uh, Sean with Owen and then in the opening match You've got one two three kid in uh, in, in Razor so It uh yeah it was underwhelming I'm, I'm, I'm glad We watched it just because this was one that I'm, I, I eventually would have gone back to And thought the same thing so I'm glad we got it out of the way And realized it wasn't that great and it was Just uh you know just basically Putting a piece in the puzzle that is uh The chronology and history of, of wrestling If you're gonna watch so Yeah that you know we 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 figured out what happened exactly before WrestleMania in 1996. Nothing special here. I will say it was quick. Wasn't even two hours. So, not necessarily something that uh, wasted like a whole ton of our time. And it's not the worst show we've watched. It's it's just like a like a below average show from a little bit disappointing show. Yeah. I mean, it's uh yeah, and a, and a couple of the in your houses prior to this point were really good. Um it, it, but, you know, for the pay-per-view that's between Rumble and Mania, where you're really trying to set up some storylines for WrestleMania, you know, it's it's lackluster, like I said, at best. Um, you know, I, the only thing that I really remembered from this from this pay-per-view before I watched it was the whole Undertaker-Diesel spot. Uh, I didn't, like I said, I didn't even remember the Owen-Sean match, which, which just tells you that this was a, a very forgettable pay-per-view from what was an interesting time in wrestling. Yeah, I mean, again, it's no wonder that WWF had a rough 1996 because it's not like this pay-per-view was an aberration. It was a bad product in 1996, and that's not a slight on some of the workers that they had under contract because Shawn Michaels was doing great work from bell to bell. When Bret Hart was there, he was doing great work. Owen Hart was under contract. Bulldog was under contract. You had Steve Austin coming up. You had Triple H coming up. You had the Ultimate Warrior there for a cup of coffee. For about five minutes, Ahmed Johnson looked like a star before everyone realized, wait a minute, this guy actually hurts people. We probably shouldn't push him. 
Um, you had Goldust doing Goldust things at a time when nobody was doing that. You had Brian Pillman coming in. Um, it's a fascinating time, and it's something that's a lot of fun to read about in history books, but you can find better uses of your time than watching pay-per-views from that era. Okay, so we're going to head to Darren's Ocali to select the, where we're going for the next old wrestling rewatch. DZ, where are we going? Well, allow me to ask because I'm starting to forget which one. I was just going to say, I'm going to put, I, I'm in the middle, in the works of putting out a log for yeah. everyone so we'll have everything documented because now it's been 14, 15 months. Yeah. No, we're in um, like the 30 plus. Hey, hey Gino, Gino. Yeah. How many how many episodes of your podcast have you done? I don't think we've touched on that yet. Two hundred. There we go. Yeah. How about that? I think we got over seven hundred and fifty hours out there of content. (laughs) Wow. Freaking nuts. But uh, it's a good thing. You know, you're making a thousand dollars an hour. So that's exactly. uh... I was gonna say Money, money. I, I actually yeah. just bought the million dollar belt for NXT because I'm doing so well. I just uh, donated, there you go. It, donated it myself. Uh, so, yeah, um, my, my question I, I have two. Okay. My first one is Have we done Survivor Series 96 yet? Uh, that's the one with Brett Austin, right? Yes. And, uh, and we Diesel. Have, I, I don't think we have. And it wouldn't have been Diesel in 96. No, it was uh, with uh, Bay, is it, it's Sid and Sean. Yeah, Sid. Sid and we Sean. Have, I, don't think we have, I don't think we've done that yet. All no. right. Yeah. So th- this is actually a pretty decent show. It's got, um, it's, got, it's got Undertaker against Mankind with Paul Bearer in a shark cage. It's got the first Brit Stone Cold match, which is a classic. Um, and then it, you have the, uh, the uh, Sid-Sean Michaels main event. Which is actually a, a pretty good match with it with a surprising ending. So uh, it, it's it's a good pay per view. It's not long. The Survivor Series matches are okay. One of them is 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 notable, obviously, for being the debut of one young Rocky Maivia. So we can talk about that as well. Uh, it's a cool show. I, I fell into the same kind of timeline as this show, uh, but if I remember correctly, this is actually a pretty good pay per view. So I figured it was a good watch. That's a good pick by you. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Okay, cool. We're heading to uh, Survivor Series 1996. So that'll be some kind of cool chronology from where we just were with this particular show because you're going to get about eight, nine months afterwards. It's going to be the return of Brett after he loses the title the next month to Sean, and we'll see Sean in his uh, reign. And, um, yeah, we get a, a look at Survivor Series 1996 on the next old wrestling rewatch And that's going to do it for this episode. Big thank you to Eric for talking NBA with us. Big thank you to Coop for talking some wrestling with us. The boys on the old wrestling rewatch. And hope we picked some winners for you with the uh, Friday and Saturday racing. Have a great weekend, folks. We will be back next week with more That's What G Said.